And Merry Christmas, everybody. Saturday night, July 23rd, year 2016. I'm Wallace Hughes, way over here in Costa Mesa, California. Patricia will join us in 30 minutes. We'll play a Fibber, Miggy, and Molly, one of her favorite ones, where Fibber goes and chops his own Christmas tree from December 16th, 1941. So after we get that, we'll go get Patricia, and she'll be with us for an hour. And we'll feature one of her best interviews and play shows after that. So with that, let's say a prayer. Dear Lord, thank you for the blessings we have as a country. Thank you for the opportunities we have, the people we know, the people we get to meet, our friends and our families. Thank you for all the opportunities we have. Thank you for the life of Bill Allendorfer, what he did to help the station. Thank you, Lord, for his gifts. Bless our country as we try to make a decision in the upcoming political process. Look after the poor, the needy, and the hungry, Lord. Bless them all. Thank you for people who just got home from the hospital or who might be under the weather, Lord. Look after them. We ask this in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. All right, let's, uh, let's go get Fibber McGee and Molly next here on Yesterday USA, so stand by. Jaws Professional, Groove Music, Groove Music, Alt F4, One Saturday, Friday, Friday, Friday at Fibber McGee and Fibber McGee and Molly 12-16-41. Unloading Jaw, Cans, OK, Enter, Once. The Johnson Wax Program with Fibber McGee and Molly. The makers of Johnson's Wax and Johnson's Self-Polishing Glow Coat present Fibber McGee and Molly, written by Don Quinn, with songs by Martha Tilton and the King's Men, and music by Billy Mills. The show opens with the National Emblem March. Ladies and gentlemen, I heard an officer of the Red Cross speak last night. He was asking for money. He said in part that it was customary these days to preface any request for help with an apology, but that he wasn't making any apology. Neither are we. The Red Cross needs $50 million, urgently and immediately. Now, for 130 million people, that's the price of a few cigars or a lipstick. The Red Cross is always ready to help in times of war and disaster. And from now on, the demands upon them will be great. But we are a great nation. So let's give till it hurts.
The master of 79 Wistful Vista is not one to squander a buck and a quarter for a Christmas tree when he can drive out to the woods and chop down his own. No, sir. And here, driving up to the house, frostbitten but triumphant, we find that lumberjack who saves Jack on his lumber, Fibber of Fibber McGee and Molly. them brakes fixed. Boy, am I cold. Well, come on, Christmas tree. Come to Papa. You got a new home. McGee, you're getting snow all over the hall. Why didn't you stamp your feet? Why should I stamp my feet? I ain't mad at anybody. Besides, they're so cold, I'm just walking from memory. Here, you poor lad. Let me take your coat and your mittens. Thanks, Molly. Hey, take a gander at that tree, will you? Ain't she a whopper? Heavenly days, it certainly is. Yeah, it was the pick of the whole woods, Molly. I had to fight off 20 other guys to get it, too. They all wanted it. Oh, did you actually fight for it, dearie? Oh, it didn't come down to actual brawl, no. One guy ups to me and says, that's my tree, shorty. And I says, yeah, I says, tossing my hatchet up in the air and catching it by the handle. Try and get it, I says You don't need this tree for last Christmas, I says And he says, what do you mean last Christmas? Well, I says Sinister-like Advancing toward him with a nasty look You lay a blade on that balsam bud And last Christmas was your last Christmas (laughs) Ah, good for you, McGee Did he go away then? No He started swinging his axe at me And just then I noticed that this tree Which was a little farther along And was even bigger and better Oh, yeah So I just sneered and walked away Double time Well, it certainly is a big one What'll we do with it after Christmas? All of it out and make a canoe? Shucks now, Molly What took you so long to get it home? You know, you've been gone six hours Well, I had a blowout on the way back And had to stop and buy a new second-hand tire Cost me seven bucks Where's the hatchet? I lost it in the snow. I know just where it is, and next spring when the snow melts, I'll get... Oh, my gosh. What's that? Oh, it's that window in the dining room. I opened it because it was so hot in here, and it won't stay open. No. Well, I'll fix it when I get time. By the way, what time is it? It's after four. Why? Where's your wristwatch? Well, I took it off to chop this tree down and forgot all about it. (laughs) Then when I went back to look for it, it had snowed some more and covered it up. Well, that's fine. A $30 wristwatch. A $2 hatchet and a $7 tie. $39 for a 98-cent Christmas tree. Oh, happy Yuletide. (laughs) Well, I didn't want one of those measly little moth-eating shrubs they're selling downtown. When I want a tree, I want a tree, not a bouquet. Come in. Hello, Mayor Latrivia. Uh, good day, Mrs. McGee. I say, McGee. Yes? About that job you wanted in the city hall. I'm still working on it, but I'll have to have a little information. Well, tell the nice mayor what he wants to know, dearie. Okay. Dig me, Latriv. <laughs> well, first, can you dominate people? Can you let the ones in that you really want to see and cut the rest out? Absolutely. Another thing, McGee, can you stand it physically? To be mauled by crowds of people all asking you questions. Can you ignore the whispers behind your back? Can you give orders in a loud tone of authority? Boy, can I. Listen to this, Triv. All right, folks. As captain of the detective force of Whistle Vista, I order you to make way there. 
Stand back, everybody. The oh, police... Uh, <clears throat> this wouldn't be a police job, McGee. Oh. But one of the elevator operators has just been drafted, and I've suggested you. <laughs> I'll let you know later. Good day. Why, that small-minded, boat-grabbing, baby-kissing... Now, now, now. Never mind that now. Say, uh... Uh, where should we place this tree, McGee? I don't know. Where do you think? Well, offhand, dearie, I'd say it was a toss-up between the Grand Canyon and Death Valley. <laughs> Shucks, I told you I got to trim it down a little. Get me a hatchet, will you? The hatchet, dear boy, according to your official communique... Yeah. <laughs> ...is at present sleeping its edge off under a snowdrift 18 miles north of town. Yeah, well, we got a saw, haven't we? Not a very good one. It's all bent. Who bent it? You did. Huh? After you saw that vaudeville act at the Bijou last uh, October, you tried to play Pony Boy on it, remember? <laughs> well, I guess it'll still work. Say, it's awful hot in here. Yes, it is. I'll open that dining room window again. Okay. The thermostat on the furnace is out of order, and I've got to get a... Boy, am I tired. Ah, but what a treat. Why, this will give us enough kindling wood for all summer. Except that we don't need any kindling wood in the summer. <laughs> hey, McGee, I just thought of something. What's that? This tree is so big, our little ornaments are going to look awful silly on it. Yeah, I never thought of that. I'd better order a bigger assortment of ornaments. Now, hand me the phone, will you? Here. Thanks. Hello, operator. Give me the wistful vista novelty and day. Oh, oh, is that you, Mert? <laughs> How's every little thing, Mert? Huh? Who? Your niece. Somebody grabbed her and kissed her during the blackout. Oh, heavenly days, McGee. Does she know who it was? She'll recognize him when she sees him. He'll have lipstick all over his face, neck, and shirt front. <laughs> From just one kiss? What do you mean, one kiss? That blackout lasted three hours. <laughs> What's that, Mert? Okay, I'll call him later. Hey, did you get me the saw, Molly? Here it is, dearie. Now, don't get sawdust all over my floor. Why not? It'll make Uncle Dennis feel at home. <laughs> see, I guess I better take a couple of feet off of the bottom first. Yes, and trim out a hundred or so branches. Tarzan or somebody might be hiding in there. <laughs> Who? Tarzan. Who? I said Tarzan. Who? Oh, stop it, McGee. That's I didn't say funny. anything. You said Tarzan. Who? Tarzan. Who are you shouting at? Who? Who? Hey, what the? McGee, it's an owl. He's in that tree. Huh? Look, up on the fourth branch. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. Take the tree, Molly. Open the door and we'll chew him out. Who? You! <laughs> Come on, get out of that, you big buzzard. Go on, scram. Take it harder, McGee. There he goes. Take him, Molly. Take him this way. Look out, look out, look out to the table. Ooh. Head him toward the door, Molly. Wave your hand, Daddy. I am waving my hand. Shoo, scat, go away, birdie. He won't even look at me, McGee. Well, owls don't see good in the daytime. Well, what do you expect me to do, buying some glasses? Hey, ooh, there he goes. Go on, beat it. Scram. Woo-hoo. <laughs> Thank goodness. Those things give me the creep. <laughs> me too. Though I will say it was decent of him to back up my judgment. What are you talking about? Well, owls are wise birds, and we both picked out the same tree. <laughs> <laughs> Don't you get it, Molly? I said owls It's are... funny, McGee. Okay, okay. <laughs> but I've been hooted at enough for one day. Hand me the saw again. Thanks. Now... Hello there, daughter. How's about... Hey, what you got there, Johnny? Christmas tree? Oh, no. <laughs> We buy our firewood on the hoof, Mr. Oldtimer. What's on your mind besides that Daniel Boone cap, Oldtimer? Just wanted to know if you could come out and play. Some of us kids are building a snow fort in that vacant lot up on the corner. Having a peck of fun. Uh, <laughs> no, thank you. 
We've got work to do, Mr. Oldtimer. I'm afraid you left a romp in the snow without us. Oh, gee, kids, come on. <laughs> we wanted to choose up sides and play Yanks and Japs. Only nobody wants to be a Jap. Well, we haven't got time to play now, Oldtimer. I've got to trim this tree before... Then you've got a corncob pipe we can have, Johnny. I built a big snowman. I want to put a pipe in his mouth. Oh, give him a cigarette. Yeah, and put a sign on him. Something new has been added. <laughs> That's pretty good, Johnny. But that ain't the way I heard it. Oh, the way I heard it. Hey, what was that? Oh, it's just the dining room window, Mr. Oldtimer. It won't stay open. Hey? Who? Well, the way I heard it. One feller says, tell a feller, he says, why does Hitler make all his speeches from a beer garden? Well, says Teller, that's so when he starts foaming at the mouth, nobody will notice it. Martha Tilton sings Thank Your Lucky Stars and Stripes. If you live right, if you get to sleep at night, you can thank your lucky stars and stripes. If you feel free, if there's sugar in your tea, you can thank your lucky stars and stripes. Steam heat and ham and eggs and hay rides and cider kegs. If you like the good old Yankee way, so say so. If you can sing and believe in anything, you can thank your lucky stars and stripes. Do you like it here? Don't you think this country is swell? Do you want to cheer? Ring the liberty bell. Life is gay, if there's fun on Dollar Day, you can thank your lucky stars and stripes. If you can joke and enjoy an artichoke, you can thank your lucky stars and stripes. Dime stores and bobby pins and hot dogs and Mickey Finns, if you like the way we go about it. If you can sing and believe in anything, you can thank your lucky stars and stars. Oh, they cut down the old pine tree. And they hauled it away to the mill to make an ice Christmas tree just for Molly and me. Hey. Huh? Goodness sakes, do you have to sing with your sawing? No, I don't have to, but it helps. Hey, how does it look now, Molly? Beginning to shape up pretty good, eh? Yes, if you like that shape. <laughs> pretty lopsided. It is? Where? Oh, oh, yeah. Sure. Well, I can trim that side off a little more. It's a good thing I got a big tree to start with, you know it. Well, yeah. listen now, try and be a little quieter. Uncle Dennis is upstairs taking a nap. That guy's always taking a nap. And I just found out why he wanted that old brass bed brought down from the attic, too. Why? Well, I peeked in on him the other morning, and there he was, sound asleep. 
with one foot on the brass foot rail and a happy smile on his pretty little face. <laughs> now, now, let's not start on poor Uncle Dennis again. Uh, He's a gentleman and a scholar. He ought to be a scholar. He's had more teachers than anybody I ever knew. <laughs> oh, well. Oh, I cut down the old pine tree and I hauled it away in my car. McGee, uh, there's somebody at the door. Who? I don't know. Let me see. Oh, it's Mrs. Uppington. Oh, not the Mrs. Uppington, the choicest crumb in our upper crust. Yes. And wearing a hat that was made in a hurry by a cross-eyed milliner wearing boxing gloves. <laughs> Come in, Abigail, darling. Uh, how do you do, my dear? And Mr. McGee. Hi, Uppy. <laughs> Please excuse the mess in here, Abigail. McGee is trimming the Christmas tree. Oh, how fascinating. I simply adore the scent of freshly cut lumber, really. It's so invigorating and so, so outdoorsy, you might say. Yeah, I'm, <laughs> I might say that if I carried my handkerchief in my sleeve. <laughs> say, I didn't know you were such a lover of the great open spaces, Abigail. Oh, my dear. I used to simply spend all my time at my hunting lodge in Maine. <laughs> Roughing it, you know. <laughs> Ever hunt any, Moose? McGee. <laughs> Watch your commas, dearie. <laughs> well, did you, Uppy? Oh, no, no. I was never much of a nimrod, Mr. McGee. Oh. <laughs> we called it a hunting lodge because we were always hunting a paw for bridge. <laughs> <laughs> ah, but you really ran wild up there, Uppy. <laughs> <laughs> Don't pay any attention to him, Abigail. You know, he thinks he's a great woodsman because he shot a bear in Alaska last summer. Well, that was something. If you ever walked through a dark forest with, with the feeling that something, something was creeping up on you, ready to pounce any minute, and suddenly... Wow! Help! He got me! Shoot him! Take it easy, McGee. Huh? Take it easy. Oh. It's just the window in the dining room. <laughs> it won't stay open, Abigail. But say, where did you get that hat? I haven't been able to take my eyes off it. Oh, do you like it, my dear? She didn't say that. <laughs> She just says she couldn't take her eyes off it. <laughs> I tell you, it's just darling, Abigail. Oh, I'm so glad. That's exactly why I dropped over today, my dear, to see if you liked it. <laughs> uh, do you, Miss McGee? Well, confidentially, Abby, since I'm a plain-spoken man, I think it's the worst monstrosity ever placed on a human head. Oh. It would make a Zulu medicine man swallow his spear. <laughs> I'm a success. What? I just said to myself, if Mr. McGee likes it, I will simply have to give it to my cook. That man has less taste than a nightclub salad. Thank you, Mr. McGee. <laughs> Why, that old flounder. <laughs> so I haven't got any taste, haven't I? Not in half, theory. Oh. When it comes to fashions, you'd better just do one thing. What's that? Saw wood. Huh? Oh, okay. I got needles galore sprinkled over the floor in the shade of the old pine tree. Hey, Molly, how's she look now? Well, it looks better, McGee. At yeah. least we can get in the same room with it. <laughs> now, if you'll trim some more off the far side there. Okay, I'll get... Oh, hi, Harlow. Hello, Fibber. Hello, Molly. Hello, Mr. Wilcox. Won't you come in and get some sawdust all over your clothes? Say, <laughs> <laughs> hey, what goes on here, anyway? I went out and cut down my own Christmas tree, Harlow, and now I've got to shorten the sleeves on it a little. <laughs> <laughs> well, you've sure got the room in a mess, pal. You've got enough loose branches around here to bed down a rhinoceros. Well, 
Lie down and we'll try to make you comfortable. <laughs> Very funny, McGee. But what can we do for you, Mr. Wilcox? Well, it's like this, Molly. I'm a little worried about the greeting cards I ordered this year. I'm afraid the sentiment is a little too flowery. Well, read one to us, Mr. Wilcox. Though, personally, I don't think a greeting card could be too flowery. Why, certainly not. Let them drip, I always says. Well, read the blurb, Waxy. <laughs> All right, it reads, The season's greetings to you, my friend, from the Johnson self-polishing glow coat man. Oh, I hope that in 1942 and 43 and 44 and 45 and 46... You'll remember all those little tricks I showed you about saving time and dough by using glow coat on your flow. <laughs> on your flow? Well, shut my mouth, honey child. <laughs> you shut it, dearie. Continue, Mr. Wilcox. How it saves your linoleum and keeps it clean with a lovely gloss and a dandy sheen. Eliminates rubbing and buffing, too, and in 20 minutes or less, you're through. Just pour some out and spread it around and let it dry, and then you've found the color and pattern have come to life. And so have you, your husband's wife. <laughs> oh, that's <laughs> Your husband's wife. <laughs> if that ain't the corny. Hey, what's that noise? That was Longfellow turning over, Harlow. <laughs> now, it was the dining room window falling down again, but go ahead, Mr. Wilcox. Well, there isn't much more, Fine. but it goes... The best of wishes I send to you from me and S.C. Johnson & Son, Incorporated, too. Well, what do you think of it? Okay, okay. I'll get something else. <laughs> naive character, isn't he, Molly? How naive? Oh, I was talking to him one day, and he looks all around to see if anybody was listening, and then whispers to me that Santa Claus didn't really live at the North Pole said he really lived in Racine, Wisconsin. <laughs> Say, that tree's getting awfully small, yeah. McGee. Better not trim it much more. Uh, I know, but I decided that it would look a lot better up on the piano. Well, that'll be nice. Yeah. Then it'll be out of the way. Yeah, that's right. I'll go out and fix that dining room window. Okay. Here. Oh, I cut down the old pine tree Cause the ones at the store were not free I told the man at the store There's a knock at the door I wonder who that could be. Come in. Yeah. Oh, hello, Mr. Wimple. Hello, Mrs. McGee. <laughs> How are you today, Mr. McGee? Fit as a fiddle and ready to play humoresque, Wimp, old shrimp. What's it with you? <laughs> I just dropped in to say goodbye for a couple of weeks ago. Oh. I'm spending the holidays in Chicago with Mama and Papa. Oh. <laughs> Is your wife going with you, Mr. Wimple? Who, sweetie face? Uh-huh. No, she has to stay here and knit. Knit? Can't she knit on the train? Not so good, Mr. McGee. Oh. She broke three ribs wrestling with a policeman, and the doctor says she'll knit much better at home. Well, what on earth was she doing wrestling with a policeman? Oh, she is the instructor at the police gymnasium, Mrs. McGee. <laughs> the whole force is just crazy to study with her. At least, I think they are. <laughs> I'll bet you'll miss her, Wimple. How much? How much will you miss her? No, how much will you bet? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I, I shouldn't say that, I suppose. Sweetie Face is really a wonderful woman at heart, if any, and I doubt it. <laughs> well, we'll call on her while you're gone, Wimple, and see if there's anything we can do. Yes, we might take her some fruit or something. Oh, I wouldn't advise it, Mrs. McGee. Last time Sweetie Face was sick, some people took her some flowers, and she threw them in their faces. Oh, don't she like flowers? Yes. She loves flowers, but she hates people. Well, goodbye, folks, and Merry Christmas. And you. Merry Christmas. 
King's Men sing Coming Through the Ride. If a body meet a body coming through the ride, if a body kiss a body meet a body simply won't work. Hey, have you been monkeying with that, McGee? Who, me? Yes, you. With the thermostat? Yes. Why should I have been monkeying with the thermostat? That's what I want to know. Heck, I don't know anything about a thermostat. I know that, too, but did you monkey with it? <laughs> when? Anytime. Well, say I did kind of tinker with it last night at that. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Now it comes out. And just what did you do to it, Mastermind? <laughs> Well, I was walking past it with a screwdriver in my hand, and the screwdriver caught in one of the little screws, and the first thing I knew, I had it all apart. (laughs) Wonderful little gadget, too. McGee, I don't know what I'm going to do with you. That's a coincidence, Molly. I don't know what I'm going to do with this little dingus I took out of it, either. I couldn't find any way to get it back in there. Well, why didn't you tell me so I could call the furnace man? Oh, I was going to fix it myself when I got time. I'm pretty ingenious with mechanical stuff. You know that. Oh, sure. What happened when you fixed my percolator? What do you mean? It throws coffee across the room like a fire extinguisher. <laughs> and my electric toaster. Oh, well. I have to fix breakfast wearing a catcher's mitt. <laughs> oh, well. No machine is perfect. As soon as I finish with this tree, I'll fix it. Stop a while and listen to my... Well, you go ahead and I'll uh, go open that dining room window. Okay. Oh, for the... Come in. Oh, hi, sis. What you doing? Who's Sis, I'm currently engaged in giving this deposed monarch of the forest a cross-cut massage. Well, hmm? <laughs> I says I'm doing a little whittling on this Christmas tree. Look, do you always drink your milk like a good girl? Sure I do, I betcha. Why? Well, you better, that's all. Take a look at this saw. <laughs> Only three years old, and its teeth are all shot. <laughs> Let that be a lesson to you. 
Okay, mister. Now, I wish you wouldn't bother me anymore. Now, I got to finish this job and get the sawdust swept out. Gee, you know it smells dandy in here. <laughs> sure does. Mm -hmm. No nicer smell in the world than a cedar tree. It's one of nature's lures to get us out into the great outdoors. Gee, is it? Honest, mister? Sure it is. You got to realize, sis, that there's a reason for everything in nature. Oh. What's nature's reason for spinach, huh? <laughs> <laughs> Why, sis, do you mean to stand there with your little arms sticking out of your shoulders? And tell me you don't know that? Yes, I don't, I bet you. Why, nature gave us spinach so we could have Popeye. Oh. Gee, I guess I never thought of that, mister. <laughs> Nature is wonderful, isn't he? She. Hmm? Nature, sis, is always referred to as she. Why? Well, because... Oh, boy, here's my chance to make Reader's Digest. Sis? <laughs> Nature is called she because it's so inconsistent, unstable, unpredictable, beautiful, mean, gorgeous, appealing, nasty, and nobody yet has ever understood her. Do you think the Reader's Digest would like that? Well, don't you? The name of the magazine, mister, is Digest, not Heartburn. So long now. Why? the last time I ever try to explain something to her, if I'm smart. Okay. Uh-oh. Aha. Now we're getting someplace. Now to cut her down on the sides. Now, trim the ends a little bit. Get her off there. there. Oh, heavenly days, there goes that window again. You don't have to worry about it anymore, Molly. Here, here's a nice stick I made for you to prop it up with. Oh, fine, dearie. Just the thing. Yeah. Thank you. Oh, forget it. It's nothing that any red-blooded American boy could have done. Say, it was very thoughtful of you now, <laughs> McGee. Say, yeah? what became of the Christmas tree? That's it. I got her trimmed down a little too fine. Well, that's that, I guess. Now to go to work on that thermostat. No, no, don't do it, Mickey. Folks, day after day and night after night on this program and others for the past two weeks, you've heard urgent requests to buy defense bonds and defense stamps. It's getting a little repetitious, isn't it? Well, it's going to get more repetitious. We're going to say it again and often and loud. This is not an invitation to a tea party or a bingo game. This is war, and we've got to do something about it. It's going to cost a lot of money to win it, but it would cost a lot more than mere money to lose it. Now, don't wait for somebody to come to your door selling bonds and stamps. Get down to your bank or post office and lay it on the line. This isn't the other fellow's fight. It's, it's yours and mine. So here it is again. Buy defense bonds and defense stamps. Yes, and if you live in Canada, buy war savings certificates or victory bonds. Good night. Good night, all. <laughs> This is Harlow Wilcox, speaking for the makers of Johnson's Wax Finishes for Home and Industry, inviting you to be with us again next Tuesday night. Good night. This is the National Broadcasting Company. This is Chicago WMAQ.
Jaws Professional, Bill Bragg, and Call Tab, Skype Trademark Tab, Online Tab, Walton Tab, Search Edit, Active Favorite, Martin, Ed Clue, Patricia from FL Home, Phone Application, Send it, Invite a Group, Enter, Leaving Menus, Contact, Unloading Job, Cancel, OK, Enter, Patricia from F. California. Uh, hello, here at Patricia's National Anthem. Oh, Patricia, my darling Patricia, I can see all my dreams in your eyes. Your smile is as gay as a bright summer day. You're much fairer than Aaron's blue skies. Oh, Patricia, my lovely Patricia, you could make all my dreaming come true. My heart is just drooling, Patricia, no fooling. I'm falling in love with you. Patricia, my darling, Patricia, I can see all my dreams in your eyes. Your smile is as gay as a bright summer day. You're much fairer than Aaron's blue skies. Oh, Patricia, my lovely Patricia, you could make all my dreaming come true. My heart is just drooling. Patricia, no fooling. I'm falling in love with you. Patricia, my lovely Patricia, you could make all my dreaming come true. My heart is just drooling, Patricia, no fooling. I'm falling in love. I'm falling in love. I'm falling in Hello, Patricia. Hello, Walden. Hello. How are we tonight? We're fine. It's very dusty. You know, the... It's dusty? Is uh-huh. that what you said? Dusty, yeah. Yeah, I had oh the my. fan going, the open windows, and, you know, it, it, it could be from the fires around, you know, a couple hours away, blowing me stuff, you know. Oh, my gosh. I, I, you know, I... My confession is I have not kept track of the news for the last couple of days, so I didn't even know you were blossoming in fires out there yet. Well, a little bit. You know, I, I, I want to, can I give everybody a a Saturday night alert, a weather alert? Yeah. All right. I, I hope everybody's sitting down for this. 
Now, I oh, heard boy. this on K. I heard this on K National News Station. Oh boy. We are this whole United States for the next three months. We're in a heat bubble. Oh, everybody in every part of the country. Will be have yes. That. That's right. It will be at least a minimum of nine degrees in every state somewhere, uh, or, or higher, for the next three months. So up to think. Oh. Yeah, so the specs are really concerned about Texas and the droughts because, you know, good thing Texas got all that rain. But it's going to, for the next three months, everybody, we're going to be really under the, a heat heat uh, deal, deal. So just be careful. Don't go outside and just wow. run around. I mean, like, wow. Yeah. 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 Um, we've been pretty hot today. <laughs> we've been pretty hot this week. Oh no! It was only ninety-one today. We were. You know how hot it. You know how hot it was in Iraq yesterday. In Iraq, uh-huh. oh dear me! I enough to fry food. How hot? One twenty-nine. Oh we. Yeah. Oh ow wee. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So everybody listen to us. Stay cool. You know that that is the highest. Stay <laughs> cool. I'm cool. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a cool chick. Uh, cool. You I'm are cool. a cool bird, yeah. Yeah. I am, and thank you for my song, my national anthem. It's your national anthem, everybody, you know. <gasps> you know? Oh, I feel so special. You are? Oh, thank you, thank you, thank you. Yeah. So we, what kind of news did you give people that I missed? Never mind, then you'll have to repeat it. <laughs> Never mind. <laughs> Not much. I guess uh, I, I, last night we talked a little bit about underscore bell passing. And yeah. we talked about, the, you know, the next couple of months we're going to probably feel some hiccups, on, especially on the Blue Channel. So I just uh, want to be prepared, you know, we're a bit yeah. of a transition right now. And Bill, Bill Bragg has always said, and so often, I, I say always said, he's said so often how much he relied on underscore Bill. Yeah. And, uh, you know, to his family, we send our good thoughts and... We're going to miss him. He we was are very good. All of us, and my goodness, not not only miss him because he was so good to us, but because he was a good person. Good person. So, oh, I told Don Richard's going to have to carry a lot of the weight because really, of the techie computer people, uh, a lot of it's going to fall on Don's shoulders when he gets back on vacation on Monday. So, does he know this? <laughs> oh yeah, we called him right away on oh. his vacation. He knows. <laughs> he knows. Nothing like a surprise when you get back from vacation. Yeah, he knows. So, uh, so we're definitely uh, we're going to be we have a transition right now, and they're, yeah, they're, they're, have a couple of lumps and and hiccups and yeah, limps, I guess. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. So, do I get to say hi to everybody? Uh huh. I mean, my gosh, your national anthem played in the phone rang, so I they've just been sitting here waiting. Oh, okay. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I guess, Hi, everybody. I just have to sit on the phone. Hello there. You're on with Patricia. You hung up? You done up. My God. Must have been a pizza order. 714. Yeah. 714-545-2071. You want to give it a call? Patricia and I are here. Patricia will be here for a little while. Then we have to send her off to bed. You know, she's doing the early morning shifts right now. Yeah. So we got to get her off to bed. And yeah. so you got, you got, 
You got a little over 45 minutes to talk to the adorable one. You know, <laughs> so someone four five four five two zero seven one. I want to mention our friend Elva Green, who's her dad was Eddie Green, you know, who was the waiter on the Duffy's Tavern radio show. She had put out a biography about her dad, and so that is now out. And so we'll be having her periodically over the next couple of months. So. You might want to go to BearManorMedia.com to check out the latest book on old-time radio. And for all you Paul Harvey fans, circle Friday, August the 5th. Look like we will have a Paul Harvey night. I got a hold of one of Paul Harvey's biographers. And so we're shooting for that. It being the night that we're going to do a look back upon Paul Harvey and play a lot of famous newscasts. Even tell, tell me that date one more time, please. Friday, August the 5th. And we have, Larry have found newscast going back to the 50s. And I just, this week I just transferred one that he mentioned my uncle Jim kicking over as the commanding general in Japan in 1986. So we're just busy transferring Paul Harvey's. And uh, it's an interesting to listen to Paul Harvey. <laughs> Don't hurry up. It's interesting to hear what Paul Harvey's style was in the fifty compared to the eighties. It's a definitely really. Oh, I, I didn't know that there was such a dramatic change. Oh yeah, it's it's a kind of gentler Paul Harvey in the eighties. Oh. Yeah. So it, it'll be uh-huh. interesting. Hello, Carl. You're on the air. Greetings from the Great White North. Hi, Gary. Hi, Gary. Our highest this is temperature. Gary from Wisconsin, who's going to report in. <laughs> Our highest temperature yeah? for this for the next ten days is going to be eighty-three degrees, which is tomorrow. So, are, are you are, are you running out place? Are you running out room? Can everybody come stay in Wisconsin at Gary's place? Oh, we got plenty of room. <laughs> Boy, eighty-three degrees. What a what a break that would be for us. And then, uh, let's see, it looks like Friday and Saturday is going to be a high of 74 and a low of 61 or 59. Uh, we must explain to the audience that generally with Gary, a minus 10 at the high normally around the time of the year. Yeah, so yeah, normally it's minus 10. <laughs> we're, we're in that heat wave. We're in that heat bubble. You are. You are in so, the heat uh, bubble. You Anything g- above 37 is a heat wave. <laughs> yeah, up here. <laughs> Gee whiz. Gee whiz. Listen, 85 would be a wonderful break for us down here. I, I looked, it was only 91 today. It's, it's been as high as 98 in the last week. How does your many factor, Patricia? Has it been a little high? Or has it been typical do, for the time of the year? Do I have to confess that I don't know? No, you don't have to say anything. You have your you have your weather giggy. You can tell it. You can tell it. Oh yeah, well, yeah, my, you know. Okay. You All can, right. Right now, the humidity is eighty three. So it's that high for the time of the year. It's it's high period. Okay. I don't. Yeah. I, well, no, I guess not because the temperature is down to seventy nine, mm. and of course, the lower the temperature goes, the higher the humidity goes. So. No, that would be about right. Okay. Okay, that's good. Who cares? We're sick. Who cares? Right. Patricia has the air conditioning. <laughs> <laughs> I cannot tell a lie. 
and it's not for comfort. You you are cute. Oh, oh, that's really good. Hmm? You are cute. Cu you are cool as a cucumber. I have one of them in the refrigerator. I know. Too. I know. You yeah. are. You're the cucumber kid now. I'm I'm into veggies. Yeah. Ah. I got some avocados. Avocados. That's definitely a California vegetable. I didn't know they get them in Wisconsin for crying out loud. Well, it takes a, it takes about a day to get them up here. Ah, okay, okay. Are you gonna make guacamole with guacamole with your avocados? No, 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 no. no. I just eat them. You can eat them. Just eat them. A eat, lot of people do that. Eat, eat them plain. Yeah. This is confession time. Okay. I have never tasted guacamole. You know what, Patricia? May I put my two cents in on this one? Certainly. You're not missing a thing. Really? <laughs> You've eaten a box. You. I didn't waste some of my calories on that. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. You've eaten a uh, avocado. It's just uh, guacamole. It's just some little spices put in it. The guacamole I eat in here is all really plain. And I like, I like a little zip. Zap and bang to my food. So what goes into guacamole? Oh, into depends. What goes into guacamole. I don't know. I my 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 recommendation is probably nothing. But I just my <laughs> just mashed up. All right. Let's some people it's it's just it's the, you know it's it's the the avocado and Miracle Whip or mm. or, or mayonnaise, um, a little salt and pepper. A little lemon juice so it doesn't turn brown. You always want to put lemon juice in it because uh, the, the avocado will turn brown after a little bit. And the lemon hmm. juice stops it from browning. Yes. And, yes. Uh, that works with apples, too. You're right. Let's see. I, I had lemonade today. I had lemonade for lunch, so, so does that, 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 that count? Well, well, then you will not turn brown. You're not going to turn brown. <laughs> If I don't, that almost if, I don't <laughs> if I don't sit out in the sun, I won't be turning brown either, you know. This is true. This is true. But, um, we, can, we can fry out there. Yeah, yes, you just... Uh, it doesn't look all that exciting. It's not. And a little bit of garlic, some tomatoes. And yeah. My dad is trying to grow... My dad is trying to grow homemade tomatoes in the backyard. I think the time I think the time is going to be done. They're going to be about a hundred dollars a tomato. I mean, everything he's, everything he's trying to do to prevent the the vomit. Going to be the size of large marbles. Yes, they're just they're just they're just getting around. They're getting around all dad's trapping and just snacking all his tomato. He's not a. Well, you can get you can get the cherry tomatoes and you can grow those inside. Well, and he. Then we um, we 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 not the same. Them. And we tried a couple of years ago, hanging tomatoes. You can put them on your um, mm -hmm. and we tried yeah, those. Yeah, yeah. Did it work? Did it work? It worked some, but I don't. They don't. They don't seem to be selling those. So my dad is back to the to the old buy the five plant, bury them in the ground, and mm -hmm. he he built cases. He built oh my wire fences. Out. And they're all just they're all just. Uh, removing it and getting to the tomatoes. He can, you know. If, what is eating? What is out there eating them? Well, we don't know. We think they're probably rats, <laughs> you know. But he, he's... He, Bunnies. It's just... Bunnies love stuff. You know, we think it's either cat or possums or, or, or rats. So, we got know. Mr. McGregor's garden there, huh? Yeah. 
Yeah. So, so we're, we're, we are convinced every tomato we're having, we're ha we have BLTs for dinner tonight. Every tomato, or at least it's going to wind up being $100 a tomato. Time to done with this. <laughs> that is one heck of a BLT. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Well, Gary, we're going to cut phone. I apologize. We're going to cut phone calls just a little bit short tonight because we're having a short segment at the beginning of the show. So I have to say thank you for calling in, and thank you for saying we can all come visit at 85 yeah, Degrees. Thank you. Up here. That would be good. The ice it's, what, what? I, it's really easy to find me. I'm yeah. usually out in the middle of the street. Okay. So you're looking for the ice box. Gary lives yeah. at Ice Box, Wisconsin, basically, everybody. So. <laughs> <laughs> all right, Gary, we'll talk to you soon. All right. Take care. Bye thank now. you. All right, there's a show. Could you, could you turn yourself down just uh -huh, a little tick? I can. In fact, I did that before the show, so I'll do that again. Ah, there you go. That's yep. better. You have the best ears in the family. 714-545-2071. like to give Patricia a call. We sent her off to bed a little early tonight in 38 minutes and counting. Seven, Is that five. Really? Oh, yeah, my goodness. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Yes, we we have to. Oh, this poor little kid, you know. Well, she's going. Oh, she 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 being well tri well taken care of. They just took yes, her. She she's getting tuckered out, yes, but she she's she being well taken oh, care of. Oh my goodness, she she had her little buns worked out this week. Wow. My goodness. Hello yes. there, Carl. Coming all over the place. Who's there? Hello, Carl. You're on you. Hey, Patricia. Hey, Paul. Hey, oh, hi, Paul. God, hi, how, how are you doing? Paul, oh, I never recognize your voice. You have to tell me who is you. <laughs> I know, but I knew Walden would say it. I'm, you, you, I you, remember you, to say it so he doesn't have to. Uh, okay, so, so, so if I just make up names, you, you wouldn't mind, right, Paul? No, I don't <laughs> mind. I'm okay with that. Um, nice to talk to you in person, Patricia. Well, thank you. You know, and I thank you for that alert about those radios. And you know what happened? Twice. Twice I wrote emails and fell asleep and wiped them out. Uh, oh, no. Oh, but, no. Yeah. Walter, there was someone I, on Old Time Radio Digest uh -huh. who had several old tabletop radios. Wow. That, were he, that he was making available. Mm -hmm. And I remembered that Paul had talked about trying to find one. So I sent him, and I'm copying that. You cannot copy from the old radio <laughs> digest. So I had to figure out a way to do this. But anyway, apparently he did get an email, and it went yeah. away. But uh, I'm confident really those things didn't last for more than a day, Paul. Yeah, I know. I really appreciate it. Well, you might want to sign up for the Old Time Radio Digest. It's free, and it comes to your email box, so that way you can keep track of those types of things. So mm -hmm. so that might be something to consider, Paul. Old Time Radio Digest. Yeah, so if you go to yeah. Old Radio Digest. forward one to you. It goes to I, I can. Would that, would that work, Walden, if yeah. I forward yeah. one to you? Uh-huh. That way, no that way you can see it what it looks like. And then at the bottom, you can sign up for it, and it's free. And there's another one I'm with, it's called rickplace.com. But that's more than just old radio. It's a little, it's radio, TV, films. And so those are the two that I get that show up in my 
email box, but more and more, everything's happening on Facebook. And the reason why, people love to put pictures up. Especially yeah. Martin Graham. Every, all the conventions he goes to, he takes a picture of this item and that item, and he puts them up on the Facebook so people get to say, wow, that was the Amos and Aggie taxi cab looks like, or, you know, different things. He, <laughs> you know, different things he spots. So. Mm-hmm. What, was the se- what was the second one that you said, Walden? Rick's Place. So it's like, you know, think of like the movie Casablanca where they had Rick. Oh, Rick's. Uh-huh. So it's place.com. It's rickplace.com at the website. And you can sign up for, and that is another newsletter. And I, I'm a member of that one too. Okay. And so those are the two that I would sign up. But Patricia will send you the one, the OTR Digest via email. I just did. Yeah. See? I just. Yeah, I did it. I did it. See? See, most of me is a little slow this week, but that one I did. Anyway, I have have an assignment for the entire family to help me out. Whoa. Uh Uh-huh. This is going to be a project for the family. Okay. You know, we we, we got Jack Armstrong taken care of. Now we're going to work on another project. (laughs) Martin got that taken care of for us. That's right. All right. We just made a deal. To hold our annual Spurvac meeting next March at the Long Beach Veteran Hospital. Oh yeah, I heard you talking about that. Right, okay. and a, 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 one neat thing is it still has the original theater there that the different radio shows did stuff for the vets. The Jack so and they still have photos, so it would be fun to find shows that was done there, and to give it to the PR department of the hospital, and John said it would be fun to play them on the air while we get close to the march. So, everybody, while you're listening to your old-time radio over the next six months or so, if you hear something that we are broadcasting live from the Long Beach Veterans Hospital, flag that, you know, make a note of a date, and email that to either to Patricia and I, because we want to compile a list. So... What? You know, I've never heard that. that. Say again, Patricia? Did Bob Hope broadcast from there periodically? Yep, he did. We have have the Christmas Eve broadcast in 1946 with Dunnair. Mm -hmm. Uh, Jack Benny did it December 22nd, 46. Uh, If you remember the Truth or Consequences, H.C. Smith, uh, where they did the Christmas. That was Dunnair. So... So we know that there were several radio shows done there, so it it'd be fun to compile a list. And the theater is still there, features two hundred fifty people, and so we would just like to start putting together a list. So everybody should listen to old time radio over the next six months ago to hear mention the Long Beach Veteran Hospital. Fly that for us, because we okay. would like to... F- now, that's funny. Never recall ever hearing it, but now that you said it, watch me hear it a few times. Yep, yep. So I guess... So we figured that uh, that's a big family project for everybody. When you're listening to your old-time radio, take a note, you know. Because um, Martin, Martin Grams is working on a Bob Holt book, and the toughest part is going to be because Bob Holt moved every week uh, you know, he never stayed in one spot, is 
creating the log, and he's going to be contacting, look up every individual newspaper that had something uh, mentioned about the Bob Hope show that week. And so he went from town to town, uh-huh. to keep, and he just he wanted to um, to keep his image out there as far as possible. Well, he he would he would always be broadcasting at a military base or a a community center or a charity function. Very okay. rarely he broadcast from the home base in Hollywood during the forties. And Martin wants to really put together a log, and the problem is that's going to be it's to actually look up all the local newspaper articles for every single town that Hope was at. Oh, yeah. That's a major project. Well, you How old serious. is it going to be when he finishes this? <laughs> <laughs> What's that? Patricia Hacking, how old are you planning to be? He, well, he, I was just, we just had a, a brand new interview Martin did with a, with Dr. Joe Webb, and he said he, what he got ideas for twenty books. So, <laughs> uh, well, how will he know when he succeeded, though? He goes. He has a checklist in his head. So once he figures he has enough information, or he's answered all enough of the questions, then he'll decide to write the book. So he'll know what time frames that Hope yep. broadcasted from. Right. So he'll be able to see when there's blocks of time that weren't yep. filled. Yep. So that one, that that book is going to take a little while just because of trying sure. to trying to. It sounds sounds like it would be the toughest one. <laughs> it might be. That's the rest of his career. <laughs> Can I make a suggestion? Yes, my dear. For someone who has nothing on the plate to do otherwise, yes. if we went to Dave Golden's site, radiogoldindex.com, uh-huh. for anyone who wants information about shows and actors and all sorts of stuff like that there, right? Uh, Dave has pages and pages of information. For example, Jack Benny. Right. He will have a Jack Benny page and list all of the shows that he has in his collection. Right that Jack Benny either hosted or starred in or appeared in, just anything that was associated with Jack Benny. So if one of us, <laughs> <laughs> if just one of us happens to go to Radio Gold Index and click on every single radio show mm-hmm. that Dave has listed up there and just run a page search that might be a, a good start, and, and a search for Long Beach. No, that would be the, that would be a good finish, Walt. <laughs> <laughs> because there are some of us. <laughs> no, seriously, if this turns out to be a decent idea, maybe a couple of us can split uh-huh. up the list and yep. just run some. I think that's a great idea. So that's that's we we're looking for volunteers. Because there's only Jay Hickerson. Don't all answer at once now. <laughs> Jay, Jay Hickerson's got listed six thousand radio shows. So we just, if we have six thousand volunteers out there, do one show each. Yeah, see, see, radio uh, Gold Index. Uh huh. Radio Gold Index. That's R A D I O G O L D I N D E X dot com. And his. RadioGoldIndex.com. Right, and that's his database. Mm-hmm. He has listed 100,000 shows that he has write-up and descriptions for. So, yeah. and the, 
these are ones that are in his collection. Right. So it does not mean these are the only ones right. out there that are available, but these are the ones he has in his collection, and it's an astounding collection. Yep. So it really be a, be a good starting point. I tease you. It is a starting point. It is a starting point. So when I hear these huge collections, uh, these guys are usually very old, except for Walden and Larry and them that have the four-terabyte uh, uh, drives now. Yeah, well, or more. If these guys started from originally, you know, being alive and taping or recording in one way or another, wire or what have you, <laughs> they are usually an older person, huh? Well, what what do you define as an older person? Over twenty? Uh, over seventy. That's a good chance. Well, we 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 had this discussion a while back. What about a year ago? Uh huh. Two years ago. Yep. What what defines? And we've got all of these great terms: an older person, yes. elderly, senior citizen, old. All of these terms we throw about and. We have no idea what age to tack onto them. I think yeah. elderly sound it 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 the most offensive. Uh huh. <laughs> what, what is the most offensive? Elderly. I, I oh think well. Older person covers everything. Yeah, older. Um, and I'm thinking, like I said, somebody who was alive when they were when the shows were played. And who actually started recording by whatever was available with whatever was available for them. That's why I threw in wire yeah. with a snicker. Um, and and so by that virtue, these songs that we listen to a lot of our um, shows that we listen to are seventy plus years old. That's a good chance, mm-hmm. but maybe maybe somebody started when they were one years old, so Paul. Yeah, yeah. Some are eighty years old. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, they would maybe have to be that old even to, to be able to be alive and, and actually be recording. Or, well, you know, we have some listeners out there who remember things that, for most of us, are things we read about as part of history. That's true. John that, in, in Florida, John in Florida and his mom were downtown in whatever town this was. I don't even remember when John Dillinger was shot. Yep. That's right. I remember that. Yep. Uh, yeah, and, these are, and by the way, the um, shooting John Dillinger was an anniversary this week, and I can't recall which I think day 19, it was. I think 1934 or something like that. Yeah. <clears throat> I don't remember which day it was, but it was one, when I say one day, it's yep. either July 22nd or the 21st, something in there. But well, I mean, uh, for, for, for example, this, this week was the anniversary of the moon landing. That's, that's, only, right. that's only 47 years ago. Only. Wow. I mean, Only. just think, just think there, are, there are several generations now that have been born mm-hmm. after we landed on the moon. Yeah. Right. And I couldn't, be- I, I couldn't believe this, this week. I was listening to somebody, and this tells you that somebody that doesn't know history said this. And, mm-hmm. and it was in, in the 30s. He said, I really doubt that we landed on the moon because... Why did we only go there once? And I got thinking, you don't know your history that we went back in 70 and 71 <laughs> and 70. If you just think we went to the moon one oh time. My oh, my gosh. We, we could spend all night talking about what people do and do not believe. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
Remember oh, when they when well, uh, we're wheeled in? Just a little bit faster tonight, and I I apologize for doing that because we're in the middle of a conversation here. But could you give a call back maybe later? Oh yeah, yeah. You know, I'm sorry. I'll I'll let you go. Thank I know, you, Paul. I know you're limited. It's so nice to hear from you, Patricia. Oh, and it's good to hear from you. Thank you for the good wishes. Yes. Bye bye. Bye bye. Seven one four five four five. 2071. We put Patricia in bed in 23 minutes. 23 minutes. <laughs> 23 minutes. <laughs> I don't think any kid in America ever got a time limit like that. Well, maybe they did. You're, you're right. Maybe they did. We did. Well, when we were kids. You, you got know, 12 minutes. Yeah, I, I mean, yes. they, my bedtime was supposed to be 9 o'clock, but you, were, you and I have the same body clock. Even though I went to bed at 9, it would still be after midnight before I would fall asleep, you oh. know. And what, wasn't that terrible? You surprised me several times when you tell me that going to sleep is an hour-long process mm-hmm. for you, on average. I mean, certainly yep. not every night. Yep. But on average, you kind of just ooze yep. into sleep. Yep. And I am a hysterical wreck if I haven't been asleep within 10 minutes. Yep. I, what, what is I, worse? I, I'm up and around. I just get up and bounce around until I try again. What is worse, and I think Patricia and I agree, and I bet most of our family would agree with it, so stand by, is when you when you really are a night owl and you know you have an appointment first thing in the morning. I, oh, I, can't, I can't really get myself to go to sleep. Ah, oh, gee. You know? <laughs> How many times have I said I just didn't bother to go to bed? True. It's true. Yeah. Yeah, it's true. Hello. Well, hurry up and call because we're not going to be here as a team for very much longer. <laughs> Hello there, Carl. You're on here. Yes, a good shot of Jack Daniels would get you to sleep. That would do it, huh, John? <laughs> Who's he? Nice to talk with you, John Harden. And where oh, the is devil it? said that. Hi, John. John from Florida. How you doing? And, uh, yes. How are you? It's so good my, to get you on the phone. It was my mother and my sister and I that were in front of the bank. Uh, when John Dillinger robbed it in uh, June of '34. Uh, wow. wow! Now, what city was that? What city was that in, John? South Bend, Indiana. And they got him. Mm. Uh, anyhow, what I wanted to say was that gentleman mentioned uh, wire recorders. Uh huh. And when I mention it nowadays, nobody knows what I'm talking about. But I had <laughs> one in the '50s. And I always wondered how I could contact famous people and get recordings and then save them. Right. And they weren't doing it too much in those days. And of course, I didn't know how you know how to go about getting somebody famous to talk to me. So you know, I forgot about it. But nowadays, uh, they're going back and digging these old interviews out and so forth. Well, Arthur Godfrey. He must have bought stock in Wire because he recorded all the years he was on the radio on Wire. And and wow. and put the the um the broadcasting museum down there in Maryland. They got the whole Godfrey collection wow. and sit and sitting on Wire. Said talking about a big job. Point. Yeah. That and wire breaks and I guess when you when you want to put it back, then you basically tie a knot to it or something. Well, you just uh, tie a knot in it. Yeah. That, that's what I did. <laughs> There'd be a little, uh, you know, uh, blurp, you know, when you play it, but... Uh, Gee, that's funny. Yeah. We've, 
made a couple of technological advances since then. I eh? think so. Hey. <laughs> 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 eh? Oh, uh, so John, how are you doing? You doing? You, 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 as a person. I'm getting back with it. I had another spell this week, but I'll, oh no! And I, you know, I got to get out there and be able to mow the lawn again. The grass is growing. You haven't told the, the grass to stop and wait. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, anyhow, uh, I'll let you guys go because I know there'll be other people that want to talk with you. But perfect, uh, John. Uh, uh, listen. Uh, uh, Patricia, uh, yeah. take that shot of Jack Daniels tonight, <laughs> and you'll be able to go right to sleep. <laughs> I don't drink, but every once in a while, someone will say something like that and make me regret that I don't. <laughs> well, you know, uh, I don't uh, drink, and uh, and I belong to a poets club, and and they're quite religious. Uh-huh. But, uh huh. But things will come up, and I'll mention Jack Daniels, and everybody laughs. <laughs> they know. All right. That in and one the question then becomes, how do you know what I'm talking about? And you get a chuckle. <laughs> That's good. Well, thank you for getting through, John. It's always so good to say hi to you. Hey, at our age, it's good to say hi to anybody. Amen. <laughs> Not your age, but my age. <laughs> and, I think and at this stage about in life, old, any age, you know, yes. When you get to be my age and you see somebody... You don't realize you're old as you are, and you think they're old, and they're only in their 70s. <laughs> you know, everything is relative. Yeah. Everything is relative. I look at pictures of actors and actresses. I know from, for example, and he's not with us any longer, but Vincent Price, he will be locked in my brain forever as he looked in some of the old black-and-white movies he did. If you showed me a picture of Vincent Price as he aged, and shortly before he died, I never would recognize him. I would be horrified to know that that was Vincent Price because he cemented in my brain in a particular image. Yes, well, it's like James Arness. They interviewed him on, uh, uh, I think it was Riley one night or someplace, and mm -hmm. uh, it just didn't look like him. His hair was short and very gray, and little of it it kind of looked like and. Uh, yeah. You just don't recognize us when we get old. No, and, and there are times when I wish I didn't know. But, but you know, uh, my mother uh, was very particular about her looks, and uh, she didn't age, and I don't age, and I'll see people, and they'll say, Hi, John, and they're so old-looking, I don't know who they are, and they recognize <laughs> me. So, they know you, and you don't. Isn't that embarrassing? Yes, it is. <laughs> Well, now let's go I'll give you my, my routines one, one night on how to get over that. And, and uh, listen, uh, Patricia, would you email some of the information? Uh, I don't grab it very easy, and you talk about being on day and so forth and so on. And uh, uh, do you have shows in the daytime? On Friday, she does on Friday, and if we peak Sunday Friday morning. Night, yeah, at 10 o'clock on Friday night, we do an awful show. And then during the week, which night, which day is it? If we play Sunday, oh, mo if we play Sunday morning, that's, at, at, you know, again. So, and then and Patricia's heard again on Wednesday on well, the Blue. Would, would you email that to me? And uh, I, can't, I can't remember two minutes of it, so... Well, I, I can't remember it either, John, so I'll have to find somebody who can help both of us. I don't know either. I'll, I'll get it to you, though. Yeah. Okay. 
Well, have a good week. All right, All right John. Thanks, sure. John. You too. I have a Vincent Price story for Patricia. Okay. Oh, Bye. oh, oh. You know how much I enjoy <laughs> I know. Price. Thank you, John. All right, here's the this week I transferred a Vince, uh, his, an old interview done in 1999 by Vincent Price's daughter. And, oh. and she's oh. still around and she put out another book. And so she's somebody I want to get, have you and I enjoy the talking. But That would be wonderful. But she told us one, she told this interviewer who read her book. Mm-hmm. <laughs> my, my dad. My dad was the worst dresser in the whole wide world. He had no fashion set, and so no kidding. No, and you know, considering oh and considering his image in those de- in the in the forties and those the very dapper and air looking gentlemen, yes, and he yes, said, yeah, dapper he said, and yeah, perfect in dress and, and, and he said that was not my dad in real life. Yes, that, that's a hoot. And when <laughs> I envision him as a person in The Saint, the radio show The yep. Saint, yep. I envision him as a meticulously yep. dressed, you know, perfect yes. guy. Yes. Isn't that But in, in real life, that was not my dad. So if we, so when we get her on, that would be the fun thing to find out what her yes. dad, you know. Yes, yes, yes. And <laughs> I do have a Vincent Price book. Hey, hey. Hello there, Carl. You're on here. I can't believe I'm getting through this. Hello, Dan. I know who this is. It's Daniel. I don't know. Daniel from who? Indiana. It's I'm Daniel from Indiana. Nice who it is. I'm always so pleased when I recognize a voice. Hi, Dan, in Indiana. How are you? I'm doing fine. How are you doing? Um. Okay. Okay. <laughs> okay. I still think I still think you're pulling our leg. I think you're out on adventures. Instead of Boy, don't being... I wish. <laughs> <laughs> don't I wish. My you know, goodness. My goodness. You know. I have been put through my paces these last couple of weeks. Oh. Actually, a couple of months, isn't it? So, Dan, have they cut back on your hours? Are you are you only working 23 hours a day now rather than 30? I mean... Well, I, I'm just now coming from the county fair. We uh, broke down our uh, bicentennial uh, exhibit tonight, and I, uh, I got... Pulled into the tractor pull. I sat and watched the uh, the model, uh, the the M's and the H's pull, and you know some of the John Deere's pull. So, oh, and it's lovely weather here. It's like muggy, muggy, muggy. <laughs> it's like, uh, well, I'm near my house now. It's 81 degrees. It was like 93 when I got in the car downtown. Wow. Yes. Wow. Have you ever been to a tractor pull before? I have not. Is it a a highlight? Is it something that I should... Is is that like a push-me-pull-me? They they tie their rear ends together and try to drive forward? No, 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 no. no. Imagine a sled uh, on on wheels, and as you go, they hook a tractor to this sled, and then as the sled moves down the track, being pulled by the tractor, there's a weight creeps slowly toward the front of the uh, sled and that means there's more weight going on to the front of the sled and it's more difficult for the tractor to pull the uh, the sled and they see how far the tractor can pull the weight down the uh, down the track there and it's a mud track 
This sounds exciting as watching a mud puddle evaporate. <laughs> now, now, you, you, now. I'm having trouble envisioning this. Go ahead, Walden. Now, I want to, now, when when you have the 18-wheeler contact, can I sign Patricia up for that? That's one of her goals. So I thought maybe we could get her behind the wheel of an 18-wheeler and do some drag racing or something. There might be a, a fair that does something like that. I'm sure there is some place. Yeah. Uh, well, that sounds like that sounds like something up at Kentucky Speedway, you know, <laughs> where she keeps turning left. You know, it's not that hard. You just keep driving and turning left. I could, you know, turning left is much easier than turning right. <laughs> exactly. It is. You know, coming out of a parking garage, why this happens, I do not know, but it seems the parking garages I have been in have favored right-hand curves, which. I find extraordinarily difficult when compared to left-hand curves. Hmm. Is, it you, is it because you broke your left hand a few times? No, just once. Okay. How many have you broke your just, right? Just once. Okay. I broke the, my nose twice. Nose twice. Left hand once. What about the right? right wrist. Yeah, right wrist. Got that. Okay. And what was she doing when she broke her hands like this? Oh, she didn't have to tell that. Does she have to tell? No, she doesn't. No, she doesn't. <laughs> I'll speak for her. She doesn't. That's my does. final decision. She doesn't have to do that. Oh, oh well. Boy. So what, what have you been doing besides working your little body to smithereens here? Well, I was at the fair four nights this week, setting up and four turning nights. down uh, a... Um, a historic display for the bicentennial. We had different uh, artifacts from uh-huh. you know the last 200 years, so that was interesting. That is really exciting. Now, mm-hmm. did you not have? Oh goodness gracious, the document. The it, it was. You used to be the the. Oh, forget it. <laughs> I'm so confused. <laughs> <laughs> Well, he's the historian of the, of, it, of the town, so he did have some of those documents when, he, when you had the building. Yeah, but there was a major, major document that you were getting in on loan. Yeah, the, uh, the Constitution? Uh-huh. There you go. See, I knew there you'd you know the answer. Yes, we had the Constitution uh, the, from mid-June till the, uh, I believe it was the 29th of uh, June, and... Uh, the governor came back, uh, came down to pick up the uh, exhibit. I uh, met Governor Pitts, and uh, oh that was like goodness. on, I believe, a Wednesday. And then uh, he had a little um, meeting with a fellow by the name of Trump. Never heard of uh, him. On on mm-hmm. Saturday, and uh, and Pence is uh, from your state. So, so you did you talk to Donald and gave him the A-OK? Is that how this worked out? Well, well, I had to meet with you know Governor Pence before Donald. Yeah. you know. <laughs> But no, Governor Pence is a really, really nice fellow. Very, uh, he, he is a history buff. Uh, we uh, gave him a really? centennial. He is he, him and his wife Karen met at Hanover College, which is midway between Louisville and Cincinnati in 1983, and they've been married and they've got three kids and they've got, I believe, two cats. One is named Pickle and one's named Oreo. And uh, he, uh, <laughs> you know, Oreo must be a black and white kitty. <laughs> but uh, yeah, he uh, gave a very nice speech here in Corden, and uh, and then like uh, well, within a couple of short weeks, he's giving a keynote address at the uh, Republican National Convention, and I think did very well. Um, you know, just uh, 
a very nice family, top to bottom. So, but uh, yeah, it's uh, been kind of busy. So she, she, so, so. Now, you know what this means, Patricia. Dan's our, Dan's our inside information get to the White House from this point on, right? Because, you know... He, well, don't, I wouldn't say that. <laughs> I wouldn't say that. Yes. Okay, Mr. Petey. We're hoping to have him back in September for a play that we're uh, conducting again and for park indication, but, you know, if he can't make it, he can't make it. You know, he may have bigger fish to fry and eat. Maybe back yeah, in but. December. Yeah, but. He'll pencil, he'll yep. pencil you in. Huh? He'll pencil what? you in. He'll put, he'll put you in pencil. <laughs> when you get penciled in, it comes with an eraser just in case. <laughs> when you're right, inked exactly. in, it's permanent. Mm-hmm. That's right. You never know. You never know. You, you never come back. know. Yes. Now, who's taking his place as governor? Well, I think they're going to have an election. And uh, he recommended his um, uh, lieutenant governor, and uh, Eric Holcomb, I believe is his name, and he's a very mm-hmm. tall gentleman and really friendly, and he's a big history uh, buff, too, because I, I met him. He just loved our little town down here. and, and uh, you know, Well, Dan, I want, but, you, I want you to run. You know, it would be nice to know the governor of the state of Indiana. <laughs> You want me to do one? I want you. I run want has more than one meaning. Yeah, I want you to run for the governorship of Indiana. That way, Patricia. Oh yeah, yeah. Patricia and I would. I think sure. you just better run. Just <laughs> plain run. That, that's why I was thinking. It was saying, just run, just get out of here. <laughs> just run. Yes, yes. Speak oh boy. Tell me now, right? <laughs> yeah. But, oh my goodness. Uh, oh my goodness. Well, there. you have been busy. Is this the end of the fair? When? What? What is the last day of the fair? Tonight is the last night of the fair, and uh, pretty much everything was uh, uh, being shut down. And it started last Sunday with a fair parade. Mm-hmm. And then uh, earlier than that, they had the 4-H fair with the, um, you know, with the animal uh, judging and everything oh, like that. Oh, so. gosh, yes, and the pickles and the quilts and stuff like that there? Exactly, exactly. I saw uh, I saw two stalks of tobacco that were being judged, and I saw someone had raised a cotton plant, which they're really not necessarily. I mean, cotton isn't grown this far north, but uh, they had one there. I had really never mm-hmm. seen a cotton plant up close. And, um, you know, they had corn, they had, you know, bales of hay, and they had quilts, and they had uh, flowers, and, you know, and they had, you know, they were judged. And I think those some there with, with blue the ribbons are the best part of any fair. You could just what? leave me in that area. I would stay for the entire day. You go for the yeah. ride. You go for the cotton candy. You know where I'll be mm-hmm. when you get finished. Love that section of the fair. Uh huh. Yes. Yes. It was. It was nice. I like uh, seeing who you know, put things in the fair. Uh, you know, it's mm-hmm. the guard. The the fair used to actually start like the very last part of July and run through the first week of August, but now school actually starts up uh, next week here. Uh, oh some schools here do, so they had to um, you know, move up the fair. So, um, but uh, you know that cuts into some of the garden, uh, you know, vegetable and fruit judging here. Yeah, well, I guess it would. And flowers, I so, guess too. The so so, Dan, did your family ever enter anything in the fair when you were at the farm? Uh, yes and no. Um, 
My grandmother, my, my grandmother, you know, raised a large garden, uh -huh. and we raised a large garden. And, uh, and several years ago, a neighbor said, "Ask if we had any tomatoes," and we, we didn't, but my grandmother did. And um, we we told the neighbor, "Well, go go see Grandma. She's got plenty of tomatoes. You know, you can take whatever you wish." And um, he went over there and he picked some tomatoes, and he went off and. Oh, a couple months later, we said, well, how did you like Grandma's tomatoes? And he laughed, and he said, yeah, I did fine. I got a blue ribbon at the county fair. I will never forget that story. I know you have told us, but I will never forget that story, ever, ever, ever. Yes, yes. So, yes and no. Uh, we we did enter, I mean, we did not enter some tomatoes. <laughs> tomatoes yes, they did win a blue yeah. ribbon. <laughs> oh. So. Yes, yes, their tomatoes were in there. I, I just think that that is, well, you know how I feel about that. I won't come up with the right words. Yes, yes. That is absolutely egregious. Ooh. Yes. Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. It's been a long time since I've heard. I mean, that's, that's as bad as plagiarism, for goodness sake. Wait a minute, wait a minute. Wait, 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 you plagiarized yeah. your tomatoes. Wait a minute, everybody. We have to look that up in the book. That's a big, Patricia just used a really big word there. We better look that up. What? Egregious. Plagiarized? No, egregious. Oh, egregious. Yeah, that's, yeah. That's that, really it, bad. Yeah, you really... means really, 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 yeah, I, really bad. Yeah, I know. I mean, I know. I know it does. But actually, I, you, you pulled out the big encyclopedia out for that one. Oh. But my, my grandmother was just an innocent sti standby. Uh, sta um, what, what do I want to say? Standby. She was just an innocent uh, bystander. And, you know... I know. Honest to goodness, it, if I were your grandmother, I'd be riding around on a broomstick. <laughs> Oh, <laughs> that kind of stuff just frosts my little pumpkin, you know? Ooh. Ooh. I don't know. We that, knew she raised good is... tomatoes, but she didn't want to enter them in the fair. I mean, you know, she just oh. didn't And, and the that somebody else took credit for her garden just makes me so angry, and I don't even... I don't even know that garden. I don't know the mm -hmm. tomato. I didn't know your grandma. We we know we know when when Patricia starts a campaign, she would <laughs> she she would she would write to the fair board in the state of Indiana to get this overturned. There's no doubt about that. She would. Oh yes, she would. She would. There is a sense of fairness in her bones. The statute of limitations, I believe, has uh, run out on not, that little. Uh, not with that make a difference to me. Not with a tomato. Uh, not with tomatoes. Not with not no, with I, tomatoes. I think, I think there is no statute of limitations <laughs> on tomatoes. You're right. Well. <laughs> oh well. That's no. good. That's yeah. good. Oh well. Well, we are now down has, to eleven fifty nine on the East Coast. You had what now? We're gonna yeah, send Patricia. We're gonna send Patricia the off the bed because she. Oh, it's. We, we, she, they, they, they walking her out. You know, she's gotta be a morning person for a while. So we, wow. so we're gonna, we're gonna I let. Wow. We gotta and send her to bed. My, I did every one of my exercises today. Hooray! Every single one. Well, what kind of exercises are you doing? What kind of exercise routine are you doing? How am I doing? You know, how? What kind of exercises she? Oh, oh my, oh my goodness! Um, upper body, legs, um, it, it just everything from head to toe. She got the five hundred pound dumbbells in in the apartment. She lifts them up and Dumbar. down. <laughs> <laughs> and, the, and their names are what? <laughs> I think they're dumbbells. <laughs> oh, you are so funny! I love you. <laughs> oh, oh, oh 
anyway, from head to foot, and boy, do they have me working. Well, can't you just lift boxes to get your exercise that Walden's been sending from California? There's not that oh, many yeah. left. Yeah. I have to tell you, Walden, and then I really do have to scoot. I know. Do you remember my telling you that this guy in the office said, there must be gravel in here, I can't lift it? Yep, yep. Well, somebody brought these three boxes to my door for me. They're feeling sorry for me. Uh... This was just last week. I went to pick them up. I'm all braced, you yep, know, because, yep. I mean, you know I'm having trouble here. Yep. And I'm all, I picked it up with one hand. This hmm. guy is not a wimp. I mean, he <laughs> looks like he's really well built. What the heck was he lifting? I don't know. So the, the post office must have put him in cement or something. I, I mean, really, these are just normal boxes. My mom carried them. I've gotten heavier boxes with underwear. <laughs> <laughs> I know, I know. I didn't know your mom was weightlifting. Oh, my mom! Need help? I'll put it in the car for you. My mom goes to the gym. My mom goes to the gym, so she, you know, that she's that you know that truly these not these are not more than a couple of pounds. No, I mean, but let's face it, the the female body structure just don't have the muscle capacity, so that's why when it's some. Well, you're Watch just, Walden. You're the exception. Watch it, Walden. I know. Getting I in know. trouble. I know. No, no, just, just this week. Talk to me this week. I am Woman Mountain Dean here. <laughs> <laughs> you're doing good, my dear. You're doing good. Oh, boy. You're doing thank good. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Right. Well, have a good week. All right, Dan. And we hope you continue you, Dan, exercising you well. Yes. She, she, you know, you know, Charles, was it Charles Atlas? At the back page of what magazine? <laughs> Instead of Charles, it's going to be Patricia pretty soon. So, you know. Yeah, don't get fans <laughs> in my face. <laughs> All right, Dad, we'll talk to you soon. Okay, talk Peace to you later. Out. Take All care. Right. Oh, bye-bye. Bye-bye. Well, that is our last call for Patricia because we got to send her off to bed because she's lifting Mount Everest tomorrow. And so. <laughs> <laughs> Darn near. Oh, my goodness. They've got me doing things I didn't even know existed. Woo-hoo-hoo. So anyway, I did get, I did get fired by one therapist this week. Oh, that's good. You know, she she reached she reached the end of her time with me. Yeah. And my goodness, what she did for me! I I just I need to write some letters. These people have been absolutely fabulous. So, Amen. I I want my pictures to be healthy, wealthy, and strong and stuff like that. There. So they're doing a good job. You could stop at num- You could stop at number two. Healthy, wealthy, wealthy. Good. wealthy. Yes. Well, that, we're gonna work wealthy on that. It's good. We're gonna yes. get that that Con- done. Yeah. Contributions may be sent to PayPal. <laughs> <laughs> well, oh. oh well. Well, I I do. I'm getting sent to bed. Yeah. Because this was my requested time period. Yes. And um, I I swear I'll be back next week. You're doing good. You're Thank doing you. good. And we're gonna be pointing Patricia. I really am. And, I, I don't want to interrupt it. I don't want to interrupt the uh, the adorable speech. So let me make no, sure I, let me make sure she has her her box. So go ahead and stand up there on your platform, my dear. Go ahead. Okay, I can I can do that. What uh, I was merely doing was patting myself on the back and saying, "You're right. I'm really doing well." You are. Thank you. You've come a long way. Oh yes, I have. You have. Oh yes, I have. We I even went to the dumpster today. Holy cat! My kitchen thanks me. <laughs> <laughs> My kitchen is thrilled. <laughs> but, but I did. I went to the dumpster and the recycling bin. Mm-hmm. Holy 
Holy cat, you're doing good. I mean, that is a marker. You're doing good. That is a marker. Okay, now, the confession is that I, I drove there. I don't care. But I, did, but I had to bring the stuff downstairs and in the front, you know, all yep. the way around the building and into the car before I could do it. Because, let's face it, the last couple of years you have been able to have the energy level or whatever to do that kind of stuff. So that's, the, that's a I big step. Don't, I don't care. I, you you I did it. I don't, but that's part, of, that's part of my exercises. That's right. You know? Got to get up and get out. So I did. So I'm doing really well, and the world is no longer safe. No. Because I'm out and about. <laughs> <clears throat> Amen. So I have to say good night. Good night, everybody. Thank you for being with us, and thank you for putting up with me. I promise I'll get better. We w- right now it's an hour for tonight. <laughs> <laughs> well, the end. Thank you, Walden. All right, Patricia. Good night. Good night. What are going to do? We're going to feature Patricia's interview with Christmas Tree, Florida. And that will be coming up next. So stand by, everybody. All right. Jaws Professional, one Saturday, seven dash not fibber McGee. Fibber, Fibber, Friday afternoon, 12-24-10, Patricia interview, Christmas FL part 1. Unloading jaw cans, okay, enter, one sec. everybody. Merry Christmas. It is one minute before three here on the West Coast. Christmas Eve, December the 24th, year 2010. Just got home from church 12 minutes ago. Had a quick meal. And I'm going to call Patricia and we'll continue our marathon. Here we go. God rest you, merry gentlemen. Let nothing you dismay. Remember Christ our Savior was born on Christmas Day to save us all from Satan's power when we were gone astray. Blessed babe was born and laid within a manger upon this blessed morn. 
of which his mother Mary did nothing take in scorn. Oh, tidings of comfort and joy, comfort and joy, oh, tidings of comfort and joy. From God our Heavenly Father, a blessed angel came, and unto certain shepherds brought tidings of the same, how that in Bethlehem was born the Son of God by Hello, Walden. Nobody marks Christmas like Bing Crosby. I know. Merry Christmas, everybody. We have a guest with us tonight, and I am so excited that he was able to join us. We're going to be talking with Cecil Tucker. Mr. Tucker is the keeper of all that is Christmas in the village of Christmas, Christmas, Florida. Uh, Christmas Florida is in Orange County where Disney World is, but I can assure you that the village of Christmas is nothing like Disney World. So we are going to be talking with him. You're welcome to call in with questions because he's got a lot of history information as well um, and about things that, that surprise people, what, what Florida has been involved in over the years. 
and uh, the rich history that we have here. People think that the Tea Party in Boston is the only place that had um, some early and rich history, and we've got some surprises for you there as well. Welcome, Mr. Tucker. It's good to be with you. It is so good to have you. Uh, we talked for a couple of minutes before we went on the air. I'm going to sound a little bit disjointed here because we've got so many things to cover from the history of Christmas to how you got to today and you grew up in Christmas, which was fabulous for us because we're going to be able to hear about that. So before I ask you about the celebrations and traditions and your Christmas memories, tell us how Christmas Florida got its name. The, it was actually, the community was named Fort Christmas. Uh, the, in the Second Seminole Indian War, they, they were building a series of uh, army forts about uh, a day's march apart, about 20 or 25 miles uh, apart, starting uh, up around the, the central part of the state and, and moving on down through the state. Fort Christmas was started on uh, two days before Christmas and was completed on Christmas Day in 1837. That's the Second Seminole Indian War that, uh, that they built these, these forts as a protection for both the uh, Army and for uh, individual civilians who were in the area. Now, at that time, there was not much... Uh, civilians in the area except a few people that had had brought cattle down into the area. So this was cattle producing country even before it was cattle producing country? Yes. Uh, in, the, in, the early, in the early stages, you see it, the, the cattle industry, uh, people that, that ranged cattle, they stayed just ahead of civilization. And uh, while there was not a lot of cattle here in the 1830s. By 1850, there was, uh, but there were a few cattle, uh, a few herds that had been brought on into the area. Okay. Now, what about the Spaniards who um, introduced cattle to the area in the ranchos? How did that play in? Well, that was the, 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 the Spanish involvement was many years before this. Uh, they left the, when this, the, in 1821, uh, the Spanish left this area. And, uh, and that's, and of course the, uh, Florida at that time was, uh, was just a territory. And it was the first, the first cattle producing State or yes. territory in the country. It's interesting when when the, when the Spanish came in uh, in the uh, 1500s, they brought cattle with them, and they actually started the cattle industry in the state. So we were involved in producing cattle in Florida uh, a good many years ahead of any place else in the United States. We've, we might not be the biggest right now, but we can always claim to have been the first. The first, the oldest, yes. The, the oldest, and an awful lot of people don't have a grasp or simply never knew that Florida is a 
big agricultural state, including ranches, cattle ranches, and cow-calf operations. Yes, and, and, and later on, the citrus industry developed in the area, and, and scattered throughout uh, the state, you'll find some vegetable uh, crops grown, but basically, citrus and cattle are a big part of the uh, agricultural industry in the state big part of our economy. Yeah. How, how long was Fort Christmas operational? It was not operational very long. The, it was built primarily as a, as a refuge for the, the soldiers, and as I said, in, in those areas where there was uh, civilians, they, they would come in to, for protection against the, the Indians. We were fortunate that there was not a lot of, of uh, fighting activity going on here. So it it was not, but uh, I would say probably two or three months that there was a lot of activity at the fort here. And they went on down uh, another 20 miles, built another fort, and 20 miles from there, built another, and they went on to the southern part of the state down near Fort Lauderdale. That's Fort Lauderdale was one of those that they, uh, during that time, they also uh, built. So uh, the fort was not utilized very long as a, a stage of operation. They uh-huh. moved to, uh, to some that were closer to uh, where water, along the St. John's River, water is the best means of communication and moving things and they ended up using forts that were closer to the water than right here although we are only four miles from the st john's mm-hmm. well if i'm hearing you correctly the only christmas the military celebrated at fort christmas was the day they opened the fort <laughs> yes <laughs> that's, that that's probably right isn't that amazing? Well, if they if they just packed up and left a couple of months later, they left before the next Christmas. Now, the interesting thing is that, as I said, the community was established as Fort Christmas. It was known all of these years as Fort Christmas. And the old-timers here were still say, I live in Fort Christmas. But when this, the post office was established in, in 1892, uh, there, at that time, there were so many forts in the names of post offices that when the post office department, they crossed off the word fort in front of Fort Christmas and just established it, the post office, as Christmas. So the post office has always been Christmas, Florida. <clears throat> but the natives who have been here for a long time hold on to the roots and still call it Fort Christmas. Yes. What do you call it? Well, uh, I, I call it Chris. Well, it, it, there's there's times it depends on who I'm talking to. <laughs> I may talk about Fort Christmas because we uh, we're dealing with uh, some of the old time area. But uh, if I'm dealing with the uh, the post office or dealing with something like the the Christmas tree here at Christmas, uh, I'll just refer to it as Christmas. Otherwise, it's Fort Christmas. Otherwise, it's Fort Christmas. Okay. <laughs> Thank you. Now, the evolution of the community, 
that began as a fort and became a residential community or a community of people who, who lived together. How did that happen? Give us the, the transition. Well, is the there was not too many people in this area at all until right after the war between the states. There was a lot of, of problem with reconstruction, and uh, many people from uh, north central Florida, say up around Gainesville and north of Gainesville, because of the problem with reconstruction, they just picked up and moved. And a group of about 10 or 11 families moved into Christmas along about uh, 1866, somewhere along in there. There was one or two families that had already settled here that were in the cattle business and had uh, had established homes here. But starting about 1866, somewhere along in there, these families moved in, and that's when Fort Christmas became established as a community. With your own zip code? Well, no, the zip code didn't come to many times to many years later. <laughs> but you do have your own zip code. We in do Christmas, have our right? own zip code. When okay. they established zip, zip codes, we were a well-established post office by that time. Got See, it. The post office was established in 1892. I even wrote that down. And the, and the post office deleted the word fort from their yes. name. <laughs> My goodness, they did take liberties, didn't they? Yes, they did. Would you describe the village? Is village the correct term to use? Yes, that's probably a, a, a we refer to it as, as a village, or sometimes as, as the community. Okay. Uh, it's it's unincorporated. Uh-huh. Uh huh. And it's in the far eastern portion of Orange County. Uh, Orange County is neighboring to Bavard County. Bavard County is the area where the uh, Cape Canaveral is. Mm-hmm. And so <laughs> we we're right close to. Uh, Cape Canaveral, and we see the we see the shuttle take off uh, from here. We can without any problem. You have a front row seat there. Yes, we do. Describe what the village is like. Uh, how many how many residents? What do the streets look like? Do you have Christmas names in the streets and the community? Yes. <laughs> yes. Yes. We've and got yes. two commu- We got two uh, areas that have uh, settlements in them, and both of them have their own. Uh, Christmas names uh, in the names of the streets, uh, like St. Nicholas and St. Catherine's, and then we get over to uh, Jingle uh, Jingle Road and things of this nature. And, uh, but the uh, I want to go back. I want to go back to the establishment of the of the community. Oh, please do. Thank you. In, in the population for years. <laughs> The population in the community was only about a hundred people, and along about the oh, I'd say in the 30s and 40s, 1930, 1940, we had grown to 250 or to 300 people in population, uh, but it was all just a rural area. Uh-huh. We didn't start growing any at all until after the Cape came in, and uh, and we slowly started growing. Today, there's probably uh, 3,800 
uh, in the community of Christmas. The, the thing of it is, the community of Christmas, being a rural area, uh, it takes in a large area of the eastern part of Orange County because if uh, people said they lived in Christmas, and uh, so it's, it's a big area. How, how big is it? Now, you said you're unincorporated, so it's hard to uh, scratch out a boundary. Well, from the, the county line on the north to the county line on the south is wow. is probably uh, 20 miles in there. And then from the St. John's River on the east to the little community of Buffalo on the west is about another 10 miles. So we're, we're basically about 10 miles by uh, 20 miles. And, that's a lot. That is a lot. <laughs> That's a lot of territory. In that territory, you can accommodate 3,800 people. Oh, yes. You, it's, you don't it's have a any... rural area, and people like to keep it that way. Uh-huh. Now, so this is not what, if I walked into a Florida community, I'm likely to see little cookie-cutter houses tucked up against each other um, with maybe a golf course in the middle. That's not what we're talking about with Christmas, are we? No. No, what you're going to see houses scattered out, uh, you know, there's a, a lot of wooded area in, in this area. You don't have a lot of open space, and the open space you do have is usually pastures that have been cleared and planted. Uh-huh. This is really great. Now, you've got a Christmas tree in Christmas, Florida, that is a focus all year round. Is that correct? Yes. Let me tell you about that. Please. <laughs> See, in, in 1952, uh, my mother was a postmaster at Christmas. She was postmaster here for 42 years. And a lot of the activities that are going on, a lot of the activities that are going on, <laughs> I'm sorry. Yeah, that's, that's okay. That's <laughs> okay. Had a little involvement. My my wife's trying to tell me something. That <laughs> she just, she's interfered with us. <laughs> uh, your your mom was postmaster for forty two years. Forty two years. The, the interesting thing in that when the post office was established in eighteen ninety two, in nineteen ninety two, we celebrated a hundred years of the post office here. During that hundred years, my grandfather was postmaster for. Uh, Four years, and my grandmother 16 years, and my mother was postmaster for 42 years. Uh, I'm not sure I got all those numbers in there right, but for 60 of the 100 years, uh, some of the family was postmaster here in Christmas. But when mother became postmaster in 1932, shortly after that, she established the use of a a Christmas tree cachet that was added to the post the Christmas cards that people mailed as an extra people that uh, collected stamps and, and collected covers uh, cherished these uh, that had this Christmas tree cachet on it. Uh -huh. She developed that Christmas tree cachet in 1934 and, and changed for the most part, just the wording that went along with it, all right on up until she retired in 1974. Uh, 
the uh, the fact that, that uh, she had these uh, caches that was added to it is one of the things that created so much interest when people brought their cards to be mailed in Christmas. Uh-huh. Normally, uh, at the post office, if they if they mailed uh, two or three thousand cards a month, that would be extremely uh, busy month. But during the, the, the Christmas time, way back there, uh, mother uh, they postmarked one hundred and fifty thousand or more. <gasps> and in, in recent years, there's been as much as 500,000 uh, postcards, pieces of mail that went through Christmas, and, it, and, it, and it's just a third-class post office. So, oh, my goodness. Now, who, who stamps all of these things? Who, who cancels the stamps? The, they have uh, a canceling machine, and they had extra help that was hired to come on and in recent years it's been a real problem because this is not the way that the the, the new postal department wants to do things because it it really doesn't uh, add a whole lot to their uh, <laughs> their the way of doing businesses to do yeah. these free things for people but uh, we've been able to, to to keep this going over the course of the last uh, well, last 10 years when there's been uh, discouraging use of those kind of things. You're holding ground against them? Yes, but let's don't talk too much about it. Okay. Well, <laughs> you're not the first one who mentioned it today. We had one other person on this morning or early this afternoon who said he's having exactly the problem you're talking about where the post office wants to... Uh, be a Grinch. He called him a Grinch. <laughs> yes, and, that, and, and really, it's one of the few things that people really look forward to once a year, and, uh-huh. and, and they should be able to, you know. Just, we have a, uh, a man in the community that uh, sends out answers to all the Santa Claus letters that come into the post office. Wow. And there are there's a special uh, uh, mailbox that's set up strictly for Santa Claus that <laughs> that the kids come and drop their Santa Claus letters into it. He answers every one of them. Wow! How many do you wind up getting? Uh, he he answers five to ten thousand uh, of those a year, and uh, the the community. Uh, Civic Association helps to fund the uh, uh, doing that, the, the uh-huh. postage and everything that goes along with it. That is a lot of postage. Uh, do you get kids sending from other parts of the country letters oh, to Santa Claus? Oh, Court? yes. And years ago, when Mother first uh, started this and was working with the uh, stamp and cover collecting people, uh, they would mail her boxes of these to be redistributed. Uh-huh. And they would mail them to her in a big container. And, and oftentimes they'd say, we would like for these to go out on December 18. And 
they would postmark them on December 18, put the wow. cache on, and send them out. Those are not the kind of things that happen today, though. Yeah. Do you have a special Christmas stamp? Yes. A, that a Christmas stamp. tree I mean, cache, I the Christmas tree, and, and it it had various sayings underneath it, but uh, glory to God in the highest is, is probably the most popular one. Okay. I, I'm carried over and I didn't realize that you were still doing that today. That is really fabulous. I love this. And this one man is responsible for coordinating answers to all of these kids. Yes. Wow. I am just blown away here. Now, my, my question, we're talking with Mr. Tucker, Cecil Tucker from Christmas, Florida, the village of Christmas, Florida. Boy, you can't get any more special in a Christmas place than Christmas, Florida. And uh, we're talking about the history of the town and the kinds of Santa Claus stuff that the townspeople get together and do. And this is just fabulous. If you want to give us a call, talk to Mr. Tucker, ask him a question, wish him Merry Christmas. We're at 714-545-2071. 714-545-2071. Now, I have to ask, how did you escape being part of the United States Postal System? When I went off to college and, and uh, got my degree in uh, agriculture, I ended up being a Seminole County uh, or an agricultural agent, extension agent, and I became the eventually became the county agent in the neighboring county up in Sanford, and I was there for a number of years. And so, at that time, it just uh, wasn't really uh, profitable for me to, <laughs> to, to to look at the another career, so I, uh-huh. I, just, I stuck with that. I stuck with my agricultural background. And nobody else in your family picked up the baton? They stopped I, at 16 My dad years. was assistant. Uh, all these years, he helped her and worked with her. He did most of the cancellation of the cards from, I'd say, from 1938 until... He retired. Uh, he, he also retired from the post office, but uh, he, he was he was very instrumental in in uh, keeping the the cancellation going. She was instrumental in seeing that the, the Christmas tree cachets got put on it, and uh, and we had numerous uh, people in the community that helped in the post office in those days. Most of the mail was worked up, ready to go to in in bundles to whatever city it was. If we had over ten letters to a city, it was it was tied up and sent directly to them. It and didn't go we, through a central station like Tampa is ours in Southwest Florida. Everything we have, even if it's, if it's addressed to across the street, it goes to Tampa and comes back down. But you see, in those days, we didn't do it. We uh-huh. sent, we worked it all up and sent it directly to the post office. It did not go through a central station. That's a lot of work. Oh, yes, it was. My goodness. Tell me about growing up in Christmas. Did did the village of Christmas, as it was growing, celebrate Christmas in any special ways? Oh, yes. The uh, <clears throat> we, Being a rural community, a lot of activities centered around the, the school in the, we had a, a school that was a a two-room 
school in the little room, the grades one through four, uh, in the big room, grades uh, five through uh, eight or nine, uh, and uh, all of the activities in the community is kind of centered around the school and PTA and, and the things that of that nature in it so we had a lot every every year there was a uh, some kind of a christmas play and then there was uh, a uh, gathering to give presents to all the kids in the school and in the community and uh, it, it was always a festive occasion tell me about christmas decorations in the earlier days did you put? Did you decorate Christmas trees? Did you decorate the house? Um, what kind of lights or candles did you see on Christmas trees when you were little? Well, there was some candles used, but uh, being in a rural area and having had to fight forest fires, uh, wildfires, people were very careful about using things like candles because of the of the danger of when trees. Uh, dry out of, uh-huh. of creating a fire. So you didn't see a whole lot of that, but you did see a lot of uh, stringing of popcorn uh, to decorate the tree with. Uh-huh. We used a lot of local things like the uh, pine cones. We had two or three sizes of pine cones that could be used to, to decorate with. Uh, and we also went to the five and uh, in dime store and picked up some of those sparkler things that you hung on a tree. <laughs> oh, like um, tinsel? Tinsel, yes. Oh, cool. <laughs> All right. Tell people what a five and dime is. We have an awful lot of people who know what a five and dime is, but I suspect that we've got people listening who don't. <laughs> uh, they, uh, I'm about to... to miss telling you about one other thing that is a real oh, okay. part of the community and that's our Christmas tree. Oh boy, we're not going to let go of that one. I want to hear every little bit of it. Go ahead. In in 1952, uh, Mother was wanted to be sure that we had something that was unique here in the community and the feeling was why not a Christmas tree that could be kept or uh, decorated year-round. And so, in 1952, the first Christmas tree was put up and lights put on it, electrical lights put on it, and decorated. Uh, and the, the only problem was that they used the, the, the lights that was available then was uh, too high wattage, <laughs> and it caused the tree to die because it... Uh, of the, uh, it, it's too much heat for the tree. Oh, my goodness. And so it was replaced with uh, another tree, a, a couple more. And the uh, it's interesting, our permanent Christmas tree at Christmas, we've had to replace it a number of times uh, because of various things that have happened to it. Uh, but in 19... Well, this year we we celebrated the 58th annual tree lighting and carol sing. Every on the first Sunday in December, we hold the annual tree lighting and carol sing. The 
we'll decorate the tree, might not turn the lights on uh, a week or so before the tree lighting so that it's really unique when the, uh, we have the carol sing, we turn the lights on. And, uh, but this year was the 58th annual. Uh, it's been done every year since 1952. That's amazing. And this was your mom again who who began the tradition. Yes. Oh, there's there were there, there's a number of other people in the community that was involved in it. We had a a store across the street, a filling station store, and the people in that was uh, that owned that were very active in the community and they helped do this. I, I wouldn't wouldn't say that, that uh, mother and dad was the only ones did it. I'll just say they were in the middle of seeing that it got uh, that it got uh-huh. done. Who decorates the tree this currently? Well, currently, <laughs> for the for the last twenty five or so years, I've been responsible for decorating the tree and getting it ready for tree lighting. And uh, the tree is about twenty five feet tall. That was my next question. So you're up on ladders up there. Well, we're fortunate that we have a. a a family in the community that has equipment that they loan us. He has a a high lift uh, cherry picker type equipment that okay. uh, that we utilize to uh-huh. decorate the tree. All right, what does it look like when you're finished? Well, it has. Uh, we we use lights up and down the tree, and we use garland up and down and garland around the tree. The the garland uh, is red and, and silver and then we use uh, individual in, in various spots around the tree we, we have uh, uh, lighted uh, silhouettes and it's quite colorful at night time. My goodness, it sounds gorgeous. How long does it take you to do this? Uh, well, we start the, the 1st of November to take all of the, the last year's decorations off and begin to get it ready so that it's ready by Thanksgiving uh, is our deadline there so that we have everything fixed and and. Uh, for December, the first Sunday in December. That's amazing. How many people come out to the tree lighting and caroling ceremony every year or event? Well, in the community of Christmas, we have uh, what is called, uh, we have a festival called Cracker Christmas. It's always the first weekend in December. Uh-huh. And, and so on Saturday and, and Sunday of, the, of Cracker Christmas, there are activities going on at the fort. Now, two miles north of where the Christmas tree is, is the is Fort Christmas, and there is a, a fort that has been rebuilt uh, to to show what the fort was like, and it has it is developed into a. We've moved a, a number of historical houses from the community into Fort Christmas. Uh, and it's quite an occasion to come out to that uh, and, and see the houses uh, and how the people lived and to see the fort and how the, the 
people operated out of the fort itself when it was originally Fort Christmas. Mm-hmm. Well, the festival for Christmas, Cracker Christmas, on Saturday this last time, we probably had uh, fifteen or 20,000 people over to the fort for that. On, on the tree lighting, uh, the next Sunday, uh, or the next night, uh, there was about, to, for the tree lighting and carol singing, there's probably 125, 150 people that stood up and sang carols and took part in that. I love that. That really is a community celebration. How many people acknowledge the work that you put into this tree every year? Uh, say that again. How many people acknowledge and come over and say, gosh, this is great, thank you very much for all of the work that you do on the tree each year? We, we, we have, I'm, I'm amazed at the number of people that do say thank you and, and, and do acknowledge that. Uh, it's... I'm glad. I cannot imagine the, the amount of work that goes in here. I was fussing about putting decorations on a six-foot tree. Oh, no. <laughs> yours, yours is two and a half stories. This is just incredible, and, and you get it done in a lot less time than I would have gotten it. <laughs> well, now, I would have gotten my six-foot done. This, this year, uh, we took all the decorations off and put new decorations up, and we had finished it in about 15 days. Wow. How many people help you with this? Uh, my, my son-in-law and my grandson, and uh, they, they're are real helpful on a regular basis. And then I've got three or four other people that do come in and, and help us on it. The biggest help is a fellow that loans us the high lift. <laughs> <laughs> I guess so. Keeps you off the ladder and in a cherry picker. Wow, that, that is really incredible. Tell me about the evolution of Christmas from Fort Christmas to Christmas, Florida today. Well, it, you know, having lived it, I, I probably don't recognize the change as much as, as you would think because uh, uh, we're living it every day. And uh-huh. so... I don't know the, notice the changes that much, although when you're asking about the school, uh-huh. uh, I went the first eight grades uh, of my education was in that schoolhouse, and by the way, that schoolhouse has been moved over to the historical park and is now part of the exhibit at, at Fort Christmas. So you've, you've got a really conscientious group of preservationists. Yes, we do. Oh, that is really neat to hear. Do you have brothers and sisters? I have one sister. So there were two of you growing up in this little community. What do you recall about growing up at Christmas time? What kind of uh, celebrations did you have? What kind of gifts did you get and give? They, it, it's interesting that recently we had a meeting of the historical society for Christmas historical society and uh, that was one of the questions that came up is what uh, what do you remember in the uh, we had a, a few people there that had moved 
into the community from up north. Uh, and they pointed out that when they were kids at Christmas time, in their stocking, they always got an orange. The people from Christmas pointed out that at Christmas time, in our stocking, we always got an apple. Oh, my goodness. Isn't that interesting? And you're in orange country. Yes, we're in orange country. And so we got an apple. apple. And they're in apple country. Well, I guess that would add to the specialness for each of you because it's not something that you would have normally gotten on a day-to-day basis. That's really interesting. Okay, what, what, what did your family do at Christmas? How did you celebrate Christmas Eve and Christmas Day? We, uh, we didn't usually do any... Well, my, my mother was an Episcopalian, and on Christmas Eve, she went into Orlando to to her local, to her church there for the uh, candlelight activities uh, in Orlando. Uh-huh. Uh, my dad and I, we attended a little, the rural church there in Christmas, and so there wasn't anything on on Christmas Eve. But on Christmas Day, uh, the, the things that we that we as a family did, uh, we would read the Christmas story, uh, have the exchanging of gifts, and then we ate. You you put an emphasis on the word ate. What kind of food? (laughs) Sounds like a big dinner. Yes, Uh, it was. (laughs) Tell me me about Christmas dinner at your house. Well, there usually was always turkey, and sometimes... Uh, most of the time, it was wild turkey. My dad was a, a pretty good hunter, and uh, most of the time, we we had wild turkey for Christmas. And uh, uh, something that most people don't know much about, we had what is called swamp cabbage. Oh yes, I've had it. <laughs> swamp cabbage, for those who don't who don't know, the is the heart of palm. The disabled palmetto, the, the palms that you see growing in, in Florida, and they'll grow all the way up as far as, as uh, South Carolina. But the heart of that palm, if you, if you uh, when you're harvesting it, cutting it, uh, and you're doing it just right, it's tender, and it is good, and it, and it actually has a, a good sweet taste to it. And you can make a, a hearts of palm, and as I said, we called it swamp cabbage uh, as a dish, or you could make a salad out of it like you would make a slaw. Uh-huh. And, uh, and those were, that was one of the things. other thing that I looked forward to was uh, a cutting up a lot of fruit, oranges, uh, apples, bananas, add a little bit of uh, uh, coconut to it, and uh, that fruit uh, deal was what we enjoyed uh, as well at Christmas time. Interesting. Now, is it okay for me to ask how many years ago this was? Well, I'm still in my 40s. Next year, I'll be 40, 40. Right now, I'm 40, 39. 40, 39. So we're, we're talking about some earlier Christmases than what kids today would recognize. Yeah. 
we're talking about in, in 19, uh, say 1938 or 9 through 1950, 60, somewhere along in there. Yeah. Uh-huh. You said that you relocated with your family. You were six months old when you got to Christmas. Where did your family come from? Well, actually, uh, the original family, I'm a seventh-generation Floridian. My, uh, my family, the Tuckers, drove their cattle across the state line just north of Jacksonville about 1795. And wow. they moved on down into the state, uh, moving the cattle ahead of them. In, uh -huh. in central Florida here, uh, we didn't come into this area until about uh, uh, eight, the 1860s. Uh, but uh, in my, uh, my grandfather... Uh, lived here in Christmas. My great-great-grandfather lived here in Christmas. He was one of those 11 families that moved in here in the 1860s. Mm -hmm. And... Uh amazing that, that your roots go back so far. Yeah, you, you ask about the, it, uh, when, when I was uh, about six, six weeks old, I guess, we, uh, I was born in Rockledge, which is in Brevard County, just west of here because that, I used to be here because that is, uh, was where it was more convenient for Mother to be when, <laughs> when she needed help when I was being born. Uh -huh. At the time, my dad worked for the state uh, as a range rider uh, during the pick eradication program. They had to do, uh, round up the cattle and dip them every two weeks, and he was one of those that helped to oversee doing that. So at the time, he was headquartering at West here at a place called Biffalo, about six miles from here, and uh, that's where we were. Uh, he ended up moving there uh, because of his job, uh -huh. and that's only uh, about five or six miles from Christmas. And in 1932, my grandmother persuaded mother to come over to Christmas and to uh, uh, have a post office. Yes. <laughs> Did you hear another word in there? Another person. <laughs> Well, I did, but it, it was kind of garbled. What did we miss? <laughs> that was my that was my wife, <laughs> Margaret Tucker. She's she's been uh, standing here on the, on the side trying to get me to add some other things. <laughs> <laughs>
keep the cattle moving. The cowwhips were not to whip the cattle. They were just to make a loud noise and to, and to control the cattle. And that's how they got the name Crackers, because you could hear the cattle, the cattlemen, when they were rounding up cattle here in the area, you could hear them for three or four miles, uh, about three miles, two three miles, popping their cow whips. Uh, wow. I knew they were loud. I didn't realize they were that loud. Did yeah. your family or other cattlemen in the area run cattle to the Confederacy? Uh, yes. Uh, all up and down the, the St. John's was uh, a pasture that was great cattle raising area. And mm -hmm. so uh, from St. Augustine down toward through here and toward Kissimmee and below was a large area that uh, Jacob Summerlin, uh, he was one of the largest uh, of the cattle buyers that bought cattle and headed mm -hmm. them up and shipped them to the, to the Confederacy. Uh, and they came through this area uh, buying cattle. Uh, and they would drive them, well, there's, there's two different situations. They, they drove them up uh, all the way to South Carolina and, and through Georgia, South Carolina, North Carolina to the Confederacy. Later, they would drive them to uh, railheads and ship them on, uh, on the train, railroads. Uh, but in the 1870s, Jacob Sumlin was gathering cattle and shipping them out uh, by boat to Cuba, well, to Key West and to Cuba, uh -huh. uh, and it it became quite quite an enterprise. In fact, the uh, for a while there, right after the war between the states, uh, the the people in this area survived because of of being able to have money from the cattle that was raised and sold. That's interesting. Jacob Summerlin uh, started his drives in my county down here in Fort Myers, and he used to block and tackle them off uh, Punterassa. Yes. So and he, but he actually would, would bring them as far, he would drive those cattle as far as St. Augustine south to be to, to Punterassa, to be loaded on the ships. To, to go down to Cuba. That's go down to Cuba. And yeah. uh, early on, they used that winching process that you spoke of uh, to to put the cattle on the ship. That, that's kind of a laborious thing to do. And later, they, they had some uh, better means of uh, driving them, and they just made a short jump into uh, the hold of the ship. Uh-huh. It's just a remarkable history. When you talk about cattle history and Florida, it is just extraordinary. There are so many parts of Florida that people um, aren't familiar with. They, they just don't realize that in, inside, especially inside the, uh, the perimeter of the state, there are some really extraordinary things going on. I, I don't want to let go of Christmas celebrations. So we, we went through Christmas dinner. This sounds really great. Wild turkey. Your dad hunted wild turkey. Yes. Compared to the turkey that you buy in the supermarket today, what was the difference in taste? 
uh, it has a little bit um, gamier taste, but it actually, when you get down to the uh, to the breast, the breast meat, I wouldn't say there was that much difference between the breast meat uh, of the wild turkey than in what we buy today. Uh-huh. <laughs> did you keep the turkeys and grain feed them, or did you shoot them and eat them? We shot them and ate them. <laughs> no messing around here. <laughs> That's fun. That's fun. What kind of games, what kind of activities, what kind of visiting routines did people do when you were growing up? Well, it, it was always fun to go, you know, for for us to go over to our neighbors and the young people there and, and visit with them and sometimes we would leave there and go to the to uh, uh, another uh, kid's place so that we could in, enjoy playing games. We, we played cowboys and Indians a lot. Uh, <laughs> well, actually, I can believe that. You're in uh, Indian territory. Yes, it's part of the time. That we actually, when we got to be teenagers, we actually did it on horseback. <laughs> no kidding, really. <laughs> Which wow. was a little bit dangerous, but. <laughs> oh, that that's amazing. Um, did you did you ride the range? Did you do roundup? Yes. You did. Yes. Oh I my was, goodness! I started out when I was about oh ten years old, uh, riding the range with my dad. Wow. That's amazing. That's amazing. Did you have your own horse? Yes. What was the horse's name? Uh, it, her name was Nellie, and she was a one-eyed mare. Somehow, uh, in her early years, one of her eyes got put out, and she's, she's the one that taught me how to ride. <laughs> My goodness. What a great story. This is super. We're going to have an opportunity to pick up some conversation with you in a little bit, about 8.15, um, maybe just a couple of minutes later. So um, you and your wife get together. She's apparently got some really great ideas about what we should be talking about. So I'll, I'll um, get her on another phone so we don't have the interference. Okay. What, how, however you want to do it. But, um, but we will be back. Walden will give you a call, and um, we'll be back on the phone with you at, oh, about 8.15. Very good. All right. We're really looking forward to this. Thank you so much. Thank we'll you. talk to you later. Bye now. Bye-bye. Okay. I think we're going to give our next guest a call, and we'll be with you really soon, everybody, here on Yesterday USA. Kilikimaka is a thing to say On a bright Hawaiian Christmas day That's the island
Okay. Think we've done it. Alright, we're gonna play some radio shows now. Uh alright. First one, the Gap Betty Show, the famous shoe races from December eighth, nineteen forty-six. The Jack Benny Program. Quality of product is essential to continuing success. In a cigarette, it's the tobacco that counts and... L-S-M-F-T. Lucky Strike means fine tobacco. Yes, Lucky Strike means fine tobacco. It takes fine tobacco to make a fine cigarette. And year after year, at market after market, independent tobacco experts... Men who spend their lives buying, selling, and handling tobacco can see the makers of Lucky Strike consistently select and buy that fine, that light, that naturally mild tobacco. Fine, light, naturally mild tobacco. Yes, Lucky Strike means fine tobacco. And this fine Lucky Strike tobacco means real deep-down smoking enjoyment for you. So smoke that smoke of fine tobacco, Lucky Strike. So round, so firm, so fully packed. So free and easy on the draw. At 50, American. The Lucky Strike Program, starring Jack Benny, with Barry Livingston, Phil Harris, Rochester, Dennis Day, and yours truly, Don Wilson. Ladies and gentlemen, Christmas will soon be with us, and millions of people are rushing around making hasty last-minute purchases. So let's go back to last Monday and look in on a local department store in Beverly Hills. Have you made up your mind yet, mister? Well, well, I don't know. That was Monday. We now bring you up to Wednesday. Same store. Now, look, mister, you've examined them both very carefully. Haven't you made up your mind yet? Gee, I... I don't know which one I want. That was Wednesday. We now bring you up to Saturday. Same store. Gosh, I... I wish you hadn't shown me both of them. Let me see that first one again, will you? Look, mister, I got a wife and five kids. I haven't been home in a week. Now make up your mind, will you? Gosh, I... I can't decide... This one looks nicer, but the, the other seems to be more durable. Oh, Jack, for heaven's sake, shoelaces are shoelaces. <laughs> Mary, when you're buying a gift for somebody, you don't rush into things. Now, let's see. If I take the... Oh, pardon me. Hello? Yes? Oh, thanks. Thanks for telling me. Goodbye. Gee, it's so hard. Look, to... mister, I want to go home. I got six kids now. <laughs> oh. Well, congratulations. A new baby. Do you mind if I buy something for the little fellow? No. No, why don't you buy him a razor? <laughs> a razor? Yeah, by the time you pick it out, he'll be old enough to use it. <laughs> hmm. That's an old joke. It was new when we came in here. Well, look, mister, I'll take these shoelaces, the, the shorter ones. Well, thank heavens. Now, do you want the metal tips or the plastic tips? Here we go again. I'll take the plastic ones. The metal ones rust. You're right, Jack, but of course you know the plastic ones crack. Oh. 
Well, then wait a minute. Uh, let me see. If that phone rings again, I'm going to punch you right in the nose. Give me the metal one. Yes, sir. I'll pick them up later. I'm opening a charge account. <laughs> uh, come on, Mary. Mary, you have my Christmas list, haven't you? Yes, here it is. Uh, what does it say? It says, uh, Dear Jackie boy, I couldn't meet you last night because a customer spilled a chocolate soda all over my uniform, so I have... The list is on the other side. <laughs> Give it to me. Jack, who's Josephine? The little blonde car hop at Simon's Drive-In. She used to work at the Glendale branch, but they promoted her to Beverly Hills. <laughs> Gee, I, I hope that chocolate soda incident doesn't send her back to Glendale. <laughs> you know, she's very pretty, Mary. The drive-in uses her picture in all their newspaper ads. Oh, yes, I remember. She was Miss Cheeseburger of 1945. <laughs> yeah. She'd have made it this year, too, but her mustard was on crooked. <laughs> Just goes to show you, fate, a little thing like that. Let me see that list, Mary. Here. Can I help you, young man? Help me? Yes, you've been standing in front of this counter for ten minutes. Oh, I'm sorry, I'm confused. Well, that's understandable. You're confused because it's Christmas time. You've got the Christmas spirit. You're doing your Christmas shopping, and you're looking at so many different things. Well, that explains why I'm confused in December. What about the other months? <laughs> well, I wouldn't know about that. I'm a coal miner by trade. I'm just doing this to help pay the fine. Well, gee, I'd like to get something for my parents. Oh, your mother and father, eh? Yeah, how did you know? <laughs> I, uh, I just figured it out. Oh, I know. I think I'll get my mother a new corset. Well, don't you think she, she should come down and pick out her own corset? Oh, mother hasn't left the house for three days. Is she sick? No, the string broke on her old one and she can't get through the door. <laughs> oh, that's too bad. Yeah. We were spending a quiet evening at home when boing! <laughs> the steel stays through in all directions. Oh, my goodness. Was anybody hurt? No, but my father got pinned to the wall. Anyway, wrap me up that size 44 corset and I'll take it with me. Yes, sir. <clears throat> now, let's see, uh, let's see that list again, Mary. Oh, yes, a dozen blades for Phil, some handkerchiefs for Rochester, some little toy for Dennis. You told me at Ciro's last night you were going to buy Dennis a grand piano. Last night I had four glasses of Muscatel. <laughs> I'm all right now, so where's the toy department? Oh, wait a minute, Jack. What about your producer, Robert Ballin? Oh, yes. I don't know what to get him. Oh, Jack, look. Why don't you get him one of those new canvas golf bags? Yeah, he'd love that. And it's only $15. Oh. <laughs> Gee, I just happen to think he, he doesn't play golf. Well, why don't you give him a nice cocktail shaker? Say, say, that sounds good. And it's only $12.50. Hmm. 
Now, just happen to remember, he doesn't drink either. Uh, what else can I buy him? A knife and fork. Let's see you get out of that. <laughs> oh, stop, will you? I'll think of something. Now, let's see. Hi, Jack. Long time no see. Huh? <laughs> what? Oh, oh, hello. Come on, Mary. Uh, who was that? Oh, he's a racetrack tout I used to see at Santa Anita. You remember we ran into him at the Union Station last year? Oh, yes. Say, Mary, I want to get a watch for my sponsor. I wonder where the jewelry department is. Well, there's a floor walker. Ask him. Oh, yes. Oh, floor walker. Floor walker. Yes. <laughs> uh, can you tell me where the jewelry department is? Yes, but you'll hate yourself in the morning. Look, I didn't ask for any wisecracks. You either give me a civil answer or I'll report you. Now, where is the jewelry department? It's on the third floor. Thanks. Like fun it is. <laughs> Never mind. I'll find it myself. Hmm. It's a fine store to do business with. You walked in here, Lotus Blossom. Nobody dragged you. Oh, quiet. Come on, Mary. We'll find it. <laughs> Mary, let's go upstairs and get that watch for my sponsor. We'll take one of these elevators. Well, number five is just about to go up. Yeah, let's hurry. Hey, uh, Jack. Hey, Jack. Huh? Oh. Oh, it's you again. Yeah. Come here a minute. What is it? Where are you going? Upstairs. Which elevator are you taking? Uh, number five. Uh uh. <laughs> what? Take number three. It'll beat five to the top by two and a half floors. But, but number five is about to go up. I know, I know, but she's carrying too much weight. I don't know. What do you think about number one? Uh-uh. Local. Can't go the distance. <laughs> oh, well, what about number two? Slow starter. Well, it really doesn't make any difference. I'm only Christmas shopping. Okay. It's your money. <laughs> I wonder where he gets his information. Jack, are we going up or not? So far, all you bought is a pair of shoelaces. Well, at least the... Say, Mary, I was thinking, maybe you were right about those plastic tips. I think they're better than the metal ones. I'll go back and change them. Oh, Jack. Come on, I'm going to change those shoelaces. Pardon me, miss. Uh, would you mind waiting on me, please? Why, yes, sir. What can I do for you all? Well, well honey, child, where you all from? You know, that's down south. Well, corn my pone and mint my julep. Shake hands with a fella rebel. Oh, are you from the south, too? Am I from the south? Just run your hands through my hair and feel those bowl weevils. Well, I declare. Hey, wait a minute. Your voice is awful familiar. Haven't I heard it before? Well, I sure you have, babe. I'm Phil Harris, the Texas Toscanini. Well, imagine that. Just wait till I tell the other girls that I waited on Phil Harris. Now, what would you like to buy? Well, sugar, I don't know. How would y'all like to see something nice in lingerie? 
Now, honey, you know you shouldn't throw me a line like that. You're so cute. Yeah, everybody notices it. Uh, you know, Mr. Harris, you're so much different than I pictured you to be. On the radio, you're such a braggart. You sound so conceited. I know, but it ain't really like that, honey. But Benny's writers always write me that way. His writers? Yeah, every time they get a hold of a beautiful hunk of man, they make him conceited. <laughs> now, look, let's see what I can get for my wife. Oh, I know. Give me one of them negligees there. Yes, shall I wrap it as a gift? Yeah, fix the package so she can't peek into it. You know, seal it over with some of that there scotch and soda tape. <laughs> I'll have it wrapped up for you in just a minute. But look, mister, plastic tips are metal tips. What difference does it make? Well, it's a gift, and I want it to be right. But those other shoelaces are more expensive. I don't care. I'll take them anyway. When he buys shoelaces, money is no object. That's right. Give me the expensive one. All right, all right. You're not hurting me. I work on commission. <laughs> Just wrap them, and I'll pick them up later. Come on, Mary. Uh, Jack, I want to stop them at the lingerie counter. <laughs> I like this shade, miss. I'll take this pair of two-thread hose. You're wrong, lady. This hose is three-thread. Oh, no, it's two-thread. I beg your pardon, but it's three-thread. Listen, sister, don't argue with me. Not so long ago, I was standing right where you are. <laughs> That's seller, Mary. Well, hello, Mr. Benny. <laughs> I see the Yule time is catching up with you. Oh, hello, Mr. Kitzel. Are you doing your Christmas shopping? <laughs> the things I am buying for my little daughter, I am buying, uh, you should excuse the expression, a piggy bank. <laughs> My little boy is at the age where he is going in for sports, but I don't know what to get him. Well, why don't you buy him a badminton set? Yeah, I'll pay a little more and I'll get him a good minton set. <laughs> what? Christmas. Christmas only comes once a year. I guess you're right. But I'm having trouble finding what my wife wants. What's that? A mishmashel. A what? A mishmashel. Oh, no, you mean a mix master. That's right, a mix master. <laughs> well, I'm sure you'll find one in the appliance department. Uh, thank you. Well, goodbye, Mr. Kitzel. Goodbye. Mary, uh, Mary, while you're buying the stockings, I'll go over to the toy department and get something for Dennis. All right, Jack, I'll see you later. Well, there you are, Mr. Wilson. How does that shoe feel? Oh, it fits perfectly. I'll take that pair. That's fine. And would you like some extra shoelaces? No, I always get a pair for Christmas. <laughs> Well, that must keep you excited. Yes, I never know whether I'm going to get plastic tips or metal tips. Oh. Well, I'll have these shoes wrapped for you in just a minute, Mr. Wilson. Fine. Oh, hello, Don. Well, how are you, Jack? Doing your Christmas shopping? Yeah, I was just going over to the toy department. I just came from there, and I bought you the most novel thing you've ever seen in your life. For me? Yes. In fact, I'm not even going to wait till Christmas. I'm going to show it to you right now. Well, what is it? Look. But, Don, that's nothing but a set of toy wooden soldiers. That's not for me. Just watch what happens when I wind them up. But, Don... Ellison, let's be Ellison, let's 
Don, it was nice of you to think. Don, I don't want that. to wind them up again. Never mind, Don. I don't want to, but it was a nice thought anyway. See you later. Uh, don't bother wrapping him as a gift. Here you are. Well, thank you. Oh, hello, Dennis. Hello, Miss Livingston. Gee, am I tired. I just walk up to the sixth floor and back. Walk? Why didn't you take the elevator? Well, I was going to take elevator number three, but some man came over and told me it was scratched. <laughs> Friend of Jack's. What are you doing here in the music department? Oh, I was just going to buy some records. Here's a swell one, Mary. You want to hear it? Yes, put it on. Okay.
was looking for you. Where have you been? Well, I was just talking to Dennis. Oh. Now, let me look at that list again, will you? Here you are. Gee, I still have to get a present for my old girl, Gladys the Bisco. <laughs> I don't know what to get her. Do you think she'd like a lipstick? I don't know. She got lips. <laughs> Don't, don't be so happy. I, I think uh, I think I'll buy her a bottle of uh, I think I'll buy her a bottle of perfume. Let's see what else. Oh yes, I'll have to send something to Fred Allen. Fred Allen, I didn't know you and Fred exchanged gifts. Oh sure. This year I'd like to get him something he needs. I wonder what department sells plasma. <laughs> oh well, come on, I'll get the perfume first. I think it's right over there, oh, but... Look, oh, look, there's Jack Benny. Hello! <laughs> what, what's that? May I have your autograph, Mr. Benny? My autograph? Yes, it will make me so very happy. Yes, indeed, my very happy! <laughs> well, I'll, uh, I'll, I'll be glad to. There you are. Oh, thank you very much, Mr. Benny. Thank you. Goodbye. Goodbye. <laughs> Goodbye. Who, who was that guy, anyway? What's the difference as long as he's happy? <laughs> yeah. Well, here's the perfume counter. What? Here's the perfume counter. Oh, yes, yes. Uh, uh, pardon me, sir. Uh, I'd like to buy some perfume. Okay, mister. What kind of perfume would you like? <laughs> well, uh, I don't know. What's popular right now? Well, here's something that's not too strong, yet leaves a trail of broken hearts. <laughs> oh. It's called Avec Trage Tambuku My Cherie Trey Bean. What, uh, what does that mean in English? Condensation of steam that's been forced through a motorman's glove. <laughs> Gee, they go to so much trouble. No, no, I don't think I'd like that. Well, here's some other perfume called Essence of Smog. Well, I don't know. Mary, do you think I ought to take a bottle of this? Duh, certainly. Uh, how much is it, mister? This is 25 bucks an ounce, and the other one I showed you is 30 bucks. Well, haven't you anything a little more reasonable? Yeah, I even have some perfume for 25 cents an ounce. 25 cents an ounce. What kind of a bottle does that come in? It don't come in no bottle. We keep it on tap. <laughs> On tap. I bet they serve pretzels with it. Well, I don't think I'll take any. By the way, mister, how come they put a fellow like you behind the perfume counter? Oh, my regular job is in a delicatessen department slicing Limburger cheese. <laughs> Limburger cheese? Yeah. Once a month, they send me here to neutralize me. <laughs> Well, what do you know? Uh, come on, Mary. Uh, I'll get the perfume later. Let's go home, huh? 
I'm, uh, I'm tired. Well, don't forget to stop at the notions counter to pick up the shoelaces you bought, the ones with the plastic tips. The shoelaces? Mm-hmm. I bet... Hey, wait a minute. Did I get the plastic tips? Sure, you went back and changed them. Oh, yeah. You know, Mary, now that I think about it... Jack! Yes, Mary, I might as well get what I want, and I'd rather have the metal tips. Come on. Oh, look, there's Rochester buying some neckties. Yeah, and that floor walker's waiting on him. Let's sneak up behind him. I think this tie is beautiful. It's very unusual. Yeah, but I don't think my boss would like it. It isn't his style. I see. What type of man is your boss? Well, he's medium tall, medium weight, and rather conservative. You mean he's conservative in appearance? It goes deeper than that. <laughs> At least he's subtle. Quiet, I want to hear this. Now, here's a nice tie. Maybe he'd like this one. Yeah, that's a pretty thing. How much is it? It's only $3.50. How much? $3.50. Too bad he would have liked that one. <laughs> oh, fine. Well, if you don't want to spend quite so much, here's a nice tie for 89 cents. Well, that's close to what I have in mind and wallet. Of course, it might be a little too plain for your boss. Is he a young man? No. Is he middle-aged? No. Is he elderly? Wrap it up! <laughs> Rochester Van Jones. I know you didn't. Don't be buying me any 89-cent ties. You keep out of this. I'm working on commission. Well, now. Now, look, Rochester, you've been with me 10 years now, and I've been very nice to you. I've always tried to make things pleasant for you and keep you happy, haven't I? I'd like to hear Judge Goldberg's opinion on that. <laughs> Never mind. Now, I'm leaving you here, and I want you to decide for yourself whether or not I'm worth more than an 89-cent tie. Come on, Mary, let's go. Say, Mary, which tie do you think Rochester's going to buy me? The one for three fifty or the one for $0.89? Cents? Well, if you were Rochester, which one would you buy? I'll fire that guy. <laughs> oh, here we are, Mary. Here's the notions counter. Oh, say, mister. Yes? About the shoelaces I bought. Oh, yes, yes. I've got them all wrapped up. Here you are. Well, I've been thinking about the plastic tips, and I think the metal tips would be much better. no. no. No, no. No. But all I, all I want to do is change them. Change them? Change them, he says. This can't be happening to me. This must be a dream. Look, mister. I've always been a good man. Always did the right thing. Look, mister. Worked okay. hard in the store. A loyal employee. Look, clerk. I... When the Christmas season started, they gave us our choice of departments. I know. I could have had any counter I wanted. But I took shoelaces. Look. Shoelaces! And why? Because I thought it would be easy. Simple. Mister. Look. Metal tips. Plastic tips. And we've got rubber tips, too. And I wouldn't tell you. I wouldn't tell you. I wouldn't tell you. Come on, Mary, there's a crowd forming. Let's get out of here. Jack will 
will be back in just a minute. But first, here's my good friend, Mr. L.A. Speed Riggs. In a cigarette, it's the tobacco that counts. And today, tomorrow, always. Lucky Strike means fine tobacco. Mr. Dewey H. Huffy, an independent tobacco auctioneer of Reedsville, North Carolina, was born and raised in the tobacco business. He said, Season after season, I've seen the makers of Lucky Strike buy tobacco that's mild, ripe, and mellow. Fine tobacco that tastes good and smokes good. I've smoked Lucky's myself for 29 years. Year after year, independent tobacco experts like Mr. Huffine, auctioneers, buyers, and warehousemen, can see the makers of Lucky Strike consistently select and buy that fine, that light, that naturally mild tobacco. Fine, light, naturally mild tobacco. Real Lucky Strike tobacco, yes? L-S-M-F-T. Lucky Strike means fine tobacco. And fine tobacco means real deep-down smoking enjoyment for you. So smoke that smoke of fine tobacco, Lucky Strike. So round, so firm, so fully packed, so free and easy on the draw. Say, Mary, that department store was certainly crowded, wasn't it? It sure was. And they had so many people working there. There was Mel Blank, Gerald Moore, Frank Nelson, Benny Rubin... Viola Vaughn, Artie Auerbach, Sandy Bickard, Pete Leeds, Elliot Lewis. And you know those little wooden soldiers that sang? Yeah. Sounded just like that quartet, the sportsmen. I was going to mention my writers, too, but they wouldn't even come in for the show. They stayed in Palm Springs. I hope they run out of suntan oil. Good night, folks. <laughs> The National Broadcasting Company. All right. Let's move over to a Tuesday night, December 23, 1941. And you'll hear back to back like it was originally Fermigan Molly and the Bob Hope Show. So let's see if we can fire this up and get it rolling. Merry Christmas, everybody. The Johnson Wax Program with Fibber McGee and Molly. The makers of Johnson's Wax and Johnson's Self-Polishing Glow Coat present Fibber McGee and Molly, written by Don Quinn, with songs by Martha Tilton and the King's Men, and music by Billy Mills. The show opens with Love Is... thing you can be sure of during these next few days, friends and neighbors will be dropping in unexpectedly for visits to talk over holiday plans and parties. Will your home always be ready for them, floors gleaming with beauty, tabletops and woodwork spotless? If you practice protective housekeeping with genuine Johnson's Wax, it probably will be. Daily housework is reduced to a minimum when these surfaces are Johnson Waxed. Rooms are quickly tidied up. And properly waxed floors never really lose that richly polished look that good housekeepers so much admire. 
When you wax your floors, furniture, and woodwork, you not only protect them against scratches, dirt, and wear, you not only save yourself hours of work, but you also win the compliments and praise of your family and friends for the beauty that genuine Johnson's Wax adds to your entire home. When you consider the low cost of those advantages, is it any wonder so many good housekeepers just couldn't keep house without this famous wax polish? But don't be satisfied with anything but the original and genuine Johnson's Wax in paste, liquid, or cream wax form. This is the time of year when a man who can't suppress his curiosity should be handcuffed and blindfolded. For instance, a package came for the McGee's today, which is almost certainly a Christmas present. And we invite you to an interesting discussion between Fibber McGee and Molly. Oh, but Molly, look, we don't know it's a Christmas present. Just the same, McGee. We're not going to open it before Christmas. Oh, but sweetheart, there's nothing on it that says don't open till Christmas. Don't get mushy with me. I still say we don't open it till Christmas morning now. Okay, okay, okay. I just wondered if it could have been them silver fox furs, that's all. I just wondered. Uh, what silver fox furs? Oh, never mind. We'll, we'll know Christmas morning. Well, I guess I'll run out the cigar store. McGee! Huh? What silver fox furs? Who's sending me some furs? How should I know? Well, you're the most exasperated. <laughs> but this is exactly the size and shape of a box that would have a set of fox furs in it. Hey, cut that out. You can't open that. Not till Christmas. But, darling... Don't get mushy with me. <laughs> you can't open it. Here, give me that package. You wouldn't let me open it, and I won't let you open it. Uh, why do you pay any attention to me? I'm just a woman. I don't know anything. You're the man of the house, and what you say ought to go, dearie. Hand me the scissors. Here. <laughs> Thanks. Uh-oh. Bad news, Molly. It ain't furs. What? It isn't? Mm. Oh, dear. I told you we shouldn't have opened that package, McGee. Not until Christmas. Uh -huh. But what is it? I don't know. Look. Oh. It's a musical instrument of some kind. Looks like a little pipe organ. There's electric wires on. Hey, I know. It's one of them chime doorbells. And a beauty, too. You mean one of those doorbells that every time it rings, you expect somebody to say... The following announcement is transcribed. Yeah, but it don't say here who sent it. Now, who do you suppose... Oh, get that stuff out of sight quick, McGee. Okay, 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 okay. Come in. Mr. Wilcox. Hello, folks. Oh, hi, Harlow. Come on in. No, thanks. I just wanted to leave these packages for you. And don't open them before Christmas. Oh, thank you, Mr. Wilcox. And we won't. But what's your hurry? I've got to stop and get a sandwich before I go back to the office. I missed my lunch. Well, Merry Christmas. Well, now. heavenly days. Now, there's plenty of cold chicken in the refrigerator, Mr. Wilcox, and a lemon meringue pie. Oh, boy, my favorite vegetables. But, <laughs> <laughs> well, gee, I hate to be any trouble, Molly. It's no trouble at all. It's no trouble at all. I'll just set out the chicken. Now, now, wait a minute. No, you don't. I'll find everything myself. Don't get up or I won't stay. Oh, well, well go ahead, Wilcox, and easy on that pie. You gotta watch them hips. <laughs> okay, I'll try to restrain myself. Well, we know he didn't send that doorbell. No, but I wonder who did. Oh, oh dear. dear. Come in. 
Yeah, oh, yeah. how do you do, Mrs. Uppington? How, uh, how do you do, Mrs. McGee? And Mr. McGee? And a yippee you tie to you, Mrs. Yule. Uh, <laughs> Won't you slip out of your sables and squat a spell? Oh, uh, thank you, no, Mr. McGee. I came over to ask a favor of you. Oh, certainly, Abigail. Anything we can do, just uh, ask us. Oh, yes. Unless you want me to take that pooch of yours for a walk. I draw the line at patrolling the precinct with that pie-eyed peak. <laughs> Mr. McGee, Fifi does not enter into this matter at all. Besides, I believe she entertains the same aversion to you that you do to her. <laughs> well, that's a lot of entertainment for one man and a dog. <laughs> but uh, what can we do for you, Abigail? Dean? Well, Mrs. McGee, I head the neighborhood committee to conserve waste paper for the government. I wish to ask you not to burn or destroy your waste paper and cardboard. Please save it, and I shall have a truck pick it up whenever you call. Why, sure. I'd be glad to help such a good cause. <laughs> Personally, I'd like to form a movie committee for this war. Uh, a movie committee, Miss McGee? Yeah, I'd like to get the government to make a documentary picture and send a million prints to Tokyo. Starring what actor, dearie? Harry Carey. <laughs> by the way, Uppy, did you by any chance send us an electric chime doorbell for Christmas? No, no, I did not, Mr. McGee But I must say I admire your blunt way of inquiring I simply detest people who hint I do too, Uppy Although when I was a cup reporter years ago I always, uh, I was always dip the diplomat Oh, sure, oh, yes yeah. Yes, you betcha <laughs> Sir, never used to act a direct question if I could help it but if there was any inside dope I wanted, I got it. Get that dope McGee, I was not asking that. Oh, my. Get that dope McGee, the dashing, daring darling of the dailies and the ding-dong, dipsy-doodle daddy of the dirt dishers, diligently deviling dignified diplomats for delicate details, discreetly dictating data difficult to decipher, and deliberately denouncing dangerous demagogues dripping with dubious dialogue designed to develop defeatism, doing my duty with a dearth of dilly-dallying despite the dirty digs of the desperate dogs who determined to dampen my do-or-die disposition and deteriorate a diggity dynamo into a drippy droop, a dandy detective at dodging death and danger, but doesn't this description sound like a total stranger? Martha Tilton sings he's 1A in the Army and A1 in From my heart. coast to coast in this great nation, each man has got a classification. Pray tell me, pray tell me, what's yours? I've got a guy who's really something. This man of mine, he ain't missing nothing. No wonder I'm happy to say. He's 1A in the army, and he's A1 in my heart. He's gone to help the country that helped him to get a start. I love him so because I know he wants to do his part. For he's 1A in the army, and he's A1 in my heart. And just in case you're quizzical, I'm gonna tell you now. He passed the toughest physical. He passed it folks and how. For I know why he rates so high on Uncle Sammy's chart. Cause he's 1A in the army, and he's A1 in my heart.
They're one A in the army, and they're A one in our hearts. They've gone to help the country that helped them to get their start. We love them so because we know they want to do their part. 'Cause they're one A in the army. This is going to be a pretty snazzy doorbell, you know it. Yes, but who do we get to install it, dearie? An electrician? Nah, I can do it myself. Oh no! <laughs> no, no, please, let's not go into that again. What do you mean? I fixed the thermostat on the furnace last week, didn't I? It works at the touch of a finger now. Sure it does, sure. At the touch of a finger, you get a shock that melts your bobby pins. <laughs> well, I'll get you some rubber gloves. Anyway, I don't see. Oh dear, come in. Oh, hi, sis. Hi, Mister. What you doing? Huh? Hmm. What? I guess not. <laughs> you guess not what? I guess you didn't know I was a businesswoman, Mister. Oh, businesswoman, eh? Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, just what branch of commercialism are you identified with, madam? Well, I. Hmm. <laughs> I says, what's your racket? Oh, a miserable toe. Huh? Miserable toe. I don't get it. You don't unless you pay for it, I bet you. Pay for what? Miserable toe. <laughs> well, that was a short ride, but I enjoyed it. <laughs> Let's go around again. <laughs> what's miserable toe? Oh, gee, Mister, you know what miserable toe is? No. You hang it up on Christmas and it's got white berries on it. Oh, 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 sure, sure. sure. <laughs> Mistletoe, mm -hmm. <laughs> otherwise known as mug holly. <laughs> Lip lilac and night blooming smush. <laughs> My daddy calls it fracture cactus. Fracture cactus. Why, sis? Because once a long time ago, he started to hang some up on the chandelier, and the chair broke, and he fell down and fractured his leg. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Hmm? I says, oh. Oh. Well, mister, can we do any business? Only 25 cents a bunch. Okay, okay. Bring me two bits worth, sis. Oh, thank you, mister. I'll deliver it first thing tomorrow, and you can pay me the 35 cents. Fine, fine. I'll be... Hey, wait a minute. You says 25 cents. What's the extra dime for? Tax. What do you mean, tax? There's no tax on mistletoe. There is, unless you want to glue it up, mister. <laughs> Smart little tyke. I'll bet she winds up selling Santa Claus a snood for his beard. <laughs> hey, Molly, do you suppose this doorbell runs on batteries or the regular house current or how? Well, uh, why don't you experiment, little dearie? You're a wonderful lad with electricity. You really think so? Why, sure I do. Yeah. Who else could have wired the vacuum cleaner so it runs and hides under the Davenport every time I plug it in? <laughs> well, oh. Oh. oh! Heavenly days! Oh. Something's happened to Mr. Wilcox. Come on, hey. McGee. Oh. Oh, my. oh! Hey, what's the matter, Harlow? Hey, what you sitting on the stove for? Oh, oh, oh. 
I've just glow-coated your linoleum. Meow! Huh? And I'm waiting for it to dry. Ooh! I've only got 15 seconds to go. Ooh! Yeah! But you're sitting right on the pilot light, Mr. Wilcox. I know, but I don't want to jump down till the floor is dry. It takes... Oh! It takes 17 to 20 minutes. Oh! Whoa! 20 minutes. Oh, oh! Time's up. Oh! Well, turn around quick. I'll throw some water on you. That's it. Yeah. Oh. oh, boy. That's better. Now, what was all this foolishness, Mr. Wilcox? I'm sorry, Molly, but when I came out here in the kitchen, I noticed your linoleum needed attention. Oh, I know, but I've been so busy shopping the last day or so that Oh, I... well, it wasn't bad, but I can't resist a linoleum that isn't perfect. So I grabbed a can of Johnson's self-polishing glow coat and spread some around with a long handle of plier. It's really fun to do, you know. Oh, yeah, we heard you screaming with joy. <laughs> well, you see, the minute I had the floor all nicely glow-coated, and with no rubbing or buffing either, I hopped on the stove to let it dry, never realizing I was sitting on the pilot light. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you for polishing my floor, Mr. Wilcox. And I'm sorry you had to roast your rompers doing it. <laughs> oh, that's all right, Molly. Well, I'll be getting back to the office now. And uh, did you have enough to eat, Harlow? Yeah, uh, eat. Yes, eat. Did you find the chicken and the pie? Well, what do you know? I forgot all about eating. The minute I got out here, I started glow-coating the floor. Oh, if I'm not the darndest fool. Oh, well, I'll grab a bite downtown. Thanks anyway, folks. <laughs> <laughs> Forgot to eat. I always said it, Molly, but I never really believed it. What? He'd rather talk about glow coat than eat. <laughs> well, I still hate to think about the... Dear, oh dear. I'd like to get paid by the door knock, McGee. <laughs> At a nickel a knuckle, I'd be rich in a week. Come in. Oh, hi, Latrivia. Good day, Mr. Mayor. How do you do, Mrs. McGee? Hello, McGee. I just dropped Excuse in. Excuse me to... just a minute, Latriv. Hmm? Uh, look, did you send us an electric chime doorbell for Christmas? I did not. I didn't send you anything for Christmas. You mean yet? McGee. <laughs> Except for my immediate family and employees, McGee, I'm putting my Christmas budget into defense bonds and stamps. Good for you, Mr. Mayor. We've got to back up our buck privates with our private bucks. <laughs> Which is an old saying I just made up. <laughs> exactly. And now, McGee, you've been hounding me for a job with the city. Oh, and I... I wouldn't say hounding you, Latrivia. Oh, I'll admit I've been kind of scratching around, wagging my tail, but... Well, uh... <laughs> Have you got something lined up for him, Mr. Mayor? I think so. Are we alone? Nobody here but us chickens, Latriv. <laughs> McGee, how are you on disguises? Heavenly days, detective work. How am I on disguises? <laughs> Funny you should ask that, Latrivia. Why, when I was a cinder dick for the old TSR railroad... Uh, what railroad was the TSR? The Topeka, Saugonash, and Rochester. <laughs> Better known to the passengers as the two streaks of rust. <laughs> when I was a detective on the TSR, Latrivia, I was known as the man with a thousand faces. You had your choice of a thousand faces and went back to your own? <laughs> <laughs> I'll never forget the time I rounded up that gang of boxcar bandits around East St. Louis. I was walking along the right of way, slick as a cat, disguised as a jockey. Never mind the heroic details, McGee. <laughs> All I want to know is, can you assume a completely different identity and maintain it under trying circumstances for days at a time? Oh, why, certainly he can, Mr. Mayor. Why, he can even disguise his voice. 
Change your voice for the mayor, dearie. <laughs> okay, I will. <laughs> no trouble at all. In fact, I started changing my voice at the age of 14. <laughs> uh, ah, that's splendid, splendid. Uh, you report to the city hall first thing tomorrow, McGee. Oh, wonderful. You better get me a police permit. Uh, <clears throat> you better get me a police permit, Lefred, <laughs> so I can carry a gun. You won't need a gun. The disguise will be enough. You're going to be Wispel Vista's official Santa Claus in City Hall Park. Five dollars a day. I'll see you tomorrow. Well, man of a thousand faces, it looks like you're holding the bag again. Why, that double-crossing political parasite, who does he think I am? Santa Claus. I won't do it. I won't do it. He can't badger me into a beard and a bustle. No, sir. I... Well, here we go again. I gotta hurry up and put this doorbell up. Yes, an ounce of prevention is worth ten pounds on the door. Yeah. Come in. Uh, Merry Christmas, Mrs. McGee. Hello, little chum. Well, <laughs> days. How do you do, I'm sure. <laughs> well, come on in, Gildy old sock. I'm glad to see you. Look at him, Molly. Ain't he a sight? Yeah, what's that, McGee? I mean, <laughs> ain't he a sight for sore eyes? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Bye, George. It's nice to see you folks again. You're looking as lovely as usual, Mrs. McGee. Oh, now, Mr. Gildersleeve, stop your blind. Yeah, you see, Gildy, you got her so fussed she can't even pronounce baloney. <laughs> Dear Mr. Gildersleeve, take his hat and coat, McGee. Okay. I'll make a pot of tea. Yeah, oh, take my hat and coat, McGee. <laughs> The King's Men sing What Do I Want for Christmas? Ding dong, ding dong, Christmas bells. I must make a wish for Christmas while their music swells. Ding dong, ding dong, all year through. If my wishes are auspicious, I'll be needing you. Oh, what do I want for Christmas? Do you really want me to tell? Well, I want you for Christmas Day and every other day as well. I never hang up my stocking beside the chimney flue. My cup is full to overflowing long as I just have you. A toy balloon is something I'd never use. But joy in June is something I can't refuse. If you want to know what I want most, if you want to know what to do, just merely say, let's name the day for I want you. Ding-a-dong, 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 ding. Everyone is writing, telling Santa what to bring. Why don't I just write and say, Dear old Santa Claus, what do you want for Christmas? What do I want for Christmas? Oh, <laughs> whoever heard of such a thing? And yet, you know I miss the things you all have here at other seasons of the year. Valentines and Easter eggs and firecrackers on the 4th of July and Thanksgiving turkey and mincemeat pie. But all these things don't matter at all. If it makes you happy when I come to call, that's all I need the whole year through. That's the merriest Christmas to me from you. Oh, what do we want for Christmas? Do you really want us to say? We hope old Santa has a very merry, merry Christmas day. Let's hang up all our stockings and fill them full of cheer. So Santa Claus will have a happy round trip this year. We know you're awfully busy visiting everyone alike. 
But though you may get dizzy, visiting never go on strike. If you want to know why we're singing and feel the way we do, it's just because old Santa Claus we all love you. Yes. <laughs> yes, sir, Gildersleeve, you don't look a day older than when you left Wistful Vista. Oh, well. <laughs> Not that you were any chicken then, but... Yes. <laughs> Will you have another cup of tea, Mr. Gildersleeve? Uh, no, thank you. I should hope not. You've had six. Yes. <laughs> I have not. I've only had five, McGee. What do you mean, five? You had one at the coffee table, one while you were snooping through our Christmas cards, if... another oh, while Oh, now, I... McGee. Stop. Uh... He's welcome to all the tea he can drink. Uh, thank you, Mrs. McGee. My goodness. I never thought my little chum would ever begrudge Throckmorton P. Gildersleeve a miserable little cup of tea. What do you mean a miserable tea? My wife makes the best tea in this I country. didn't say the tea was miserable. You did, too. You said it was. He didn't mean that. <laughs> he meant he was surprised you wouldn't want him to have all the tea he wants. Uh, yes. Why, sure. <laughs> Welcome to all he wants. Big ninny. <laughs> but tea's pretty stimulating, Throcky, old man. And to a guy your age with your blood pressure, it might make you just a trifle... What? What are you talking about, my age? Why, I'm still on the sunny side of 40. <laughs> Maybe, but you've got no more use for suntan oil, boy. <laughs> I wish you boys would stop this. It's so nice to have an old neighbor drop in on us. You hear that, Gildy? Old neighbor. Even Molly thinks Never so. mind what I think. I never saw him looking better. Yeah. Going to be in town long, Mr. Gildersleeve? Uh, no, I've got to go to New York tomorrow, Mrs. McGee. Oh, hey, while you're in New York, Gildy, why don't you go see the picture we made together? You know, you and me and Molly and Edgar Bergen and Charlie McCarthy. Oh, yes. Uh, look who's laughing. Uh -huh. uh, where's his play? Well, it has its uh, New York premiere tomorrow at the Palace Theater and Keith Albee in Brooklyn. Oh, yeah. So you better see it in Brooklyn, Gildy. You're one of them bums. You? <laughs> Is that so? Uh, speaking of bums, McGee, that was a bum joke of yours sending me that old lawnmower the other day. Why, it was yours, Mr. Gildersleeve. Didn't you want it back? Well, I thought it was a big, expensive Christmas present. So before I opened it, I went out and bought McGee a very costly easy chair with a built-in radio and everything. <laughs> Gildy, I'm sorry. That, that lawnmower thing was just a gag. I... I, I sent you a real present yesterday. Uh, what? Uh, you did, McGee? Oh, why, sure. I, I thought to myself, I thought to myself, I thought, if Gildersleeve ain't worth forty-seven fifty of my money... Oh, <laughs> I'm sorry. I, I didn't mean to let the price slip out. Uh. Forty-seven fifty is none too much for Mr. Gildersleeve, McGee. <laughs> Not that the price of a gift makes any difference. Uh, of course it doesn't. But I might have known that my little chum wouldn't do a thing like that. Forty-seven uh, fifty, eh? <laughs> well. Come in. Hey, is this the resident? Is this the resident? Is this the resident? Who lives here? I do, bud. Fibber McGee. Oh, thanks. Here's a telegram. Here's a telegram. A telegram. It's a wire. Well, I'll sign for it, boy. There. Give the lad a quarter, dearie. Sorry, bud. I got nothing smaller than 35 cents. <laughs> you got a quarter, Gildy? Uh, no, I haven't, little chum. Uh, sorry, sonny. Well, that's all right, folks. I didn't really expect I didn't really expect I didn't expect I've been here before. <laughs> Hey, it's from Racine, Wisconsin, from the Johnson Wax Company. Oh, my, what do they say? It says, Dear Fibber and Molly, we are sending you under separate cover an electric chime doorbell. Stop. Oh, oh my. Yeah. 
We are so tired of hearing that eternal door knocking. Stop. <laughs> so is everybody else. Stop. If every knock was a boost, you'd have a Crosley rating of 6,000. <laughs> Use the doorbell. Stop. Regards and Merry Christmas. Signed, Johnson's Wax. Well, that solves the mystery, McGee. Mm -hmm. Yeah, sure does, don't it? For a while there, I wondered... Hey, where are you going, Gildy, old man? Aren't you going to stay for dinner? Oh, please do, Mr. Yeah, uh, Thank you. I'm sorry, folks, but I've got to get back to Summerfield and then on to New York. Hey, huh? that's a wrong hat, McGee. I was wearing a fedora, not a beret. Oh, oh excuse me. That's the one I wear to fix the furnace in. If... Here you are, Gildy. Uh, thank you. Well, I certainly enjoyed this visit. Oh, thank you, Mr. Gildersleeve, and I'm so sorry you can't stay for dinner. Well, he couldn't eat any anyway, Molly. He's so full of tea, his eyes are beginning to slant. Yes. <laughs> Still the same old McGee, full of little smart cracks, he thinks. <laughs> well, I, I hope you enjoy your Christmas present, folks. I'm sure we will, Mr. Gildersleeve, and thank you very much. Yeah, and I hope you like the one I sent you, Gildy. I'm, I'm sorry I was so crude as to let the price slip off. Yes, $47.50. Well, certainly nothing to be ashamed of. Wow. Well, goodbye, folks, and Merry Christmas. Goodbye, Mr. Gildersleeve, and the same to you. So long, Crocker. I'm certainly glad we found out who the doorbell was from, Dee. <laughs> Me too. Hey, Molly. Yeah? What could I get Gildersleeve that would look like it cost around forty-seven fifty? <laughs> you know, there's one room that gets to be mighty important around the holiday season, and that's your kitchen, for two reasons. One, it gets more than the average amount of wear and tear. And two, when your friends drop in, they all seem sooner or later to find their way to the kitchen. Now, what's the number one thing to do to be ready for them? Right. Give your floor a protective beauty treatment. Make it sparkle and glisten with Johnson's self-polishing glow coat. The floor polish that gives floors such a lasting luster, that makes linoleum wear indefinitely, keeps its colors as fresh and bright as new. Glow Coat is different from ordinary polishes. Its film is flexible, not brittle. It does not chip or wear down unevenly. It guards linoleum surfaces against wear and dirt. Makes house cleaning so easy because it needs no rubbing or buffing. Glow Coat is quick drying. You simply apply and let dry 20 minutes. And Glow Coat is economical because a little goes a long way. Now, if you're not already using Glow Coat, just try it once. Look for the familiar red and yellow can, and be sure it reads, Johnson's Self-Polishing Glow Coat. You know, Molly, it was nice to see old Gildersleeve again. Well, nobody'd think so the way you two argued that. Oh, we were just kidding. I wouldn't really fight with him. <laughs> I should hope not. <laughs> He's a much bigger man than you are. <laughs> That's why it's so easy to get under his skin. He's got so much of it. <laughs> Good night and a Merry Christmas. Yes, and a Happy New Year, too. Good night, all. This is Marla Wilcox, speaking for the makers of Johnson's Wax Finishes for Home and Industry, inviting you to be with us again next Tuesday night. Good night. With automobile production again restricted, it's very important to take better care of your car. Don't let the finish deteriorate. Make it last. Keep it new looking with Johnson's Car New, the sensational auto polish that both cleans and wax polishes with one application. 
two jobs in one in less than half the time they used to take. For the sake of your car and for your own pleasure, buy a can of Johnson's Car New right away. It's spelled C-A-R-N-U. This is the Red Network of the National Broadcasting Company. For the safety of your smile, use Pepsodent twice a day. See your dentist twice a year. The Pepsodent Show, starring Bob Hope. Thank you so much. How do you do, ladies and gentlemen? This is Bob Christmas Tree Hope telling you to use Pepsodent and your teeth will be evergreens. <laughs> well, I'm tired tonight. I've been wrapping packages all day. Every year I like to send away the product that California produces most of that year. One year I sent away oranges, another year lemons. But this year I'm having a little trouble. How do you wrap up a Douglas bomber? <laughs> And I've been wrapping packages And yesterday I went to the post office To mail some packages What a line Believe it or not Just standing in line I passed my own house twice <laughs> I never saw a line that long before I had a package I wanted to mail To a friend of mine in Boston And by the time I walked To the end of the line I handed it to him <laughs> and, and what mobs there are In the post office For a half an hour I ran around yelling Blackout before I discovered somebody had shoved my head into an inkwell. <laughs> what a mix-up in that post office. One fellow walked in with a package under his left arm. After he got waited on, he walked out with a package under his chin and his left arm was on its way to Kansas City. <laughs> and boy, did that mob shove you around. I stuck out my tongue to lick a stamp and I washed three windows before I could get it back. <laughs> kid scrawling on a piece of paper. I said, writing letter to Santa Claus? And he said, nope, I'm writing to Governor Olson. What does he mean, closing Santa Anita? <laughs> so I said, what are you so sore about? He said, well, my mother's out of a job. She was one of Crosby's jockeys. <laughs> and on the post office wall, there was a picture of Uncle Sam pointing his finger at you, saying, Uncle Sam wants you. And the crowd was shoving so hard, Uncle Sam is now saying it while sucking his thumb. <laughs> You know, Christmas is so exciting And you should see the Christmas trees On Hollywood Boulevard today They floated down from the Yukon <laughs> I love Christmas trees This year I decided to dig up my own tree Roots and all And boy, did I dig deep I dug down so deep That twice I ran into Dick Tracy Chasing the mole <laughs> I finally bought a nice tree And I tied my tree on my, on, on my car With a bottom sticking out In front of the radiator And then I drove down Hollywood Boulevard I heard somebody yell, don't cross the street, Mamie. Now they're using battering rams. <laughs> <laughs> but it's wonderful here in California. Five years ago, I planted a little seed for a fir tree in my yard, and now I can look out of my window anytime and see the gopher that ate it. <laughs> but my tree looks pretty this year. I wanted to fix an ornament on top of the tree, so I bent it way down and told Skinny Ennis to hold it. It took us a half hour to scrape him off the ceiling. <laughs> And I set up the electric trains for my little nephew under the tree before I went to bed. I walked in and turned them on in the dark. Then I accidentally stepped on the electric tracks with my bare feet. 
I was finally brought down by the 4th Interceptor Command. <laughs> but you know, there's one man in this program who knows all about wrapping and mailing packages for Christmas. Oh, Professor Colonna, come here. Coming. Christmas seals. Professor, this is the gay Yuletide season. You know, you look as though you've been down in the dumps. Gad, he knows where his present is coming from. <laughs> no, really, Colonna, you seem to look a trifle sad tonight. Yes, you see, it's... Uh, it's Jim. He never brings me pretty flowers. <laughs> but I'll go on carrying the torch for a Jim. <laughs> Colonna, you fool, you're both men, so how can you carry the torch for Jim? Why not? He's a plumber. Well, Professor, tell us something about Christmas in Hollywood All right You know, people in Hollywood take everything for granted For instance, every night for weeks now Santa Claus has been riding up and down Hollywood Boulevard Hope you yourself have seen Santa riding up and down Hollywood Boulevard But do you know why he keeps riding up and down the boulevard night after night? No, why? Can't find parking space <laughs> Professor, let's tell, let's tell the folks the proper way to wrap a Christmas gift. Now, folks, we have a couple of mailbags right up here at the microphone. Speak for yourself, Hope. Colonna, this is the end. Well, stick around. It may be a double feature. <laughs> Gosh, Hope, I can hardly wait till I see Santa riding in his sleigh Wednesday night. Mm -hmm. He'll ride his reindeer down from the clouds. Then Santa will stop his sleigh on my roof. He'll climb down the chimney. <coughs> then he'll climb a little further down my chimney. <coughs> now he's just a few more feet to go, and he'll be at the bottom of my chimney. <coughs> Ouch! <coughs> I should have put the fire out. <laughs> Did you ever hear the saying, truth is stranger than fiction? Well, here's the truth. Six sets of identical twins started a tooth powder test several weeks ago. One twin in each set used Pepsodent. The other twin used any other tooth powder she wanted. They brushed their teeth alike. They brushed the same number of times. They did everything alike. The only difference was that one used Pepsodent and one didn't. And what do you suppose happened? After a couple of weeks, even total strangers could tell which twin used Pepsodent. Her teeth were so much brighter. But here's what one set of twins had to say. Well, I'm Lucille Eustack of Chicago, one of the lucky twins who used Pepsodent. My sister Lorraine used another well-known brand, and it was just like wearing nameplates. Pepsodent made my teeth so much brighter that people said they could tell us apart by our teeth. Well, I never dreamed there was that much difference in tooth powder. You bet there is, Lucille. Laboratories have proved, and you yourself have seen the evidence, that Pepsodent tooth powder can produce a luster on teeth twice as bright as the average of all other leading brands. Twice as bright, mind you. Now, ladies and gentlemen, that ought to be a guide for you when you buy a tooth powder. Get Pepsodent tooth powder tonight at your nearest drug counter. Remember, independent laboratory tests found no other dentifrice that could match the luster produced by Pepsodent. So be sure you ask for Pepsodent tooth powder, and you'll soon see how really bright your teeth can be. Here, 
beautiful sight. We're happy tonight, walking in a winter wonderland. Gone away is the bluebird, here to stay is a new bird. He sings a love song as we go along, walking in a winter wonderland. In the meadow we can build a snowman, then pretend that he's Parson Brown. He'll say, are you married? We'll say, no man, but you can do the job when you're in town. Later on, we'll conspire as we dream by the fire to face unafraid the plans that we've made, walking in a winter wonderland. Hey, bells ring, are you listening in the land? Snow is glistening, beautiful sight, happy tonight, walking in a winter wonderland. Gone away is the bluebird, here to stay is a new bird. meadow we can build a snowman and pretend that he's Parson Brown. He would say, are you married? We'll say, no man. But you can do the job when you're in town. Later on, we'll conspire as we dream by the fire to face unafraid the plans that we've made. Walking Langford and the six hits in the mist singing Winter Wonderland. Ladies and gentlemen, we members of the cast of this show have been wondering for a long time what we should give Bob Hope for Christmas. Of course, we could give him the same thing he gave us, but he's already got an autographed picture of Bob Hope. So, <laughs> so tonight, we've got a real surprise for Bob. Something Bob has always really wanted. Something I'm sure any man would be glad to find in his Christmas stocking. And here she is, one of Hollywood's most glamorous stars, currently seen in Paramount's Bahama Passage, Miss Madeline Carroll. Goodness, but you're big, aren't you? Yes, I am rather tall and muscular. <laughs> like big, strong men like you. I think that... Uh, pardon me, Madeline. Madeline, honey. Quiet, shorty. <laughs> you know, I could go for you, Miss Carroll. Oh, Ben, call me mad. Call me mad, too. <laughs> you know, that was a lovely speech you made, Ben, when you introduced me before. Would you like to find me in your Christmas stocking? Look at that size of that foot. He could get the Andrews sisters in there. <laughs> <laughs> oh, what are you burning up about, Bob? I bet you're going to use this as an excuse to give me some crummy little present this year. As far as you're concerned, Gage, this Christmas you can call me Jim. 
<laughs> As I was saying, Madeline, I could go for you. There's something about you, a, a certain uh, je ne sais quoi. Yes, and, and you have that, that sensoir, that, that air so comme il faut. Vous êtes un vrai gentleman. Uh, vous êtes une femme fatale. Et vous êtes très intéressant. Uh, where does an alien go to register? <laughs> attention to him, Ben. Tell me, how did you get that lovely wave in your hair? Why, Maddie, that wave is perfectly natural. Naturally, he says. He stays up all night running a hot egg beater through it. <laughs> now, Madeline, on behalf of the entire cast, I want to welcome you to the Pepsodent program. Well, Ben, it's a great pleasure for me to be here. And Madeline, I know there's only one person on this program you really want to meet. Hurry up, get to the point, will you, boy? <laughs> the most sought-after man in Hollywood. Women swoon at the sight of him. That romantic Romeo, that handsome brute. If this is me, let's not be ridiculous. <laughs> Hollywood's great lover, Skinny Ennis. <laughs> Ben, you've had your joke. You can go now. Madeline, do you want me to leave? Ben, stop passing the buck. It's my salary, and I'll do whatever I want with it. <laughs> you better shut up, Redwood. You know, Madeline, Ben's working for the government now. He's working for the government? Yeah, he stands on top of Lookout Mountain with a fly swatter in each hand and knocks Japanese planes out of the sky. <laughs> Are you doing anything for defense? Oh, sure. I'm a fire warden. Oh, what are your duties? Well, I see that the marshmallows don't get too hot. <laughs> Gage, what are you still hanging around for? Oh, every time a girl comes on this program, I have to beat it. Well, I ain't tonight, see? I'm going to talk to Madeline as long as I want, and you ain't going to stop me. Why, Bob, what happened to Ben? Last week, he read the Bill of Rights. <laughs> Come on, now, Ben, scram. Bob, you're being unfair. After all, the gang and I got Madeline down here as a Christmas present to you. Oh, you did? Have you arranged for Madeline's salary, too? Sure. We're all going to chip in as soon as you pay us. I guess I'll have to dream the rest. <laughs> You'll get paid, Madeline, and being that you're English, your salary for tonight will be a thousand pounds. A thousand pounds? No, Bob, I couldn't take it. I oh, mean... gee, that's a shame, and after I had all the Pepsodent weighed out, too. <laughs> mentioned Skinny Ennis before. I don't see him around. Where is he? Oh, the government asked us to keep Skinny hidden. They're, they're afraid he might give the Japs confidence. <laughs> you know, Madeline, Skinny's very war conscious. I know he's too modest to admit this, but yesterday he wanted to do his bit, so he volunteered as a blood donor. Yesterday he went to the hospital to give a pint of his blood. How thrilling. What happened? They gave him a quart. I'll call him. <laughs> hey, Skin. Yeah, Bob? Skinny, this is Madeline Carroll. Matt, Madeline Carroll. He was cute while he lasted. <laughs> oh, come on, get up and go away, Skinny. Madeline doesn't want to be bothered with you. Is that so? Listen this, son. You may not realize it, but you're talking to Romeo Ennis, the Cucamonga Casanova. <laughs> hey, Madeline, come in. Uh, yes, sir. Throw your arms around me and hold me tight and hug me, gal. Come in. Yes, sir. Well, go on. What a time for my Wheaties to give out. <laughs> well, 
later. Optimist. Well, Madeline. <laughs> well, Madeline, here we are alone. Yes, Bob. We're alone. Yep. Well, you want to shoot some pool? <laughs> <laughs> oh, by the way, Maddie, I meant to ask you, uh, how'd you like the Christmas present I sent you? Well, uh, the gift you sent me puzzled me, Bob. I had some friends over at the house when I opened it, and, and they were puzzled by it, too. Why, Madeline, that was a picture of me. Hmm? And all night long we kept playing, trying to pin the tail on it. <laughs> but seriously, Bob, I think you're quite handsome, and, and I love working with you in our new picture. Oh, do you mean it, Maddie? Certainly. I'm very happy with you as my leading man. Gosh, I made pictures with Gary Cooper, Brian Hearn, Robert Preston, and Fred McMurray. But sometimes a girl gets tired of appearing with actors. <laughs> Wait a minute, Madeline. Our people have told me that I'm an actor of the first water. Bob, in Hollywood, that's just a polite way of saying you're a drip. <laughs> oh, but I, I really do like working with you. <laughs> Yeah, I remember the first day on the set when we were introduced. You, you became so red and confused. Well, I'm still a child at heart. Sometimes I wish I was living the simple life once again, enjoying the simple pleasures like killing grasshoppers with a loaded yo-yo. <laughs> Say, how, how about having dinner with me tonight, Maddie? Well, I'd like to, Bob, but I'm hungry. <laughs> Listen, Maddie, I don't have to beg you for dates. I've already got a heavy date for tonight. You know Hedy Lamar? Hedy? Certainly. We're going to Ciro's together tonight. Oh. Well, do you know Lana Turner? Lana, of course. She's in our party at Ciro's, too. Oh. Well, on your way to Ciro's with Hedy and Lana, if you should pass McDonald's Drive and you'll find me there with Mae Robeson. <laughs> Thank you, Madeline. And she'll be back with us in a few minutes, folks. And here back again, we have vitamin B1 with legs. This Betty Hutton. There was Jumpin' Jack playing piggyback with the Big Bear family. And the Popeye clown popping up and down at the Toy Town Jamboree. Little crying doll didn't cry at all, but she danced so merrily. With her pride and joy, little soldier boy at the Toy Town Jamboree.
because she's sleepy. That was Betty Hutton and our six hits and a miss singing Toyland Jamboree. Letty, into the office. The Pepsodent Company and its entire organization wishes you the happiness of a fine, old-fashioned Christmas. That kind of Christmas that is traditional with America, with laughter, good fellowship, and joyous celebration. We hope that every Christmas in the years to come will be the kind we have always known. Let's work to make it that way. You can help preserve this traditional spirit of Christmas for future America by helping our country now. Buy defense bonds and stamps. Buy all you can, whether it's a dime, a quarter, or a thousand dollars. And here's a suggestion. If you haven't already completed your Christmas gift list, give a defense bond or a book of defense stamps. Get defense bonds at your bank or post office. Get defense stamps from your local retailer or your newsboy. Buy defense bonds and stamps this Christmas so that we may be able to celebrate next Christmas. Hello, all you boys and girls. This is good old Santa Claus speaking to you from the North Pole. I've just received a letter from Bob Hope telling me what he wants for Christmas. Hmm, how do you like that? Madeline Carroll is paying him a visit, and he wants electric trains. <laughs> now, let's see what else his letter says. But anyway, Santa, don't forget to bring me lots of presents. When you get to Hollywood, you can't miss my house because my initials are all... My real name is Philbert H. Albert, so look for the letters F-H-A. <laughs> I'm throwing a big party for Madeline Carroll, so don't be late. Oh, I'd better hurry. I'll start up my reindeer. Up, Dancer. Up, Prancer. Up, Phil Murray. Up, William Green. Up, John L. Lewis. All pulled together now. <laughs> We're off for Bob Hope's Christmas party. Say, Maddie, don't you think it was swell of me to invite the whole gang over to my house for a Christmas party this year? Yes, Bob. And I think 35 cents is very reasonable. <laughs> Madeline, come over here and sit down, huh? Bob, I don't like that smile on your face. You've got that come-hither look in your nose. <laughs> oh, Madeline, uh, why do you avoid me like this? Am I perchance unattractive? Of course not, Bob Why, I think you're one of the handsomest men in Hollywood What makes you say that? My eyes, my lips, or my profile? My script <laughs> <laughs> Oh, all right, then Let's finish decorating the house for the party I'll turn on all the lights in the tree Now, Maddie, here, you hold these wires Oh, Bob, be careful now you Oh, I know sure. all about electricity I once went to an electrical school of course, I never got a diploma. Hello, is Hope there? Speaking. Glad to meet you speaking. Is Hope there? <laughs> this is him. Him? What happened to speaking? <laughs> Listen, Kelowna, this is Hope speaking. Oh, Hope speaking. I knew your brother, the baseball player, Tris speaking. <laughs> Look, Professor, this is Bob Hope. Oh, uh, say, Hope, are you in your living room all alone with Madeline Carroll? That's right. Are the lights low and is Madeline sitting close to you? That's right. <laughs> and you, like a dope, waste your time on the telephone. <laughs> Listen. Listen, Professor, I sent you out to buy Christmas presents. Mm -hmm. Say, Hope, would a $1,000 defense bond be a nice present to give somebody? Oh, a $1,000 defense bond would be wonderful. Well, meet me down here with a fishing pole and a long line. Well, where are you, Kelowna? On the roof of the Bank of America. 
Kelowna, only a moron would say the things you say. Ah, yes, and only an idiot would pay me for saying them. <laughs> Bob, look, I think I see some of your guests arrive. Yeah. Hiya, Hiya people. Hello. Hiya, Hiya Scan. Hey, hello, Bob. Look who I brought with me. Betty Hutton. Boy, what a walk we had getting there. Now, put me down, Betty. <laughs> well, come on in, everybody. Welcome to my party. Open house. Step inside here. Come on. Skinny, you put a slug in the turnstile. <laughs> Merry Christmas, everybody. Merry Christmas. Come on, everyone. Why don't we all come in here by the Christmas tree? Isn't it beautiful? No. Down south where I come from, my folks used to have a much prettier Christmas tree every year. Man, it was beautiful. Beautiful? Yep. Confederate money for tinsel and a Yankee hanging from every branch. <laughs> Ain't he wonderful, Madeline? Yes. Say, Betty, how do you know Skinny loves you? Well, he's always got a light in his eyes. Well, what does that prove? <laughs> <laughs> I'll get there. I'll get there. It's all right. <laughs> he's always got a light in his eyes. What does that prove? It must prove something. He ain't a pinball machine. <laughs> Opening present. Are you really in love with him, Daddy? Yeah, you know, there's something strong and manly about Skinny. I don't know what it is. Maybe it's the way he gulps his adrenaline. <laughs> Hello? Hello, is this Old Faithful? Kelowna, Old Faithful is a giant geyser. I know, and you're a pretty big squirt yourself, too. <laughs> Listen, you idiot, I sent you out to do some Christmas shopping for me. Now tell me, what did you get for my little niece, Sheila? Well, Hope, I couldn't get a talking doll for your little niece, Sheila, so I just got her a beautiful electric razor instead. I'm watching her play with it now. Sheila! Sheila, put that electric razor down. Sheila, Sheila! Just call her Baldy. <laughs> Hello, everybody. How's the party going? Well, Francis Langford, you come alone, Francis? Come on, dance with me. No, I came with Ben Gates. He won't let me dance with anybody else. He's outside parking the car. <laughs> Well, shall we rumble? <laughs> well, come on, everybody. It's time to give out the Christmas presents. Francis, here's your present. This one here. Go on, unwrap it. Now open it. Bob, what a beautiful box. Ain't it useful? You can put anything you want in it. <laughs> By the way, Skinny, I meant to ask you, just what did Bob give you for Christmas? Oh, he was very generous with me this year. He gave me two tickets to the Rose Bowl game. He was very generous with me, too He gave me a season pass <laughs> He gave me a season pass to Santa Anita Why don't we eat our plum pudding later, huh? <laughs> Danny, you know what Santa Anita is that's, that's that big pinball machine that the government just tilted I got that out <laughs> By the way, Madeline, did Bob give you a Christmas present? Oh, yes, Bob gave me a wonderful present he gave me a check for $5,000 drawn on the First National Bank of Tokyo. I can't help it. I have a yen for it. <clears throat> Get those bells. Hey, Bob, look. Bob. What? Isn't that Santa Claus and his sleigh passing over the roof of your house? Well, if it isn't, some woman driver is way off the road. <laughs> look, look. Here comes Santa Claus down the chimney. Merry Christmas, everybody. Oh, thanks, Santa, and I think we ought to pass that greeting along to all our friends listening in tonight. So from the entire cast and myself, we wish you a very Merry Christmas, folks. All you people that have written in those nice cards and those letters, we haven't got all your names and addresses, so we can't send you all a Christmas card. But if we could, this would be the card we'd send. All right, Francis. Silence. 
is the National Broadcasting Company. And that was December 23, 1941, both the Fermi and Molly show, Bob Hope show, and it went back to back on Tuesday night NBC's. Now here's Lux Radio Theater, Miracle on 34th Street. Greetings from Washington, ladies and gentlemen. Once again, I wish I could be with you in person, but we've been busy all this past week filming scenes here at the FBI headquarters. Meanwhile, I know you're in capable hands with the cast of tonight's great screenplay, Miracle on 34th Street, from my home studio, 20th Century Fox. We are particularly gratified to have the original stars of the picture, Maureen O'Hara, John Payne, Edmund Gwynn, and Natalie Wood. Miracle on 34th Street takes up a question as old as the spirit of Christmas itself. Is there a Santa Claus? And answers that question very happily. This Christmas week, when most of us think of Lux Flakes as a friendly gift, I'm in the position of thanking Lux Flakes for a friendly gift. The opportunity to be with you at this Christmas presentation through the magic medium of radio. But I imagine many of you housewives feel grateful also, if for different reasons. Lux Flakes, I'm sure, hold out to you the gift of greater leisure, longer life for your precious fabrics, added sparkle to your silverware and dishes. And here's another present to you from Lux, as our curtain rises on Act One of Miracle on 34th Street, starring Maureen O'Hara as Doris Walker, John Payne as Fred Gailey, Edmund Gwen as Chris Kingle, and Natalie Wood as Susan Walker. It's Thanksgiving Day in New York City. On Fifth Avenue adjoining Central Park, an annual event is being joyfully awaited. The spectacular parade presented by Macy's Department Store to herald in the Christmas season. A little away from the crowd are two of Macy's public relations experts. He's simply wonderful, Mrs. Walker. Just look at him on that float. The most realistic Santa Claus we've ever had. Why, he didn't even need any padding, did he? Padding? Well, didn't you notice his tummy? So round, so firm, so fully packed. Well, now that everything's under control, where on earth did you find him? I don't know. I just turned around and there he was. 
And to think that the man whose place he took was was intoxicated. With a breath that would knock over a reindeer. Oh, what if Mr. Macy had seen him? What if Mr. Gimble had seen him? Competition between our stores is tough enough as it is. Well, the parade's starting. Let's stand at the curb. Not I, Mr. Shellhammer. I'm going home and relax. Anyway, I can see it from there. I live just around the corner. Oh, so you do. Well, see you tomorrow, Mrs. Walker. And congratulations on finding the best Santa Claus in Macy's history. Certainly is a wonderful parade, Susan. Just look at that clown. Gosh, what a giant. Giant, Mr. Gailey? There are no such things as giants. Well, not now, maybe, but in olden days, there's... Really, Mr. Gailey? And you a lawyer? Well, what about the giant that Jack killed? You know, Jack and the Beanstalk? Everybody knows that's a fairy tale. And I agree with my mother. Fairy tales are silly. Come in. Good afternoon. I'm Susan's mother. My maid said... Hello, mother. I'm watching the parade. Mr. Gailey invited me. Hello, darling. Susie's told me quite a lot about you, Mrs. Walker. She's told me quite a lot about you, too, the man in the front department. <laughs> this is all part of a plot, Mrs. Walker. I'm very fond of Susie, but uh, I also wanted to meet you. Well, at least you're frank. Don't even mention the name. Why not, Mother? That Santa Claus you see is a last-minute substitute. But why? Well, remember the way the janitor was last New Year's? Oh, my. Tired as an owl. I see Susie doesn't believe in Santa Claus either. That's right. She never has. Well, that's the end of the parade. Mother, I've been thinking. It's Thanksgiving, and there are only two of us. Couldn't we invite Mr. Gailey? Well, I... Oh, please don't bother. I'll just have a sandwich or something. But we have such a big turkey. Please, Mother, please. Well, well, I... Did I ask all right, Mr. Gailey? Susie, shh. You asked fine, Susan. Dinner's at three, Mr. Gailey. Hello, Mrs. Walker? Yes, Mr. Shellhammer? Your maid said you were at Thanksgiving dinner, but I just had to tell you, your Santa Claus was stupendous. Well, thank you. Mr. Macy himself wants him to be our toy department Santa Claus. Fine. Can you hire him? Well, I already have. Oh, he's a born salesman. I just feel it. Good. We'll talk about it in the morning. Thanks for calling, Mr. Shellhammer. Here he is, Mr. Shellhammer. Here's Santa Claus. Thank you, Alfred. Thank you. Good morning, Santa Claus. Good morning. Now, before you go to the toy department, here's a list of toys that we have to push. You know, things we're overstocked on. Now, you'll find that a great many children will be undecided as to what they want for Christmas. Now, when that happens, you immediately suggest one of these items. You understand? I certainly do. Fine. Now, take the list, and Alfred here will show you to your throne in the toy department. And don't forget, you're working for Macy. Are you really Santa Claus? Why, of course I am. What do you want for Christmas, little boy? I want a fire engine with a real hose. That's what's real wet water. And I won't do it in the house. I'll only do it in the backyard. I promise. And I promise you'll get your fire engine. You see, Mama? I told you he'd get me one. That's fine, 
that's just dandy. You wait here, Mortimer. Mama wants to thank Santa Claus, too. Yes, madam? Say, what's the matter with you? Now, now, now. What's the trouble? I told you before, didn't I? The kid wants a fire engine, but there isn't one to be had anywhere in town. Macy's ain't got any. Gimbal's ain't got any. Nobody's got any. My feet are killing me, and you say, okay, he gets the fire engine. Yeah, but you can get those fire engines at Schoenfeld's on Lexington Avenue. Only four fifty. Wonderful bargain. Schoenfeld? Mm. Hey, I, I don't get it. Oh, I follow the toy market very closely. Macy sending people to other stores? Mm -hmm. Are you kidding? Well, the one important thing is to make the children happy, isn't it? Whether Macy's or somebody else sells the toy doesn't matter. Don't you feel that way? Uh, who, me? Yeah. Uh, oh, yes, yeah, sure. Only I didn't know Macy's did. I don't get it. I just don't get Who's it. Who's next, please? Right this way to see Santa Claus. All right, little girl, you're next. Well, of course, little girl. You want some roller skates? Well, you shall have them, too. Oh, Mama, Mama, he's going to bring me some roller skates. Yes, and he has some fine skates here at Macy's, haven't you, Santa Claus? Oh, they're good skates, all right, but not quite good enough. Now, I left some really wonderful roller skates at Gimbel's. I'm sure Gimbel's have just what this good little girl wants. Mr. Shellhammer, are you Mr. Shellhammer? Gimbel's. Gimbel's? That's just what he did say. Gimbel's! Uh, the sales lady said I should speak to you. Gimbel's! I just wanted to congratulate you and Macy's on this wonderful new stunt you're pulling. Imagine a big outfit like Macy's putting the spirit of Christmas ahead of the commercial. Well, from now on, I'm going to be a regular Macy customer. All right, Mortimer, we're going. Gimbel's! department over there, Mr. Gailey. You certainly know all about Macy's store, don't you, Susie? Well, that's because my mother works here. But I still think it's silly, bringing me here to see Santa Claus. Well, I just felt that if you talked to him, maybe... Okay, the... Mr. Gailey. I'm certainly willing to try. Well, well, what a fine young lady. And what's your name, little girl? Susan Walker. What's yours? Mine? Chris Kringle. I'm Santa Claus. Hmm. <laughs> you don't believe that, eh? No. You see, my mother is Mrs. Walker. Oh. But I must say, you're the best-looking Santa Claus I've ever seen. Really? Your beard, for instance. It doesn't have one of those things that goes over your ears. Well, that's because it's real. Just like I'm really Santa Claus. Go ahead. Pull it. Well, my... my goodness. It is real. Yes. <laughs> now, what would you like me to bring you for Christmas? Nothing, thank you. Whatever I want, my mother will get for me. If it's sensible and doesn't cost too much, of course. That's quite right, Susan. Oh, hello, Mother. Hello, hello Mr. Gailey. How are you? The uh, explanation for this is all very simple. Your maid's mother sprained her ankle. She had to go home. She asked me to bring Susie down to you. And as long as we were here, I figured we might as well say hello to Santa Claus. He has real whiskers, Mother. Susan, would you mind standing over there a minute? If you want me to. I shouldn't have brought Susan to see Santa, is that it? Oh, now you're making me feel completely heartless. I'm sorry. Don't you see, I tell Susan that Santa Claus is a myth, and you show her a very convincing old man with real whiskers. Whom is she to believe? Yeah, yeah, that's right, isn't it? When Susan was a baby, her father and I were divorced. Ever since then, I've protected my child by teaching her realities. If you don't believe in fairy tales and fantasy, you can never be hurt or disillusioned. We were talking about Susie, Mrs. Walker. And I must ask you to let me raise her as I see fit. 
All right, dear, we'll run along to my office now. Alfred said you wanted to see me, Mrs. Walker. Oh, yes, yes. I, uh... I'd be grateful if you'd please tell Susan that you're not really Santa Claus, that there actually is no such person. But Mrs. Walker, not only is there such a person, but here I am to prove it. No, 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 you must understand. I want you to tell her the truth. Now, uh, what's your real name? Chris Kringle, and I always tell the truth. Susan, I'll bet you're in the first grade. Second grade? I mean your real name. That is my real name. My goodness, the second grade? Very well. I have your employment card right here. I'll look it up on that. That's a very cute dress, Susan. It's from Macy's. We get 10% off. Oh. So, you always tell the truth, do you? Look at your employment card. Name, Chris Kringle. Address, Brooks Memorial Home, Great Neck, Long Island. You may call the home if you care to confirm that, Mrs. Walker. It's a home for elderly gentlemen. Would you also like me to confirm this? What's that? Date of birth. As old as my tongue and a little bit older than my teeth. Place of birth, North Pole. Now, really. Why, I believe you would doubt me, Mrs. Walker. And this tops everything. Next of kin. Oh, there. Dasher, dancer, prancer, and vixen. <laughs> I'm sorry to have to do this, Mr. Uh, Kringle. Um, but the, uh, the Santa Claus that we had two years ago is back in town, and I feel that we owe it to him to... What, uh, have I done something wrong? Uh, no, no, it's just that we feel... Oh, excuse me. Hello? This is Mr. Shellhammer, Mrs. Walker. Drop whatever you're doing. Mr. Macy wants to see us immediately. Oh, I'll be right up. Um, I'm afraid I'll have to be very abrupt with you. I have to see Mr. Macy. You'll be paid for the full week, Mr. Kringle, and I'll send your check to that address. Come right in, Mrs. Walker, Mr. Shellhammer. Thank you, Mr. Macy. Now, about this new policy you two initiated. Oh. Macy's Santa Claus sending customers to Gimbel's. I, I, I can explain everything, Mr. Macy. You don't Macy. have to explain a thing. Just look at my desk. 42 telegrams and over 500 phone calls. Grateful parents expressing undying gratitude to Macy's department store. Well, you... You don't say. From now on, not only will our Santa Claus continue in this manner, but every salesperson in the entire store. You... You mean if we haven't got what the customer asks for, we're to... We're to send him where he can get it. No high pressuring, no forcing a customer to take something he doesn't really want. I, I think that's wonderful, Mr. Macy. We'll be known as the helpful store, the friendly store, the store that places public service ahead of profits. And uh, consequently, we'll make more profits than ever. As for you, Mrs. Walker and Mr. Shellhammer, you'll find a more practical expression of my gratitude in your Christmas envelopes. Oh, thank, thank you. you. And thank tell you. that wonderful Santa Claus I won't forget him either. Matter of fact, I'll tell him myself in the morning. Yes, indeed, Mr. Macy. Good night, good night. Good night, Mr. Macy. And thank you again, sir. Imagine, a bonus. Yes. Well, what's the matter with you? Mr. Shellhammer, I, I just fired him. Uh, who? Santa Claus. Oh, no. No. You couldn't have. But I, I did. He's crazy, Mr. Shellhammer. He really thinks he is Santa Claus. I don't care if he thinks he's the Easter Bunny. Find him. Oh, no, no, no. In a moment, we'll continue with Miracle on 34th Street. Say, Libby, I understand you were at that wonderful party RKO gave last month... For the company of Tycoon, after they finished the picture. Yes, indeed. 
And I met so many interesting people. Lorraine Day introduced me to John Wayne, who co-starred with her in the picture. He was telling me what marvelous Technicolor shots they got on location in the Sierras. Anybody else I know there? Well, Rosalind Russell made quite a stir when she dropped in with RKO's two British stars, Michael Redgrave and Leo Ginn. Rosalind looking, as usual, like one of the ten best-dressed women in America? <laughs> well, like the best-dressed belle of 1865 this time. Because the three of them came right from the set of Morning Becomes Electra. Rosalind was still wearing her hoop skirts and poke bonnet. She has a very exacting role in that picture. In more ways than one. Her stockings took more punishment than any other part of her costume. Because the sound stage for the mansion set has real sod on it that was watered several times a day. Rosalind changed her shoes and stockings constantly because of the dampness. So her maid had five or six pairs to Lux every night. You did say Lux. Well, naturally. Stars as well as the Hollywood studios know how important Lux flakes are in making stockings last longer. We do know that's true from those famous strain tests made by an impartial laboratory. When they washed stockings with a strong soap or rubbed them with cake soap, pop went runs in a surprisingly short time. But the very same kinds of stockings, washed with Lux flakes, lasted twice as long. That was true of nylon, silk, rayon, and cotton alike. That's a good tip for girls who get some of the new smoky-toned nylons for Christmas. They can make them last much longer, keep the colors lovely longer, if they Lux them regularly. Lux helps stockings last twice as long. So, with gentle Lux care, you can get the wear of an extra pair from every pair of stockings. We continue with Act Two of Miracle on 34th Street, starring Maureen O'Hara as Doris Walker, John Payne as Fred Gailey, Edmund Gwen as Chris Kringle, and Natalie Wood as Susan. It was a frantic few hours that Doris spent last night rushing out to the Brooks Memorial Home in Long Island and assuring Chris Kringle that Macy's wanted him back as Santa Claus. So Chris is again presiding over the crowded toy department. While in her office, Doris and Mr. Shellhammer... Don't you understand, Mr. Shellhammer? That old man with the nice white whiskers insists that he is Santa Claus. He's out of his mind. What if he should have a... A fit or something. Oh, no, I've got to tell Mr. Macy. But maybe he's only a little crazy. Anyway, you can't be sure till he's examined. We'll send him to Mr. Sawyer. Sawyer? In personnel. He's paid to examine employees, isn't he? Now, by the way, what do you think of this? What is it? A full-page ad Macy's is running in tomorrow's newspapers. Macy's is running it? But it's all about the other stores, Gimbel's and Saks. I know, I know. Mr. Macy's idea to help our customers find what they want. Revolting, isn't it? <laughs> that Santa Claus certainly has started something. Oh, well, I'll get hold of him in his lunch hour and I'll send him up to Mr. Sawyer. So I changed my clothes, Mr. Sawyer, and came right up. Oh, then that's your own beard, huh? Oh, yes. <laughs> Interesting complex in back of that. Why do you carry a cane? Always carry a cane, Mr. Sawyer. Well, that is when I wear street clothes. Oh. I carved this cane out of a runner from one of my old sleighs. What's that? What's that? With a fine, solid silver top. Who was the first president of the United States? Oh, give me a difficult one. Like, uh, like who was vice president under John Quincy Adams? I'm conducting this examination. The answer is Daniel D. Tompkins. Ah, uh, oh, you're a, you're a rather nervous man, aren't you? Oh. 
Do you get enough sleep? My personal habits are no concern of yours. Now, what hand am I holding up? Right hand? How many fingers do you see? Three. Oh, dear, dear, dear. And you bite your nails, what? too. Oh, oh. <laughs> Stand up now. Feet together. Arms extended. Muscular coordination test. I've taken dozens of these tests. Mr. Sawyer, are you happy at home? That, that will be all, Mr. Kringle. The examination's over. Thank you. And it may interest you to know that I've been happily married, very happily, for 22 years. Very happily married. Delighted to hear it. Uh, Bye, Mr. Sawyer. Uh, Bye. Miss Prawn! Yes, sir? Get Mrs. Walker on the phone. Yes, sir. But your wife, Mr. Sawyer, she's called four times already. Tell my big fat wife to shut up my own business. Here's Mrs. Walker, sir. Oh. <clears throat> Hello? I was just going to call you, Mr. Sawyer. There's a Dr. Pierce stopping by this afternoon at three. Who, who's Dr. Pierce? He's the physician at the Brooks home. I thought we might discuss Mr. Kringle's case with him. Well, there's hardly any point in discussing it, Mrs. Walker. Obviously, the old man should be discharged. And so, Dr. Pierce, Kringle should be dismissed immediately and sent to a mental institution. Oh, now, just a moment. But he's deluded, <laughs> saying that he's Santa Claus. Well, it's a delusion for good. I found he only wants to be friendly and helpful. Oh, his whole manner suggests aggressiveness. Why, look at the way he carries that cane. Well, Mrs. Walker, naturally, I can't discharge that loony. So when he exhibits his maniacal tendencies, please realize the responsibility is completely yours. Well, I'm right back where I started. Mrs. Walker, I assure you, Chris Kringle has no maniacal tendencies. But if there's the slightest possibility of his causing any trouble... Well, what trouble? All that need happen is that a policeman ask him his name, Chris Kringle, clang, clang, and Macy Santa Claus lands up in the psychopathic ward. Well, you can prevent that very simply. Uh, there must be someone here at the store who could rent him a room. Then they could both come to work together. I'd just as soon he avoided that long train ride to Long Island anyway. You mean sort of take custody of him? Yeah. Do you think Mr. Kringle would agree to that? Well, I'm sure he'll agree. Well, in that case, now let's see... Who do I know who could rent him a room? I'm glad you're going to have dinner with us, Mr. Kringle. Oh, thank you, Susan. I'm also very glad you're going to live next door with Mr. Gailey. Oh, why? Because you're nice to talk to. Oh, what a fine young man that Mr. Gailey is, eh? Just think, allowing me to share his apartment, a mere stranger... Confidentially, he did it because Mother hinted to him. Oh. Well, anyway, I'm very grateful. Shall I tell you what I did in school today? Yeah, by all means. Any games? Yes, and a very silly game, too. They played zoo, and each child was supposed to be an animal. But, Susie, they were just pretending. Well, that's what makes a game so silly. Well, of course, in order to play games, you need imagination. Oh, that's when you see things, but they're not really there. Oh, yeah. yeah, but you know, to me, imagination is a place all by itself. Now, you've heard of the French nation, the British nation. Well, this is the imagination, a very interesting place, too. Now, how would you like to be able to make snowballs in the summertime, eh? Or, or be the Statue of Liberty in the morning, and in the afternoon, fly south with a flock of geese? Oh, I'm quite sure I'd like it, but... Oh, it's very simple. Now, look here. Anyway, the next time they play zoo, you can be a monkey. But I don't know how to be a monkey. Don't you? Here, I'll show you. Now, first you bend over a little, like, uh, like this. See? Now, let your arms hang loose. Eh? Like this? Yeah, yeah, that's fine, fine. 
Now put your hand over here and start scratching, see? That's excellent, Susan, excellent. That's as fine a bit of scratching as I've ever seen. Well, now, now start chattering. Chattering? Yes, chattering. Listen, now. See, I, I, I keep on scratching. Now then, we'll do it together, see? Chatter and scratch, and scratch and chatter. Huh? Well, that's fine, Susan, fine. You're doing beautifully. <laughs> <laughs> Susan, you still awake? Yes. I've just come in to say goodnight. Susan, about Christmas. There must be something you'd like for Christmas. Well, I've certainly thought about something, Mr. Kringle. have? What is it, eh? Tell me. It's right here on the night table. Oh? See, I tore this page out of a magazine. It's a picture of a house. Oh, that's what you want, eh? A doll's house. Colonial architecture. Oh, no. Not a doll's house. A real house. A real house? Yes, and if you're really Santa Claus, you can get it for me. Oh, now, 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 now. Wait a minute, Susie. <laughs> what could you possibly do with a big house? Live in it with my mother. And I want a great big backyard with a great big tree to put a swing on, and a garden, and a... Oh, well. Why even discuss it? Oh, uh, Susie, could I, um... Could I keep this picture just, uh, just in case? I guess so. Thank you, thank you. Well, Mr. Gale is waiting for me. Good night, monkey. Good night, Mr. Kringle. Take whichever bed you want, Mr. Kringle. No, oh, you're very kind, really. <laughs> Tell me, Mr. Gailey. Just what do you do for a living? Oh, I'm a lawyer. Haslip, Haslip, Sherman, McKenzie. Oh. And you, uh, you like living here in the city? Well, it's convenient. But someday I'd like to get a place out on Long Island. Not a big house, just one of those junior partner deals around Manhasset. One of those little colonial houses, eh? Yeah, yeah. A little colonial house would be swell. Oh. You're, um, you're quite fond of Mrs. Walker, aren't you? Yeah. A lot of good it does me. She lives in a cast-iron shell that's a little difficult to penetrate. Oh, you must try harder, Mr. Gailey. Mrs. Walker and that child are a couple of lost souls, and it's up to us to help them. Oh, well, shall I turn out the light? Oh, no, no, no. I'm not going to be cheated out of this. You know, all my life I've wondered about it, and now I'm going to find out. Does Santa Claus sleep with his whiskers inside or outside the covers? Oh, outside, of course. Outside, by all means. The cold makes them grow. Oh, thank you. Oh, come in, Mrs. Walker. Come in. Thank you, Mr. Macy. I've just heard something very exciting. You have? Well, let me tell you something very exciting. Our policy of being kind to customers has tripled our sales. Now, what do you think of that? Well, that's wonderful, Mr. Macy. And Gimbel's thinks it's wonderful, too. Gimbel's? Gimbel's are adopting the same policy. Well, is that so? And it gives me an idea. As long as Gimbel's are doing the same thing, why not some pictures for the newspapers? Pictures? Yes, you and Mr. Gimbel shaking hands. Shaking hands? R.H. Macy and, and Gimbel? Well, well, yes. Hmm. Yes, why not? 
With Santa Claus. It's a great idea, Mrs. Walker. Macy and Gimble, shaking hands. That's enough pictures, gentlemen. Thank you very much. Well, Mr. Gimble. Come on, R.H. Now we'll go over to my store and get some really good pictures. <laughs> Just a minute. I have something here for Santa Claus. Here you are, Mr. Kringle, a check in appreciation of all Mr. you've done. Macy, why, that's most kind of you. I didn't think you were that generous, R.H. Well, that's quite a check. Uh, what are you going to do with it, Mr. Kringle? Well, I have a friend, a Dr. Pierce. He needs a new x-ray machine. Buy the machine through the store. A uh, 10% discount. Nonsense! Come over to Gimble's and we'll furnish it at cost. Well, keep it up, gentlemen. Keep it up. <laughs> at this rate, my friend will have a whole new hospital. <laughs> <laughs> How did the pictures turn out, Mr. Kringle? Oh, fine, Alfred, fine. How about a game of checkers during lunch? No, not today, Chris. I, I don't feel so good. Huh? What's the matter, Alfred? Oh, nothing much. You remember I was telling you how I like to play Santa Claus over at the Y and mm -hmm. give out packages to the kids? Yeah. Well, I was telling Mr. Sawyer about it, and he says that's very bad, that psychologically it's all wrong. Wrong? To be nice to children? Well, he says guys who play Santa Claus do it because when they was young, they must have done something bad. Now they do something they think is good to make up for it, see? It's what he calls a guilt complex. Alfred... What else has he found wrong with you? Oh, nothing much. Just that I hate my father. I didn't know it, but he says I do. Excuse me. Hey, ain't you going to lunch? Later. Right now, I have an appointment with Mr. Sawyer. What do you mean, breaking into my office like this? Are you a licensed psychiatrist? What business is it of yours? I have great respect for psychiatry and great contempt for meddling amateurs who go around practicing it. Shut up! You ought to be horsewhipped. Taking a boy like Alfred and filling him up with complices and phobias and... I think I'm better equipped to judge that than you. Just because Alfred wants to be kind to children, you tell him he has a guilt complex. Having the same delusion you couldn't possibly understand. And don't you wave that cane at me. Either you stop analyzing Alfred or I'll go straight to Mr. Macy and tell him what a contemptible fraud you are. Get out of here. Get out of here before I have you thrown out. There's only one way to handle a man like you. Well... Maybe this'll knock some sense into you. Oh, help! Oh, oh, my head, my head, oh, oh. Good day, Mr. Sawyer. Oh, Miss Prawn, Miss Prawn. Get me the police, get me Mrs. Walker, get me the psychopathic ward at Bellevue Hospital. You can see Mr. Crinkle now, Mr. Gailey. Thank you, nurse. Hello, Chris. Hello, Fred. Chris, I've been speaking to the doctors. They said they've given you some tests. Yeah, same old tests. Except this time you failed to pass them. Chris, you deliberately failed them. Why? Because I had great hopes, Fred. I had a feeling Mrs. Walker was beginning to believe in me. Now I discover she was only humoring me all the time. But this wasn't Doris's idea at all. Mr. Sawyer had you sent here before she even knew about it. But why didn't she come to me and explain things? Because she didn't want to hurt you. Oh, it's not just Mrs. Walker, Fred... Now, take Mr. Sawyer. He's contemptible, dishonest, deceitful. Yet he's out there and I'm in here. Well, if that's normal, I don't want it. But you can't just think of yourself, Chris. What happens to you matters to a lot of other people. People like me who believe in what you stand for and people like, well, like Susie, who are just beginning to. Chris, you're letting us down. Oh, maybe you're right, Fred. You, 
You... Of course you're right. I ought to be ashamed of myself. Let's get out of here. Now, wait a minute. You flunked your mental examination, but good. Oh, yes. Yes, so I did. So I... Well, you're a lawyer. You fix it. Hey, now, look, I... I won't let you down, and you won't let me down. Chris, take it easy, will you? Look, there'll have to be a hearing. If you're going to be committed, it's got to go before a judge. Well? Well, if I can do anything at all, it'll have to be in that courtroom. Now, sit tight, Chris. I'll get an idea. I'll have to get an idea. You uh, uh, sent for me, Mr. Macy. I certainly did, Mr. Sawyer. I brought my family to the toy department to see our Santa Claus. And our Santa Claus isn't there. He's in Bellevue. Uh, Yes, Mr. Macy. Because he's a lunatic. Yes, sir. Lunatic. Lunatic, my foot. You listen to me, Sawyer. You get that case dropped right away, you'll have another lump to match the one he gave you. But... It's out of my hands. Mr. Kringle goes to court in the morning. Well, just see that he's back in the toy department by afternoon. Now get out of here. Oh, uh, Mr. Gailey. Uh, Mr. Gailey. Yes? I've been looking all over for you. I'm uh, Mr. Sawyer. Oh, so you're Sawyer. Yes. I was just speaking to the court clerk, and he said you represent Mr. Kringle. Well, uh, I represent Mr. Macy. Then I'll see you in court. Well, that's what I wanted to speak to you about. Now, uh, Mr. Macy would like to drop the whole case right now. You see, we're most anxious to avoid uh, any uh, publicity. No publicity, huh? That's very interesting. Ah, then you'll, uh, you'll cooperate? You know something, Sawyer? You've just given me the idea I've been searching for. Oh, good, good. If I'm going to win this case, I'm going to have to have public opinion and plenty of it. And publicity's just the way to do it. Thanks and so long, Sawyer. Mr. Gailey! But, but, but Mr. Gailey! Look at these newspapers, Chris. Here, Evening Dispatch. Doctors doubt sanity of Santa who launched Goodwill campaign. Oh, my. Daily Bulletin. Macy's Santa Claus to have lunacy hearing. What's this one? New York Star. Is Chris Kringle crazy? Court case coming? Kitties cry <laughs> calamity? You've driven the United Nations clear back to page five. <laughs> Get a good night's sleep, Chris. We go before Judge Harper at 10 tomorrow morning. Okay. We pause now for station identification. This is CBS, the Columbia Broadcasting System. Turn with Miracle on 34th Street in a moment. If it's possible to be born an actress, our guest tonight was. For Barbara Beebe Lyon is the daughter of two famous parents, Beebe Daniels and Ben Lyon, the well known screen stars who are now on the executive end of motion pictures. You know, Barbara, you resemble your mother very much. Thank you, Mr. Kennedy. That's a great compliment. But I know I'll have to work hard and make a place for myself. Right now, I'm studying dramatics. And visiting the studios to study techniques? That's right. I spent a lot of time at 20th Century Fox watching them make Gentleman's Agreement. Dorothy McGuire is so natural. She's marvelous. And Gregory Peck turns in one of his finest performances in that story of present-day intolerance. Yes, and I was interested in Celeste Holm, too, because she plays her first straight dramatic role in Gentleman's Agreement. Afterward, she asked me to tea in her dressing room. 
But an uninvited guest almost spoiled the party. Who was that? Gregory's dog, Perry. (laughs) He's such a pet. He thought he was invited, too, and in his enthusiasm, bumped Celeste's elbow, and she spilled cream over her lovely negligee. But, and this is why I'm telling you the story, Mr. Kennedy, Celeste wasn't a bit disturbed. She just handed the robe to her maid and told her to lux it right away. She couldn't give it safer treatment. Studio wardrobe departments specify Lux care for everything safe in water alone. So do Mother and I. Since she's been back from England where Mother and Dad spent the war years, we've been splurging on lingerie. But it really doesn't seem extravagant because nice things last so long with Lux care. Lux care actually does keep underthings lovely three times as long. So any girl who gives her underthings Lux care can have three times as many without spending a bit more. Instead of just replacing under things that have grown faded and old-looking from wrong washing, she can buy extra new ones. Soon have three times as many because they stay lovely three times as long. Thank you for coming tonight, Barbara Lyon. Now, here's Act Three of Miracle on 34th Street, starring Marina Hera as Doris Walker, John Payne as Fred Gailey, Edmund Gwen as Chris, and Natalie Wood as Susan. For a few weeks, a jolly elderly gentleman named Chris Kringle has been working minor miracles as the Santa Claus of Macy's department store. But now his sanity has been seriously questioned, and in a crowded courtroom, Judge Harper listens patiently as the assistant district attorney summons Chris to the witness stand. Now, this is not a trial, Mr. Kringle. It's just a hearing, so you don't have to answer any questions. Now then, where do you live, please? Well, it seems to me that's what this hearing will decide, won't it? Uh, Mr. Kringle, do you believe that you are Santa Claus? Of course I do. That's all, Your Honor. The state rests its case. Well, Mr. Gailey? Your Honor, Mr. Mara contends my client is not sane because he believes he is Santa Claus. An entirely logical conclusion. Anyone who thinks he's Santa Claus is crazy. Your Honor, you believe yourself to be Judge Harper, yet no one questions your sanity because you are Judge Harper, do they? Mr. Kringle is the subject of this sanity hearing, not I. Very well, Your Honor. But I intend to prove that Mr. Kringle is Santa Claus. Mr. Mara, I thought you said this was a cut-and-dried sanity hearing. I thought it was, Your Honor. In the view of Mr. Gailey's statement, I'll have to review the entire background of this case. Court's adjourned till tomorrow morning. Doris, I'm sorry I'm late, but get ready. We're really going to celebrate tonight. What are we celebrating? Well, didn't you read the papers? Santa's mouthpiece throws bombshell in New York Supreme Court. Fred, you're not really serious about this. You can't possibly prove that Chris is Santa Claus. Well, you saw Mr. Macy and Mr. Gimble shake hands. That wasn't possible either. And what does your firm have to say about it? Hayslip and McKenzie and, and the rest of them? That I've jeopardized their prestige. And either I drop this impossible case or they'll drop me. You see? So I beat them to it. I quit. Fred, you threw away your career because of a sentimental whim? I'll open my own office. And what kind of clients will you get? Oh, probably a lot of people like Chris who are being pushed around. You know, that's the only fun in law anyway. Doris, look, don't you have any faith at all in me? Oh, it's not a question of faith. It's common sense. But faith is believing in things when common sense tells you not to. It's not just Chris that's on trial. It's, It's everything he stands for. Human kindness and love. Fred, listen. We've seen a lot of each other the last couple of weeks. I, well, I, I've become very fond of you. We've talked about some wonderful plans, haven't we? 
And then you do this. You go on an idealistic binge, throw away your security, and you expect me to be happy about it. And I expect too much, is that it? Well, that's that, I guess. Good night, Doris. Hello. Yes, this is Mr. Mara. Well, can't I wait till tomorrow? I'm eating di- Who's been subpoenaed? Well, how do you think I feel about it? I'll see you tomorrow. Who's that, dear? R.H. Macy's been subpoenaed. Oh, my. Oh, those reporters. They make me look like a sadistic monster who likes nothing better than to drown pussycats and tear wings off of butterflies. Quiet, dear, quiet. Tommy's still awake. Oh, oh, yeah. It'd just break his heart if he knew what his daddy's doing. I'm doing my job as assistant district attorney. Well, I'm not so sure, but that I agree with them. Mr. Kringle looks like a very nice old man, and I don't see why you have to keep persecuting him. I'm not persecuting him. I'm prosecuting him. I like the old man, too, but there's nothing I can do about it. You know something, Thomas? Sometimes I wish I'd married a butcher or a plumber. Well, if I lose this case, it's very possible you'll get your wish. (laughs) R.H. Macy, I wonder what he's going to pull tomorrow. Proceed with the witness, Mr. Gailey. Now then, Mr. Macy, if you recognize the defendant, please tell us who he is. Chris Kringle, of course. Do you believe him to be of sound mind? Sound mind? I wish I had a dozen like him. Mr. Macy, you're under oath. Do you believe that man is Santa Claus? Well, now, that's rather a delicate... Careful, uh... R.H., just think of those headlines tomorrow. Macy admits his Santa Claus is fraud. You keep out of this, Gimble. What did you say? Uh, Nothing, nothing, Mr. Mara. Well, I wish you would. Is that man Santa Claus? Yes. In my opinion, he most certainly is. Your Honor, there is no such person as Santa Claus, and everybody knows it. Can you prove there isn't any? I won't even try. I'll not waste the court's time with such childish nonsense. Your Honor, the prosecution requests an immediate ruling from this court. Is there or is there not a Santa Claus? Well, now, I... uh, The court will take a short recess to consider the question. Hello, Henry. Why, Charlie, what are you doing here? Can't an old friend visit you in your chambers? And if you ask me, you never needed a friend like you do now. This Kringle case? Well, I certainly don't see what they're making such a fuss about. Henry, that's Santa Claus you got out there on trial for lunacy. This case is dynamite, and you're coming up for re-election soon. Charlie, you know what happened last night? Martha brought the grandchildren over. They... They wouldn't kiss Grandpa. (laughs) They wouldn't even talk to me. Yeah, you see what I mean? If you rule there is no Santa Claus, you better start looking for that chicken farm right now. I'm a responsible judge. How can I seriously rule that there is a Santa Claus? Because of what happens if you don't. The kids read about it, and they don't hang up their stockings. Now, what happens to all the toys that are supposed to be in those stockings? Nobody buys them. The toy manufacturers have to lay off employees. By now, you've got the AFL and the CIO against you. <laughs> They're not going to say it with votes, eh? Oh, the department stores are going to love you, too. Yes, sir, Henry. And what about the Salvation Army? They've got a Santa Claus in every street corner, and they take in a lot of money to help the poor. But go ahead, Henry. You go in there and rule there isn't any Santa Claus. But if you do, you can count on getting just two votes. Your own and that district attorney's out there. One vote, Charlie. He, he's a Republican. 
Oh, well, let's get this over with. The question of Santa Claus seems to be largely a matter of opinion. The tradition of American justice demands a broad and unprejudiced view of such a controversial matter. But, Your Honor... This court, therefore, intends to keep its mind open. We shall ask for evidence on either side. But the burden of proof clearly rests with my opponent. Can he produce any evidence to support his views? If Your Honor please, I can. Will Thomas Mara please take the stand? Who? Me? No, Thomas Mara, Jr. I believe he and his mother are both in court today. Hi, Papa. Hi. <laughs> Tommy, do you believe in Santa Claus? I sure do. He gave me a brand new sled last year. And uh, what does Santa Claus look like, Tommy? Well, there he is sitting right over there. Your Honor, I... Overruled. Tell me, Tommy, why are you so sure there's a Santa Claus? Because my papa told me so. Didn't you, papa? Thank you, Tommy. You can go back to your mother now. See you later, papa. You certainly will. Your Honor! Don't forget, Santa Claus. This year I want a football helmet. Well, now don't worry, Tommy. You'll get it. Mr. Kringle, if you don't mind. I'm sorry, sir. Your Honor... The state of New York concedes the existence of a Santa Claus. But in so conceding, we demand that Mr. Gailey stop presenting personal opinion as evidence. I insist he submit authority to proof that Mr. Kringle here is the one and only Santa Claus. Well, Mr. Gailey, are you prepared to show that Mr. Kringle is Santa Claus on the basis of unprejudiced authority? Well, well, no, not now. I, I need a little time. Why not now? Tomorrow, Your Honor. Very well. Court's adjourned till tomorrow morning. Phew. Now come, Susan, dear. Finish your supper. But I can't, Mother. All those things they're saying in the newspapers about Mr. Kringle and Mr. Gailey. Susan, they're having this trial because he says he's Santa Claus. But he's so kind and nice and jolly. He's not like anyone else I know. He must be Santa. You know something? I think perhaps you're right. Is Mr. Kringle sad now, Mother? I'm afraid he must be. Then I'll write him a letter. Maybe that'll make him feel better. I'll cheer him up and I'll tell him I believe it. Postman, postman. Yeah, lady? Would you mind taking this letter? Oh, sure, lady. We're going straight down to the post office now. Okay, Louie, take it away. Hey, what do you know, Louie? Another letter for Santa Claus. Hey, here's a new one. Instead of North Pole, this kid's got it addressed to Chris Kringle, New York County Courthouse. Well, the kid's right. Huh? Oh, yeah, sure. They got him on trial down there. <laughs> He claims he's Santa Claus, and the DA claims he's nuts. Hey, hey, hmm? Frankie, I got an idea. Yeah? How many Santa Claus letters do you think we got down there in the dead letter office? Oh, who knows? Must be 50,000. Bags and bags all over the joint. You, you mean but Frankie? Why not? Wouldn't it be nice to get rid of them all? Wouldn't it? Boy, oh, boy. Look, Louie, as soon as we get to the post office, we go see the supervisor. You know something? I bet we both get promoted! And since the defense has been unable to submit one shred of proof that Kris Kringle is the one and only Santa Claus, and since tonight is Christmas Eve, 
I ask, Your Honor, that this hearing be terminated without further delay. I protest, Your Honor, I do have evidence. Five minutes ago, you said you didn't. During Mr. Mara's oration, the bailiff handed my client the evidence I refer to. What evidence? This letter, Your Honor. Yes, Mr. Kringle? It's from Susan Walker. She believes in me. This letter means more to me than... Oh. Anything in the world. That letter, Your Honor, was delivered by the United States Post Office, an official agency of the federal government. The Post Office Department is one of the largest business concerns in the world. Last year, it did a gross volume of over $1 billion. And Your this Honor, year... I'm sure we're all gratified that the Post Office is getting along so well. <laughs> but what bearing has it on the sanity of that man? My point is that the Post Office Department is a model of efficiency. Furthermore, the laws of this country make it a criminal offense to willfully misdirect mail or intentionally deliver it to the wrong party. The state of New York is second to none in its admiration of the post office department. We're very happy to concede Mr. Cayley's claims. For the record, Mr. Mara? For the record. Anything to get on with this case. Thank you. Your Honor, that letter just received by Mr. Kringle is positive proof that a... One letter is hardly positive proof. I have further exhibits, Your Honor, but I hesitate to produce them. Come, come, Mr. Cayley. Put them here on my desk. But, Your Honor, I said put them on my desk. All right, boys, bring them in. Put them right there. Your Honor, what, what is this? Empty those mail sacks on Judge Harper's desk. But we got six truckloads out there. Bring them in. I'll be fine for contempt of court. Now, just a second oh, here. We'll do it, Your Honor. We'll do it. True rain, true sleet, true courtrooms, anything we deliver. <laughs> Mr. Gailey. Your Honor, every one of those letters and every one of those mail sacks is addressed to Santa Claus. The post office department has delivered them. Therefore, the post office department recognizes Chris Kringle to be the one and only Santa Claus. Since the United States government declares this man to be Santa Claus, this court will not dispute it. Case dismissed. And for heaven's sake, get this mail out of my courtroom. So as soon as I got out of court, I came straight to Mesa's to see you, Doris. Oh, Chris, I'm so glad you won. Well, we're having a big Christmas party at the Brooks' home tomorrow morning. I'd like so much to see you and Susie there. We'll be there, Chris. Oh, couldn't you... Couldn't you just come home now and have dinner with us? Now? Tonight? Me? My goodness, Doris, it's Christmas Eve. Oh. Alfred, look. Look who came all the way out here to the home just for our Christmas party. Chris, it's... It's Mr. Macy. Mr. Gimble, too. Oh, excuse me, Alfred. Mrs. Walker and Susie have to leave now, and I don't want to go without my shoes. But, Susie, darling, you got so many presents. Not the one I wanted. Not the one Mr. Kringle was going to get for me. Well, what was it? It doesn't matter. I knew I wouldn't get it, but I thought he'd at least tell me why. Susie! Susie, I'm, I'm sorry, Susie. I tried my best, You but couldn't I... get it because you're not Santa Claus. Susan! Just a nice old man, like Mother said. But I was wrong when I told you that. You must believe in Mr. Kringle and keep right on doing it. You must have faith in him. But that doesn't make sense, Mother. Faith is believing in things when common sense tells you not to. Huh? I mean, just because things don't turn out the way you want them to the first time, you've still got to believe in people. I found that Hello, out. Hello, Doris. Oh, Fred. Mr. Gailey! Oh, Mr. Gailey! Merry Christmas, Susie. Gosh, you just got here and we're just ready to leave. Oh, I've been here, and if you're ready to leave, I'll, I'll drive you home. Well, be before you go, here, here's a map I've made for you. Now, you'll miss a lot of traffic. About four miles south, 
you will see Ashley Avenue. That's the street you want, Ashley Avenue. Thanks, Chris, and a Merry Christmas to you. Merry Christmas to you, Fred, and to you, my dear, and to you, Susie. I believe, Mr. Kringle, I do. It's silly, I suppose, but I believe. I don't understand it, Fred. The map Chris gave us definitely says Ashley Avenue. We've been on Ashley Avenue stop now. Stop the car! For... Oh, stop the car, please! Susie, what is it, darling? What's the matter? There it is, the house! The house! S Susie, what in the world? She's running into that house. At least there's no one home. It's, it's brand new. It's just been built. Yeah, for sale, it says. For sale. What on earth is that child up to? Susie! Hey, Susie! Come right down. You know you shouldn't run around in other people's houses. That's strange. Yeah, I'll say. No, no, I, I mean this house. I've seen this house somewhere. I know I have. Maybe in a magazine Mother, or... it's our house. It's the one I asked him for, Mr. Kringle. Mr. Kringle? I know it is. Oh, you were right, Mommy. You were right. Susie. Mommy told me if things didn't turn out just the way you wanted them to at first, you've still got to believe... And I kept believing in you were right, Mommy. Mr. Kringle is Santa Claus. Now where are you going? In back to see if there's a swing. Oh, there is one. There is one. You told her that about, about believing? <laughs> well, you told me, Fred. <laughs> Sign outside. For sale, huh? Well, we can't let her down, can we? I never really doubted you. It was just my silly common sense. <laughs> It even makes sense to believe in me now. I must be a pretty good lawyer. I'd take a little old man and legally prove to the world that he's Santa Claus. Now, you know that could... Fred. What's the matter? There in the corner by the fireplace. Oh, no. No. It can't be. It, it couldn't. A cane. Chris's cane. Why, there couldn't be two canes like that anywhere in the world. Silver handle and all. Hey, you know something? Maybe I didn't do such a wonderful thing after all. Our stars will return for their curtain calls in a moment. Let's look in for a moment on the Smiths. In a rash moment, Bill has offered to wash the dishes. Here's the Lux. Just shake a little in the dishpan. Hey there, that's enough. Oh, why be stingy? I like lots of size. Well, so do I. But you'll get plenty with a little Lux. Hey. It looks just like a bubble bath. <laughs> Dishcloth is there under the sink. You know, those suds won't flatten out either, like that stuff I used last week. You watch. Well, at least you use that other box up fast. I'll say. That's another reason I'm back to Lux Flakes. Why, I'll bet Lux does most twice as many dishes, because a little goes such a long way. Well, don't just admire those suds all night. Ah, uh, 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 come back here and dry. Oh, silly, that's a waste of time. Just rinse those dishes with hot water and they'll dry by themselves. You know, I was just thinking, can I count this as my good deed for the day if I get dishpan hands for your sake? Dishpan hands, nothing. You won't get red rough hands with Lux Flakes in the dishpan. See, what's wrong with mine? Not so bad, not so bad. Next time you do the dishes... Well, ladies, if your husband doesn't do the dishes, the next best thing is to do them yourself with Lux Flakes in the dishpan. 
You'll avoid dishpan hands. In fact, if strong soaps have been making your hands red and rough, just change to Lux Flakes and see how soon your hands are soft and smooth again. Now, here's Mr. Keeley with our stars. Mr. Keeley in Washington, D.C., and our stars on the stage of the Lux Radio Theater in Hollywood. For a most delightful holiday performance, all our thanks to Maureen O'Hara, John Payne, Edmund Gwen, and Natalie Wood, who return to the spotlight for a curtain call. From Washington to Hollywood and points between, you've helped to put us in the mood for Christmas. Thanks, Bill. But we missed you at tonight's performance. As I miss being there, believe me. But here in Washington, Edmund Gwen sounded just as convincing as Santa Claus as he must have on your stage in Hollywood. Well, Bill, I wonder how many people knew that Teddy Gwen really was Macy's Santa Claus in their holiday parade. Is that right, Mr. Gwen? Yes, that's right, Natalie. In fact, I've been Santa Claus so much, I'm beginning to really believe in myself. (laughs) (laughs) I don't wonder, Teddy. I'm certainly going to leave the latchkey in the mailbox for you Christmas Eve. No, no, just put a windsock in the chimney, Bill. You really plan to make the rounds on Christmas Eve, eh, Teddy? Well, you can't let millions of children down. You know, Mr. Gwen, you sound as if you did believe in Santa Claus. Mm, He's right, too. Didn't I just prove it? Well, why don't we leave it to the Lux Radio Theater audience? Yes. How about it, folks? Do you believe in Santa Claus? Yes! (laughs) Well, that ought to reassure the children in the audience tonight. (laughs) Tell us, Bill, how's the picture going down in Washington? Splendidly. In fact, if all's well, I'm happy to say I'll be back for our big New Year's show next Monday night. Something special, Mr. Keeley? Very special, Natalie. A musical hit to warm the hearts of every member of the family. Well, let's hear what gives, Bill. Sounds exciting. Exciting it is. A play and cast that's topped our list of listeners' requests. And our stars are the one and only... Frank Sinatra... The lovely and talented singing star, Catherine Grayson, and the ever-popular Gene Kelly. In Metro-Golden-Bear's great hit, Anchors Away. I hope you have Frank singing the wonderful tunes from that picture, Bill. Yes, indeed. And Catherine and Gene, too. Sounds like a great way to finish out the old year, Bill. Congratulations. Good night. Good night. Good night. 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 Merry Christmas to all four of you. Once again, the world looks forward to another Christmas. It would be idle to say that peace reigns everywhere on earth, that men confront the future with untroubled hearts. But this much we can say, that for one day, the world is brought together by the worship of the Prince of Peace. And if that spirit can burn so brightly for a single day, we have cause to hope that it may someday shine forever in men's hearts. On behalf of Lever Brothers Company and of us at the Lux Radio Theater, may I wish all of you the happiest of holidays. We invite you all to join us again next Monday evening when the Lux Radio Theater presents Frank Sinatra, Catherine Grayson, and Gene Kelly in Anchors Away. This is William Keeley saying good night and Merry Christmas.
Maureen O'Hara and Natalie Wood appeared through the courtesy of 20th Century Fox, producers of Captain from Castile and Daisy Kenyon. Edmund Gwen appeared by arrangement with Metro-Goldwyn-Mayer, producers of Cast Timberlane, starring Spencer Tracy and Lana Turner. Heard in our cast tonight were Joseph Kearns as Sawyer, Alan Reed as Macy, Bill Johnstone as Mara, and Herbert Butterfield as Judge Harper. Our music was directed by Louis Silvers. And this is your announcer, John Milton Kennedy, reminding you to join us again next Monday night to hear Anchors Away with Frank Sinatra, Catherine Grayson, and Gene Kelly. Pepsodent won by three to one. Yes, in a recent survey, families throughout America compared new Pepsodent toothpaste with the brands they'd been using at home. By an overwhelming average of three to one, they preferred new Pepsodent with Irium over any other brand they tried. They said new Pepsodent toothpaste tastes better, makes breath cleaner, makes teeth brighter. Yes, with families who made comparison tests, Pepsodent won by three to one. Be sure to listen next Monday night to the Lux Radio Theater presentation of Anchors Away with Frank Sinatra, Catherine Grayson, and Gene Kelly. Stay tuned for My Friend Irma, which follows immediately over most of these stations. This is CBS, the Columbia Broadcasting System. making system that was Luxray or Theater, December 22nd, 1947. So with that, may the good Lord Jesus Christ bless you, and this is Yesterday USA. Jaws Professional. Prove music. Prove music. Alt F4. One Saturday 7 dash. Alt F4. Yes button. Alt tab. Alt tab. Alt tab. Jaws update. Alt tab. Skype. Skype. Sign in. Alt F4. What do you want to do? Combo bar. Alt tab. Skype. Alt tab. Jaws update. Alt tab. Sound Forge Pro 11.0. Escape 0.0 enter 0.0 enter 0.04 menu A leaving menus data window sound one star save as dialogue file name colon sound one edit a set of S A T U R D A Y N I G H T seven dash two three dash one six dub I T eight P A T R I C I A A N D R U N N I N G P A T R I C I A I N T E R V I E D I T A C A R I S T A S F L O R I D A Save as type colon combo box wave save enter data window type and text selection length is selected 0.041 seconds.
Jaws Professional. Alt-Tab, Patricia from FL, Alt-Tab 4, Menu Bar, Alt-Tab, Leaving Menu, Alt-Tab, Skype Trade, Alt-Tab, Bill Brad, Alt-Tab, Document, Alt-Tab, Sound Forge Pro 11.1.